1: what's good everybody welcome back to another episode of the sacred icon podcast and get this guys this is so totally wizard you're gonna love it brian and i are about to hit the jump to lights see, see, see what i did there on a planned four episode retrospective series covering the entire theatrical star wars saga this is where the fun begins guys see what i did there too <laughs> from the prequels and the one-off adventures to the originals and sequels guys no course no rough, nor irritating content here. No Sir Chris Lee. This is about to be seismic charge levels of fun. Okay, okay. References plenty. Okay. Kicking off today, sees us heading back to a galaxy far, far away. All the way up in that commentary booth on Tatooine for the Boonta Eve classic. That's Brian and I up there. When a new era was about to begin with the prequel trilogy. Brian, my dude. Four episodes on all things Star Wars. I mean, is it fair to say these will make a fine addition to our collection?
0: Yes, I think it is. I think uh, you will give us the other three episodes, is what, uh, and I'm waving my hand like the Force here, but <laughs> I see that's, I see that's what the audience should say, because we have a history with Star Wars where we do an episode, and then a year later, we do a next one, and then we never finish it, so we gotta do uh, four episodes on four, well, we're gonna say four trilogies, but it's not really four trilogies, we're, we're gonna have prequel trilogy, then we're going to have the oddballs, which is Solo, Rogue One, and the, and Clone, the Clone Wars War movie. movie. Mm-hmm. Then we'll have the original trilogy. Then we'll have the sequel trilogy. So we're going to cover it all. We're going to start here with the prequels. Um, I, Josh, I'm excited for this. We're really excited to talk about these three movies. That are, uh, they're special to both of us, way more special to Josh, but definitely special to both of us. We really like them a lot. Um, Josh, do you? I'm, I'm guessing you want to bring us in more before I get into it, right? Oh, you
1: can always start off with... Uh... You know, where you're at with Star Wars and how you got into these ones specifically. But real quick, we'll say that we probably won't get all of these out back to back to back to back. Yeah. There probably, you know, will be some other episodes that come out uh, preceding these. But, yeah, I'm so excited to be here and talk about all this stuff. Been looking forward to this. This is exciting. And the first movie we're talking
0: about is, I think, your favorite Star Wars movie. It is. It is my favorite. Crazy. (laughs) I know. But I'm here. um, But I guess, yeah, Josh, you made a good point. We should share our Star Wars background. Um I'll make mine a little. Not that I need to be quick, but I'll, I don't I don't need to make it too Take drawn your out. Time. For me, basically, I grew up with my dad's uh, VHS set trilogy of the original Star Wars. Um, he had the last release on VHS before any special edition stuff was added. Um, he would mm, watch. He I would love watch that one. It, yeah. Is it the he, ones with the
1: heads on the front? Vader, yep, Stormtrooper, yep. and Yoda. Oh, God so good
0: yep he would uh, he'd watch it and I would sit there and, and watch it on and off depending on if I you know because like back then it's like when you're really really little like anytime it's slow and there's no action you're like I'm gonna go play with my hot wheels now you know what I mean <laughs> but uh, so I'd watch those with him um, I feel like we watched a new hope and return of the Jedi the most I it's crazy my dad you know he's 20 some years older than me but his opinion was always Empire is a boring one of the three really yeah which he likes it too but that's the boring one because it's it's slower and not as you know maybe as fun in Well the party is
1: split up it's a darker tone yeah
0: so that makes sense so uh watch those with him um by the time episode one came out that would have been you know i would have been seven years old because i was born in 92 um my parents didn't take me to theater to see it. I didn't ask them to see it. I honestly was probably more interested in, like, Tarzan, to be honest, at seven years old, which is like, come on, Brian, grow up, you know? No, but, dude. Uh, yeah, Tarzan, like, Hercules, man. Yeah, You have a story. Good taste in that. Yeah. Stuff like that. I think Toy story two, coming out. I think Toy Story 2 was, like, within a year of Phantom Menace It was 99, right? 99. same 99. year. Um, yeah, so stuff like that was more my interest, um, but uh, I do recall... Like us ordering pizza and having the Star Wars Episode One branding. I recall us getting twenty-four packs of soda with the cans having the different Mountain Dew, Pepsi cans having the different characters on it, action figures and stuff. My next-door neighbor, uh, they had a kid about the same, just about the same age as me, and he was obsessed with it. So he had like a bookshelf with like full action figures of like Qui Gon Jinn and you know uh, and Darth Maul, and and he was so into it. So. Yeah, Phantom Menace was a, a complete vibe at the end of the '90s, and I remember that vibe. Um, when I first watched the movie, I know it was on a VHS that we owned, so I don't know, you know, it was at least one full year after it that I saw it. But um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Attack of the Clones mostly kind of like eluded me, like it didn't have the level of hype that Phantom Menace did. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I didn't know this at seven years old, but of course, the we know now the the, the talk around the prequels after Phantom Menace came around was disappointment, was everybody was unhappy with, the, they weren't as good, and hopefully the next one can be better, blah, 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 I hate Jar Jar Banks, that kind of crap. Um, so the second movie just kind of passed me by. I didn't really, I didn't go to see it, I didn't get excited for it, eventually watched it at home, um, but then Revenge of the Sith was one where, I think it's because my age lined up better. In 2005, I would have been 13. Um, it was the, it was right before I turned, f- no, yeah, I've been 13, and, um, really excited for Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Like, my hype was really, really high for this movie. I saw it either, it was probably the second week, maybe third, because my parents didn't want to fight the crowd, but we saw it very early on. I saw it with, with my buddy Kyle, that Josh knows, um, and we thought the movie was amazing. I mean, we thought Revenge of the Sith was, a, was freaking phenomenal. I remember coming home. I remember coming home to my uh, coming home with my parents and and like I was like Dad let's watch 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 New Hope now let's watch New Hope now and we put in a New Hope and while we were watching a New Hope I was at thirteen years old I was smart enough to know this I I thought to myself I'm like these original movies are probably better but I kind of feel like Revenge is the best one ever made right now because it's new and it's fresh you were but off I, that high yeah but I was also like at thirteen I was aware enough to know like that's probably not accurate but I told my dad I was like Dad you know is this you think *Revenge* is it possible it's better than any of these original ones? And my dad's like, oh, "We'd have to have to see, but uh, probably not, you know." And uh, <laughs> so, I, so yeah, so the hype was high for that. I remember I actually it didn't last, of course, but I, my my grandpa had bought me this little safe box, lock lock safety box. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the *Times* magazine came out and the front page was *Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith*. I saved it in my safety box so I could be rich one day. <laughs> And then I the think, Time
1: Magazine was going to do it, huh?
0: Well, just because it, if it was a mint condition newspaper from the launch of Revenge oh, of the Sith. Oh, okay, I got your newspaper. And I had like a mint condition newspaper with the law lo- of Revenge of the Sith for like twenty years later. Maybe it'd be worth like you know thousands or something. Sure. Like, after a few years, it was just like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. I'm just going to like, throw <laughs> You know. But, I did like uh, yeah. it for a few years though. I did it. It was in my safety my safety box, but uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, ultimately when the when the trilogy was over before the Planket reviews came out. And unfortunately, well, I don't mind it as much. I, I kind of, I, I I, enjoy it for the history that it is. I say unfortunately for a lot of fans of the prequels, maybe even Josh, I don't know. But I, I do like, the, I do think it's kind of neat that the Plinket reviews, and if you guys don't know what those are, we'll talk about them in time. I do kind of love that they have a, uh, a place in time that kind of exists with the, with the prequel movies because regardless of what I agree with them and don't agree with them on, it's just part of the fun for me, and I, and I like them. But anyways, the point of this is, and we'll get to that, is uh, when, the, when the prequel trilogy ended, my thoughts were, as a teenager, I liked them. They're fun. Not as good as the original trilogy. But yeah, I like them. And I, I remember thinking that, and I think I thought Phantom Menace was the worst one, which I think that a lot of that came down to probably just a mixture of Jar Jar and Hayden Christensen wasn't in the first one, I think is mm-hmm. what really kind of probably made me feel that way. Um, So, yeah, it was mostly fine. And then, of course, around mid to late high school for me, the Plinkett reviews came out, and that changed the discussion. But that is my history with the prequels. Well, actually, I guess I kind of gave you a little bit of the originals, too. I'm not going to go through all my history of Star Wars. This was basically to serve you guys up on a platter how I got to the prequels. So that's that's all I need to say. Over to you, Josh.
1: No, absolutely, man. It's great to hear that. The Plinkett reviews are fun. You know, even though I love these movies and those reviews are doing the opposite of celebrating those that trilogy. I enjoy it because it's almost like commentary from people you enjoy listening to. Do you want so to share I quickly, Josh,
0: time. what the Plinket reviews are? There's bound to be somebody who listens who don't know what we're talking
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you want me to? Okay. Yeah, you would um, describe it better. I appreciate it, though. Uh,
0: long story short, guys, there's this um, these content creators that uh, they call their company Red Letter Media. Josh and I actually got to meet them. Um, Very nice, guys. Very they good. released a popular YouTube video series. It was probably what 2007 or 2008. I would have to Somewhere wager on there. Yeah, um, that a long from- time ago. Yeah, the uh, ah! Galaxy Far Far Away. Um, uh-huh. They they did a video series chronicling the Phantom Menace and every single thing that's wrong with it, bit by bit, from beginning to end, and. The way they criticized the movie wasn't like a typical critic, it was through this character of Mr. Plinkett, which is supposed to be like this old, fat, lazy guy who loves pizza rolls, right? They made like a <laughs> they made like a skit out of it, but the skit mm-hmm. was used to criticize the Phantom Menace. Well, it blew up on YouTube, it became huge, and then that inspired them to do Attack of the Clones. Uh, where they where they dogged that movie from beginning to end, and the thing is, it's very comedical. It's, it's comical. That's not a word. I don't think. That's all right. Uh, Tigger would uh, Tigger would like. Maybe that. it is a word. Maybe it, comical. It's very comical. A hundred funny. acre word, It works. Yeah. Uh, comical, comedical. And it was really enjoyable, right? And what it did was it broke down everything bit by bit, so that it helped people who were disappointed with it. Feel like understood as they were able to understand their feelings or why they were disappointed with the films. The only the only other problem with that was a lot of people who didn't really have any problems with the films decided that they now did and didn't like them anymore uh, because of how well these videos were done breaking down the prequels. So it was did a very good job and it was funny and it was you know a lot of levity there. Um, and so those two things blew up. Well, then it gets to the point where the only one that that they haven't done is Revenge of the Sith. And I remember the conversation because. Me and Justin, our friend Justin who's been on the podcast, we had watched the episode one and episode two Mr. Plinkett reviews and laughed at them and agreed with them and everything and there was no announcement of him doing a third one. And the conversation in the air and on the internet was, will he even do a third one? Because episode three is actually a good film. That's what's so hilarious, right? Is I can actually remember... I have memories of being in, in, in the world at a time before the Revenge of the Sith Plinkett review released where the conversation was, it's a good film, he probably won't do one. And then he announced, it's coming, Revenge of the Sith. And he basically does just as good of a job at tearing Revenge of the Sith apart as he does the first two films. And then that, you know, since the first two uh, videos that Mr. Plinkett, Red Letter Media, uh, released were so huge... This one was even bigger, and what it did was it, it put it into the the cultural consensus that the prequels are horrible shit movies, all three of them. And it basically just kicked off this this sentiment that George Lucas, you know, didn't know what he was doing and, and nobody stopped him and these movies sucked, and it really became a cultural phenomenon to where even someone like Simon Pegg was like on Twitter saying man, these Plinkett reviews are amazing, they nail it, this is true. And then he went on to be in Force Awakens with Simon Pegg, which is interesting. Um, but I don't know, like, I could see, like, Red Letter Media will never listen to this episode. I could see the guys from Red Letter Media, the Mr. Plinkett, I could see them, if they listen to our episode, what I'm about to say, I could see them laughing out loud and thinking I'm way off base. But I think that their reviews, the Mr. Plinkett reviews of the prequels, and the spiraling spiraling effect of what they said and how it encouraged others to talk about it and make their own content. I think it is a giant portion of why Disney chose to go the route they did with the sequels. I think if they were listening to this, they would laugh and and, and make fun of me for being a a younger content creator who, like, you really think we had that much influence on a company like Disney? I I do. I do, actually, because I think it was very systemic. I'm really my words are not, not right <laughs> You're all like, good. You're all good. You're like all good. it was very, it was very systemic. Like <laughs> their videos were popular, but then their videos inspired not only other videos talking about those movies, but the conversation, and then also just it became a style. Right? We still see people uploading YouTube videos today that are critical, and they're critical using the same type of humor and style as Mr. Planket. So very influential. But all that was to to set you guys up because. Talking about the prequels, you kind of—it's inevitable that you're going to talk about the Plinket reviews. So that that lets you guys know what sure. the Plinket reviews are. But uh, yeah, Josh, share us your history with. The- well, I will say, uh, just in addition to what you said, I love
1: watching those for what they are. Uh, but none of that really sways my opinion of how much I love these movies. But I do, inter- I am entertained by them. The third one I thought was a little, little lacking because I remember they go pretty meta on the actual like Plinket backstory stuff. Like half of it becomes mm-hmm. like going into that. Yeah. And I remember kind of being bummed because I really wanted to see how much they'd go into the Revenge of the Sith stuff, but not as much in that one. But yeah, those were fun. And I, I think, I think you know, I mean, I, I I celebrate them in a positive way, even though they're yeah. uh, bashing something I love. Well, but it, and
0: it, to, give, to give you guys an example, me and Josh are two different sides of the coin here. To Josh's credit, he loved the prequels and his mind was not changed by them, by the pl- Plinket stuff. He mm-hmm. just loved them and... The Planket reviews came out, everyone jumped on the train and said they were shit, and Josh was just like, I love these movies. And then when you'd somebody would be around Josh and Josh would be like, Oh, I love the prequels, they're my favorite, people would be like, Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and for years I remember, I spent a lot of time around this guy. For years I remember it. Being around Josh, he loved the prequels. He'd talk about it and people would be like, Okay, or you know, don't you know they suck? And and uh but and I liked the prequels but then when I when I watched the blink see the thing is I was never as attached to Star Wars as Josh or his cousin Justin but when I watched the Plinkett reviews it had to do somewhat with the fact that I wasn't as attached to Star Wars I was just like yeah they're right these movies suck they're awful and then I pretty much I mean I was never a hater I will give myself credit for that I was never a hater but I did have the opinion they sucked because I just went along I mean I just went along with it and they made good points and and even now I think they made good points but um, so, but then as you guys have seen, maybe some people are too, if somebody's like in their early twenties that you might even be too young to realize this, but like once force awakens came out and then the last Jedi and right of Skywalker and the Disney era, everybody went back to, Oh man, the prequels were goaded. Prequels are the best. I think revenge is the best movie of the entire saga and it changed so, and it changed so quickly and it's just crazy to think about that. Cause Josh and I can remember so vividly what it used to be like. If Josh went out in public now and said his favor of the prequels or he loved the prequels, he's most likely to get met with, hell yeah, and, you know, give me a high five, or you're awesome, dude, or oh, I love this part, instead of, like, the, oh, you like those movies? Like, it, it completely changed culturally to now it's where the sequels are the things that can take the heat and get the sack on, sack on, if that really makes any sense, get the sack on, <laughs> get sacked on, um, and the prequels are seen as good, um, and, of course, now I've come back around the other side, too, where I've really, you know, let my own opinions Overwrite what the Planket Review said, and uh, I don't love them as much as Josh, but I do mostly not think they're bad movies. Um, I don't think they're exceptional either, but we'll get into that. And Josh, really, I need to give it back to you, so you you're can good. Really get to it good. Here. I appreciate
1: I appreciate what you said there. The best thing about those, I think, at the time when they released, was that it kind of carried us through into a another way to enjoy the prequels in a in a sense, I guess, for some people. But for me, it was like the movies came out, and then that was kind of it. You had the Clone Wars show ongoing at the time in the background, but then those came out, breathed new life into the prequels, ironically enough, and then uh, not too long after, then we get into the sequel era, the Disney era and all that, but yeah, it was a really fun time being a kid, growing up in the 90s, having... You know, and I'll get into this more when, when we do the original trilogy episode but just growing up with all the original trilogy stuff be it the special editions or which I know a lot of people don't like but it was a fun time and uh, the power of the force toy line and then when you know Shadows of the Empire came out tagged as everything but the movie and the video games that were coming out and all that preceding Phantom Menace it was a really fun time I never you know I didn't really realize at the time that the original trilogy was had come out Um long, you know, before I was born, you know, the Revenge or Return of the Jedi came out five years before I was born. So I didn't really have that awareness because it just felt current and modern uh, because of how they uh, marketed that stuff still. But there was a point when I remember hearing that they're going to do a new Star Wars. And as a kid, you know, when I'm not, I'm hearing that stuff and not seeing it, well, I just move on with my life because I'm too busy playing and going to school and hanging out with friends and stuff but when it finally tangibly becomes a thing it's mind blowing and i think the first r- real introduction because again i didn't you know i'm a little kid i was you know 99 i was let's see was i like 11 yeah so i you know was kind of ambivalent to the internet stuff all the hubbub i was just taking it as as i saw it and i think i saw on the news the thing about midnight madness the release for the toys and you know they had this thing on the, on the insert, you know, on the display box, you know, for the action figures was Darth Maul, you know, and they did that with the Power of the Force line with Vader. They would do it in the sequel trilogy with Kylo Ren for Force Awakens, at least. And I just was, I was like, oh my gosh, we gotta go. We gotta go. And somewhere around that time, I remember my dad, I think, taking me to an Arby's or a Hardee's and... They had their own toys, I and mean, marketing was everywhere at this point. I have never seen, I mean, Force Awakens and um, Phantom Menace got a marketing push unlike any other because they both kicked off a new era of Star Wars. So I'm going there in the drive-thru. I didn't know what toy I was going to get, but they had toys there, you know, kid's meal stuff. And anyway, I remember Dad passing me the stuff, and I'm looking in the bag, and I pull it out, and it's a Jar Jar figure of some kind. And I just remember feeling like, a kid who gets a dog for the first time. I just looked at this new, he was my first real tangible look for myself at this new era of star Wars. That was like out of a comfort zone of what I had become accustomed to. And I just looked at him and I thought, I love him. I'm going to love him, you know? And I was just so ready for that. And then, you know, not too long after my mom takes me to Walmart, lets me pick out like one or two of figures. And they had a lot. There was a, there was a shortage for those that remember the force awakens midnight stuff, there was a big shortage, but for phantom menace, there was a lot. And by the time I went, which was a couple days past the midnight madness stuff, um, there was still a good amount. Things like mall were picked over. It was hard to find Qui-Gon's and Obi-Wan's and stuff, but I, <laughs> my mom lets me pick out like two. I pick out little Anakin Skywalker and Padme. Now Padme, I get Padme. padme I'm excited for it's Natalie Portman. I was crushing on her big at the time, but I'm grabbing freaking little Anakin Skywalker. I little did. I know he'd become my favorite character overall, but it just, I think so. I I laugh about it because it's like, what am I going to do with this little fucking figure, dude? I'm going to go home and have it interact with all my other star Wars figures. What's he going to do? He ain't got no gun. He ain't got no lightsaber. What's he going to do? But it was just cool. I was like, Holy cow, this is insane. And, uh, yeah. Then you go into the movie and I mean, it was just, it was a blast, but you had so many different commercials. I mean, I remember the Pepsi cans, the Mountain Dew cans. You could, you could get the gold Yoda. I remember KFC, Taco Bell, all these different places were doing promotional tie-ins. You could get like these toppers of the characters will go on top of a plastic cup, you know, like you mentioned with pizza hut and, uh, Uh, They had the pogs that you could get of the characters, you know, and stuff like that. And I mean, it was just marketing was everywhere. You had cross sections, uh, visual dictionary books. You had, obviously, the novel tie in. You had comic books that were like kind of preludes to like the events of uh, Force Force Awakens, while Phantom Menace. And I mean, it was just, it was an insane time to be a Star Wars fan because it was just, they made sure that there was no shortage of new content for you to get excited for. I mean, it just everything that I think people who grew up with the originals loved and then kind of lost when like the movies came out, like the figurines were getting harder to find, you know, in stores and stuff like that. Well, that was just a plenty now. And they were all in on this new trilogy and specifically this new movie being the Phantom Menace. And obviously that that went forward with Attack of the Clones. They didn't go as hard on Attack of the Clones. That always seemed like the black sheep one in terms of marketing. But Revenge of the Sith, they went huge on. And uh, I just remember the promotional stuff. You you used to see like Vader with a lot of like flames and stuff like that. And Mm. and, uh, it was, that was a fun time with all the marketing and obviously having the, the the tie in video games that you would get. And uh, oh my gosh. I mean, just even going out and buying the soundtracks and just listening to it and trying to visualize like the scenes, fill out the the movie in your mind, you know, and it was just a blast. It was always a blast anticipating these movies and going up on the, the leaks. I still remember with the attack of the clones, There was a rumor at one point before the movie came out that it was going to be called Rise of the Empire. And I got my first, I I got edumacated online, emailing this guy in all caps when I didn't realize what that meant on the internet. Like, what do you think, I heard it's going to be called Rise of the Empire. What do you think? You you think there's any truth to that? And he was like, chill. You're (laughs) yelling, you're talking in caps to me right now. and You're yelling at me. It's considered yelling on the internet. And I was like, I thought about that for like a day. I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but it was, it's just funny, the stuff you remember. But I do yeah. remember following the leaks on Attack of the Clones. We'll get into that more with the movie. But I remember following a lot of the the rumor mill stuff. And even the little like background characters, like uh, the Death Six guy, Ellen Slaza Bango. I forget. How, I I can never pronounce his name right. But I remember like, you know, it was a shady dealer who offers Obi-Wan a... A, a deal or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, that's going to be a big part of the movie. And then you go and watch it and it's like, okay, just a little, little moment. But, uh, yeah, suffice it to say, I mean, it was a really fun time as a kid growing up with the originals, but then transitioning into these and it just gave more life to star Wars as a brand. It felt like it was never going to leave at that point, even though revenge of the Sith at the time was really the, the end intentionally, I think. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was an exciting time, but we can get started on the movies. I just had a blast enjoying the marketing side of that I always talk about that stuff with anything, whether it's video games or or movies, and they they brought it up plenty with those.
0: Yeah, dude, I can remember I can remember this moment because it stands out to me because it was so shocking to me because I, I we were watching Phantom Menace, me and my dad, and mm-hmm. and little Anakin was on screen, and my my dad goes, I can't believe that's Darth Vader, and I go, What do you mean? Who? And he goes, That kid, and I go. That kid that kid is Darth Vader? And he goes, Yeah, that's apparently that's supposed to be he turns into Darth Vader and I go, What? Like I was in shock. I was like <laughs> Yeah? Yeah, because I, I I was like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like first of all, I'm like, I think of Darth Vader as an evil, awful person. And then two, I'm like, he's such a nice kid. You Did know, You tell like, your dad what?
1: the dark side of the forest is a pathway to some yeah. things. Oh
0: man. <laughs> it shocked me. I couldn't believe it when he said it. I'm like, there's no way that's Darth Vader. Like I if he had told me Ewan McGregor or Liam Neeson with Darth Vader, it would have been much easier to believe. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I didn't have any knowledge of the marketing or the buildup. I just was like, there, who's this kid? You know, he's supposed yeah. to be, you
1: know, I can remember. I, I can remember being at school. And, again, I, I'm 11 years old. I'm not paying attention to when the movie comes out, like, even, like, the specific date, you know. But I become aware of it at school one day. And this one kid who's, like, some days he's my friend, some days he drives me nuts. And he's telling me that he's going to go see the movie that evening. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, it's out now. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I was freaking out the whole rest of the school day. I thought about how I'm going to convince my parents to take me. I can't miss this. It's Star Wars. So I go home and I, I tell my, my my dad, my dad's like, not going to happen. My mom's like, not going to happen. Tickets are like sold out. And I, I don't understand what that means. So I ended like up mom dad. You can
0: make it happen if you wanted to. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so I ended up crying myself to sleep on the stairs and, and took a nap basically because I was devastated. I felt like I was never going to see Phantom Menace, yep. <laughs> and I ended up seeing it probably like later that weekend. But I mean, it was just at the time I was devastated. Yeah. But I remember it was like this do not miss experience. It was, it was awesome. It was special.
0: That's awesome. Special. Dude. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready to get into Phantom Menace if you are, Josh.
1: Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, first up, everyone, Star Wars Episode One. The Phantom Menace.
2: prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen.
3: He can help you.
2: The force is unusually strong
3: with him. He was meant to help you. Anakin! Tell him to take off! Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? Are you sure about this? Trusting
0: our fate to a boy we hardly know?
2: Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi.
3: I sense much fear in you. The boy
4: is dangerous. They all sense it, why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering.
1: This was directed by George Lucas, released in 1999, the only Star Wars movie of the 90s starring Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, and more. At the box office, this grossed in the U.S. alone, $474.5 million. And the synopsis is as follows. Obi-Wan Kenobi is a young apprentice Jedi Knight under... He's not a Jedi Knight yet. Get it right, Rotten Tomatoes. Under the tutelage of... Get it right, Rotten Tomatoes. Under the tutelage of Qui-Gon Jinn. Anakin Skywalker, who will later father Luke Skywalker and become known as Darth Vader, is just a nine-year-old boy. When the Trade Federation cuts off all routes to the planet Naboo, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are assigned to settle the matter. This sits at a 52% on the tomato meter rotten with an audience score of 59%. The critics consensus reading burdened by exposition and populated with stock characters. The phantom menace gets the star Wars prequels off to a bumpy, albeit visually dazzling start. Brian, do you want to take it away?
0: Yeah, I think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Um, It's understandable why it is this way. I I think, I think the Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter is at 52% for two reasons. One, the immense amount of hype and build-up to seeing another Star Wars film after it's been over a decade. And the original Star Wars trilogy is three of the best movies anyone had ever seen. The idea of seeing another one and and, and having George Lucas come back and it uh, it tell us the events of what happened before, the, the hype was just insurmountable right so it's, it's mm-hmm. a combination of it's a combination of the hype the the build-up you know making it easier for people to be let down it's a combination of some honest decisions that were made in the movie that are fair to not like and then weighed it down and then thirdly if you go and look at the rotten tomatoes like you go and look at the reviews a lot of these reviews were put in far far after the release of this movie you far, know the, far away 2008, 2012, 2015. People are putting, you know, critics are putting in reviews for this movie way past um, when it came out, and I think a lot of that was put in the air. A lot of those reviews were done uh, post an era of people critiquing them to death, right? So
2: mm-hmm.
0: you have like the hype that boiled it down, and then you have the all, all the reviews that came in a decade later that are after all the critiques have been made, and it's easy to dogpile this movie. The movie has, you know, issues. It's not perfect. It's not a masterpiece. I wouldn't even say it's exceptional. But I would say it's a good movie. I would say Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Um, I certainly think people's perception of it today is better than this. I would probably put it around a 70 uh, fresh uh, for Rotten Tomatoes. I like um, that, Brian. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: I like this. <laughs>
0: um, now, tell me if you agree with this, Josh. So, obviously, this movie's been critiqued by every millisecond of film. So... If, if, I, if I said, Josh, let's talk about the, the criticisms, we could be here all day, I don't want to do that, we, we love this movie anyways, but if I was to list the two criticisms that I think are the most fair, because, like, like I said, we could get into the minutia of things, like one of the things that got repeated all the time because of the Plinkett reviews is, oh, early in this movie... Um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn use this like super force speed to get out of a situation and it never is brought up again in Star Wars ever again. And it's like, oh, and the whole joke was like, oh, George Lucas didn't know how to write this scene. So he just made up a power to get himself (laughs) out of the scene. (laughs) That's always possible, you know, but I don't care. It's possible, but but to me, to me, that's more nitpick territory than Mm -hmm. the big criticism. So I'd say there's two huge criticisms of this film that whether you agree with them or not, I think they're objectively probably the two biggest. And you tell me if you agree, Josh. Jar Jar Binks as a character, uh, as a main character, who is also a CG, a completely CG character, which was not very common at the time. Pioneer, goofy. we don't get Gollum without Jar Jar. We true. We really don't. That's true. That's true. But the two major criticisms were Jar Jar Binks as a character and Anakin, one of, one of the main characters, some people would argue the main character... Being a child actor, you know, being a not a strong like like Liam Neeson's in this, but he's he's at the very least sharing screen time with this child actor, mm-hmm. if not playing second fiddle to him. So it doesn't have a strong lead. And that's not because. Um, oh, wow. His name just gave me at, at the moment. Anakin. What's the actor's oh, Jake name? Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not because Jake Lloyd's a terrible actor. He was just a he was a good like stereotypical kid actor playing kid roles. He didn't have like exceptional ap- acting chops. So the two major criticisms of this movie is Anakin, a kid, a kid lead. And then and Jar Jar Binks. Would you agree with me, Josh? Would you say I'm off? Would you throw in? a No, I mean, that's, the,
1: those are huge criticisms. The ones I always see more is just like people will say politics, although that kind of, they kind of okay. apply that to the whole prequels. Yeah. And then also just did the movie, did the, did the saga or the prequels itself really need to begin here? A I lot thought of people feel like it began at episode two.
0: I did think to mention that one, but I was really trying to to weed out the the real heavy stuff from the nitpicks. Sure. So I didn't mention that. But yeah, but you're some a, people, no,
1: I mean those are what you stated are definitely criticisms all, most people have had.
0: For sure. Yeah, and I would say Jar Jar is yeah. probably the top one, but then after that, I would say it's Kid Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into those two criticisms, um, Jar Jar is a goofy character on purpose. Um, the CG is pretty good for the time. It wasn't, you know, I I mean I wouldn't say you know compared steady. to what uh, we see today, steady. Yeah. I, I, compared to what we see today, you look back at it and probably think it's bad, but like it was pretty good for the time. Jar Jar's a main character in this movie. He's not somebody who is in one fun scene and then leaves. He's here throughout the whole film, and that's what people didn't like because he was so goofy and all that stuff. Obviously, it led to horrible uh, you know, death threats and awful things said to... Um, Ab- Abed, is that his name? Ahmed. Ahmed, Ahmed. Um, mm-hmm. I got it like, confused with community, I guess. Um, Abed's Abed, great, yeah, though. Yeah, Abed. <laughs> Um, so who cool. played Jar Jar cool, cool, Binks, cool. but, um, I think it's okay. Here's what I'll say. And I, I'm trying to like, there's the part of me, like, I'm going to be honest no matter what, but there is the part of me that wants to like, not go too hard on something. Cause Josh loves this movie. So much. go ahead, man. So we, we got try- time. Go ahead. Yeah, no, So I'm just trying Break to be honest, but I would say if you hate Jar Jar Binks and think he severely impacts this film, I don't think you're wrong to say that. I, I don't feel that way. But I don't think you're wrong to say that. I I, I think that's a fair criticism. Uh, he's such a large part of the movie. He's here the whole time. He stands out because he's CG, especially in 99. He's goofy. He's wacky. He he clashes with the themes. Um, so I think it's a fair criticism. I, I think that's if that's one or, or the sole reason why you have such trouble enjoying this movie, I think it's fair. Uh, it doesn't bother me. Uh, I do think he's like cringe, but I think that's kind of the point. If it's not, then... I mean, I still get enjoyment from him being cringe, like you know. Um, and then, um, as far as like Kid Anakin goes, leading the movie, I mean, yeah, you have like the guy, the the kid who's introduced is like this is gonna become Darth Vader, you know. You say n'ipie, you know, and he's <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and he's I'll try spinning. He's, That's a good trick. Yeah, and he's kind of like it's very like I don't know, corny maybe not corny, but it's just it's just. He's playing the same kind of role you would see him and many other kids play at this age in their life, and, and it's easy to say this. I go to Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who Jake Lloyd is also in. Jake Lloyd's playing the same character here as he played in Jingle All the Way, which is a Christmas movie. I mean, he's obviously he's playing Anakin Skywalker, who lives on the sand planet. Blah 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 blah. blah. But the acting is the same. He's a kid who knows how to read it, study his lines, and act against other actors. He he's talented in that way, but he's not like a... Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a, a child prodigy actor. You know, he, he doesn't have the acting talents that maybe like a, um, Who Plays Eleven in Stranger Things. Oh, MBB, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, Millie Bobby Brown. You know, I think she's... Her acting chops are much better, you know, but he was a good kid actor. So, once again, I think if the fact that this movie mostly follows a kid actor and that's why you had trouble enjoying this film, I totally get it. Totally respect that. And to clarify... Any reason you don't enjoy this film, regardless of how ridiculous it is, it is. You know, it's it's made for entertainment. If you, the listener, right now, don't like this movie, that's fine. You don't need my, uh, you know, permission to hate it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would just say that right off the bat, I think the two major criticisms that this movie faces, which is Jar Jar and a kid lead, I think they're fair criticisms, and I think it's fair to not like them for that reason. Uh, putting that aside, um, nowadays. I mean, I liked this film when I saw it as a kid. Like I said, I liked it when I saw it as a kid. I like it now. There was that stage for like, I don't know what it would have been, five, six, seven years where it was like Plinkett Reviews made me just believe that it was awful. Um, but it does have problems, so I mean, it's not like they were wrong. It's just I don't think it's a bad movie. Um, but uh, Phantom of Manistice, dude, I love the opening to this movie with the two Jedi coming to the, the, the trade. Why why'd you get shocked yeah. by that, Josh?
1: No, no, I just think that's okay. cool to hear. Okay. It's not, not a yeah. lot of people ever say like even though people like who lo- love the movie. Yeah, I don't always hear them say like the opening's awesome. So that's
0: cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just to me, it's exciting. Like two Jedi are are boarding this this uh, trade trade Federation ship, and and then there's the whole like, I mean, it, it paints this picture in your mind's eye that like. The Jedi are established, and they're just going about their business. That's—I mean, I think that's what they're trying to establish here. It's Like, I got two Jedi show up, see what the problem Jedi is. Jedi business.
1: You know? Go back to your drinks.
0: Yeah, they're yeah, they're talking there, like they know they've done this before, and then it's like okay, then you know they they try to gas the room and everything. I'm not going to go through the whole plot, but like it, it does a good job of making me feel like. And the thing is, the aesthetic of the film is very original trilogy, right? It's not one for one, but it feels like the original trilogy. You're like, wow, this is we're back, we're we're before everything things are more established with the Jedi council and all that stuff here. And then it quickly goes into like, you know, the rooms being gassed and they have to get out and (laughs) that ends up with them. The planet they go to immediately is Naboo, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Naboo. Cause then that's where, you know, uh, Padme is introduced and, um, and, uh, you know, Jar Jar, he takes them underwater with the Gungans and his people and all that, that plays out. And, um, I'm enjoying all this. I, I think uh, I, I love Obi Wan and I love Qui Gon and you know, I, maybe if I mean, I'm sure if I was an adult when this came out, maybe I'd hate Jar Jar. I mean, I guess as a kid, I liked Jar Jar. I remember in second grade—that's the grade I was in when this came out. Mm. The teacher bought a big stuffed Jar Jar animal, and every day she she chose a kid who got to hold it all day. Aww. And I was like, I remember thinking like that Jar Jar is the coolest thing ever. If I could take it home, I'd be the Aww. happiest kid forever. Um, so I love Jar Jar as a kid. And now, probably because of nostalgia, I love him now. I mean, like I said, maybe if I was like a cool edgy 16 year old or if I was an adult, maybe I would have thought he was stupid. Um, I don't know. But uh, the lightsaber battles were, were awesome in this movie throughout the whole time. I know that the criticism became over the years like, oh, it's too choreographed. But then like, then it turns out like, most nobody actually feels that way, right? Like, most people just think it's cool. Like, we don't care that it's choreographed. Um, so, uh, meeting Padme and then having the whole, like, oh, she has a a, a decoy who was played by um, Kira Knightley, which mm-hmm. is so interesting and so cool, you know, Pirates yeah, crazy. of Caribbean fame. Crazy. Um, and then you have, like, this really cool character, Darth Maul, which, like, as a kid, and I'm sure I'm not alone on this, as a kid I was just like, oh, there was Darth Vader, but before him was Darth Maul, like, is Darth Maul like the OG Vader? Is he like is he like related to Vader? Is he Vader's father? <laughs> you know, but Vader but everybody thought Maul was so cool. Um the pod racing stuff. Once again, this is from the perspective of a kid when I saw this. I thought pod racing was awesome. Thing is though, I actually think as an adult now objectively, I think the pod racing stands stands out as a really awesome set piece. Mm-hmm. Like something very special that only this movie has. Uh, so the pod racing is awesome. It's like seeing seeing Jabba again, you know, uh, it, it there at the pod race. Um, characters like Watto that we just, you know, we make fun of, and we, you know, use some bladed boy, you know, I like all that the stuff. <laughs> yeah, winning the 50-50. Uh, you know. All that stuff's great. Um, Ewan McGregor as, as, as Obi Wan was. I don't think anyone quite knew it when they left the theater, but it was perfect casting. You know, it just he had to come into his own more throughout this trilogy. Um, you know, seeing Tatooine again was cool. I'm um, trying to think. I think, I think as a kid, I remember being pretty bored once. Once um, Anakin gets in the ship in the second half of the movie, and he's flying <laughs> around in space. Like I was just bored because yeah. like I I, I want to see what the Jedi's were doing down below with like Maul, you know, dual sure. fates is playing, <laughs> sure. and then and then Anakin's just like in the ship like yo I'm gonna take this guy out whoa you know and I'm just like even as a kid I'm like ah I'm kind of bored with that. I don't want the ship stuff I want to go back to the lightsabers, um, but uh, yeah the the duel of the fates is iconic now the the music mm-hmm. is is god tier the fights amazing, uh, getting to see that dual lightsaber like I can't imagine can, I can't imagine what that like. I know that at some point in my life I saw that for the first time and was blown away. But, like, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be old enough to participate in, like, adult conversations and be like, holy shit, dude, they just made a lightsaber come out the other end as well. <laughs> that sounded almost sexual. It's funny. Like, that was coming out the back. <laughs> um, but the, the this, this movie just, it reeked cool. Even if people left the theater... Back in 99, not feeling it was cool. Like, Darth Maul was cool. The the lightsaber stuff was cool. Like, Amidala's, Princess Amidala's crazy hair was so iconic, I remember thinking at the time. Um, Jar Jar, before, if you didn't like him, before you saw the movie, Jar Jar had this cool, like, oh, new alien design. Like, look at this Jar Jar guy, you know. Uh, It just had a lot of cool stuff in it. Um, You get to see uh, Palpatine, uh, who ends up becoming the Emperor we know in the original trilogy. Um... This movie felt like, I mean, it felt like the original trilogy in, in its aesthetic, and it's, it just felt like a, a continuation in a sense, whereas the next two films feels like something different. Um, but to kind of sum it up, and I know Josh will say stuff, and we'll go back and forth a bit, um, you know, it was really smart to have Liam Neeson because he's such a fantastic actor. Uh, Ewan McGregor earlier in his career, but he's a great actor, um, you know just the the rule of cool here within some of the set pieces. The idea is that, you know, it's clear that nobody would have thought of this movie other than George Lucas, right? Especially like Josh already said, uh, why did they choose, why did he choose to start his prequel trilogy when Anakin is super little knowing that he's going to make the next two films when he's more resemblant of an adult? You know, why, why not maybe start the trilogy later? But you get to see the beginnings of The Phantom Menace, which is Palpatine and The Emperor. You get to see um, how Anakin went from being, assumedly, a nobody on a desert planet to this kid in Jedi training, um, established the characters, uh, established a whole different tone. Um, and it, it was, a, it's an awesome movie. I love it. Um, I also have a really good memory of getting the six-film collection from my parents uh, a year before Force Awakens came out because I, I didn't own them. I think we had like the VHS DVDs floating around the house, but I didn't own them in any kind of my-collection type way, so I was like... Force Awakens is a year a year from now. I want to I want to reexamine these movies again, even though I've seen them tons of times growing up. So they bought me the six film collection. I remember going downstairs on Christmas Day, and there's like this like four or five hour period between when we open gifts and when family arrives to eat. Where we're just like my parents are cooking, but most of us are doing nothing but just playing with our stuff or whatever. And I say playing with our stuff. I'm an adult, so I'm not playing with toys or anything like that. Um, not that there's anything wrong. wrong with that. Yeah,
2: nothing wrong. With
0: that. Um, but I didn't. I didn't have toys. What I'm saying is, I didn't get toys. I was an adult. Um, but um, I got the six foam collection. I went downstairs and I immediately laid in in the 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 basement bedroom that Josh talks about all the time. That it was so cool. Laid on my laid on my leather Edible. couch. Uh, laid on my leather couch. In the dark, in the basement, and I started *Phantom Menace* on my Blu-ray copy, and I watched it, and I just, I just sucked it in. I just took it in for what it was, and I, I really liked. You like, did, Brian. <laughs> you
2: <laughs> I sure did, buddy.
0: Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you had to go there, Josh. Um, but this was like the oh, first time. Oh, <laughs> I sucked it in. I took it. Uh, in. Yeah, I knew, I knew I was getting myself Sorry in trouble, about that, buddy. Um, You'll get but me when my... I, But this, this was the first time I watched episode one. Where I watched it with the intent of liking it over critiquing it since you know in a while, so I remember getting to the end of *Phantom Menace* and being like, you know, that was a really good time, you know. And then I went through the six films, so I like this movie a lot. I would say I would say it's about a seventy percent for me. I don't agree with Rotten Tomatoes, Um, and I, yeah, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I this is a, I mean, it's it's a classic, you know. It's a yeah. classic now. Over to you, Josh.
1: Yeah, dude, I love what you said, man. The Jar Jar story about having the stuffed animal or stuffed Jar Jar in school—I yeah. never
0: heard that story, bro. I like never. Ne- I mean, yeah, that's what's cool about these kind of episodes—is they're bringing wow. stuff out. Yeah. I
1: think that is so freaking cool, man.
0: Yeah, I wanted I, to hold him. I wanted to be the kid who got to hold him.
1: You had the the real sweet side of Jar Jar that was like that. Then on the other side, they had an actual like candy. Sucker! That was Jar Jar's mouth wide open with the tongue being the sucker. So if you want to, so wrong, you know, have the sucker, you're you're basically like making out with his tongue, you're just like tonguing Jar. Yeah, 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 literally. So Jar <laughs> Jar's tonguing you, maybe. That was a very questionable one, but uh,
0: also we did. I didn't mention that we had the. We did have the. I think it was Taco Bell. That we had the Watto topper cup. Oh, one
1: nice. One. I never. Yeah. I don't think I ever got the toppers,
0: and I still. I would say as recently within the five last five years, I still find. At a garage sale or an antique or a or – uh, what do you call it? Like a peddler mall type stuff. I'll see flea market, a sealed – a sealed uh, flea market. I'll see a sealed topper from the prequel era still. Wow. I'll still see that, yeah.
1: That's so cool. You know, that's the fun thing about when a new trilogy in Star Wars is beginning is just, you know, seeing all these characters and not knowing how they're going to take up space in these movies and just letting your mind fill out the blanks until you get to go see them. And that's always been – that's why I think I have a lot of nostalgia for Phantom Menace and Force Awakens in particular, both kicking off their respective trilogies. Yeah. And the marketing for those was just really your first look at a new era, new characters, returning characters, You know, seeing what they look like now. But uh, just new, new aesthetics and and new designs of ships and all that sort of stuff. And that's just a, your first look at the new era. And that's always fun because it's a bit out of the comfort zone. But it's an exciting look at that stuff. And uh, then you go see the movie. And I know for some people it, it either is poo-poo. And for other people they love it. But the honest truth is at least up until Force Awakens. And we'll get into that more with the sequel trilogy itself. But like, I'd say after Force Awakens. But really episodes 1 through 3 in Force Awakens. If you go watch like, videos on YouTube of uh, news people going and interviewing fans that have just come out of these movies, the reception every time was that they had a blast. Everyone had a good time. I mean, obviously there's people out there that didn't, but the general consensus like within the first like 24 hours or a few days even was that these were a blast. And then the conversation between message boards or people just talking to one another would start to devolve. And then the reputation got stuck on that, and it didn't really change until the kids that had seen it, even younger than myself and, and you, uh, had grown up and been able to have a voice on the Internet. And that's where the, the reception has now warmed to these movies and stuff. But it's just fascinating to see how that turns because I do remember even you know just recently like with Force Awakens, people mostly liking it coming out of the theater. And then very quickly it was like, Oh, it's a retread of a new hope.
0: Mary Sue retread.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and I just, I enjoy that brief moment where there's a high where everyone is just enjoying that. They just uh, took in a new star Wars and that's always a sweet spot. I love this movie. It is my favorite star Wars movie because partially I grew up with it in terms of it being the first one as a kid that was new. So I got to be there for all the aforementioned marketing stuff, but I also thought it was a damn good film and to this day I think it I think it's very well. I would agree with you at least in the 70s. I mean, even I would bump it into the 80s, but people are probably going let's, let's 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 pump the the pod race brakes, okay? We don't need to go <laughs> that high. And I get it. I get it. But I, you know, to address some of the things you said, which I mean, I'm glad you mentioned because it, it raised a lot of good uh, conversation topics, but you know, yeah, one of the biggest things I saw was why did they begin here? Episode 2 would've been a much better start because he's already in Jedi order and all that stuff. I'm not going to sit there and explain why I think necessarily they're wrong on that. I'll just offer up my own take, what's always helped me enjoy these films, uh, this one in particular, more. I always felt like the whole point of this was to show the beginning of everything. The original title, like just the tentative title Lucas had when he was penning the script, was called The Beginning. There's an hour documentary of the making of this film called The Beginning. And it was very much to show, like for Anakin, for example, why are we seeing him as a little kid? I think it's simply down to the fact that we want to see Anakin in a point in his life when he was at his most innocent, before everything changed, before he became a Jedi, before he went to the dark side, and before Luke had to try to redeem him. You know, I, and I think that's important to see him at that last stage of innocence, and just to see how well-equipped he is with certain things, like the pod racing, and just to see that he does have a natural affinity for things that other people don't. It's really cool, and it's it's also your first look at how, you know, young people kinda get integrated into the Jedi Order and stuff and really getting to see his mom, who <laughs> when I was a kid, I always thought her name was pronounced Shimmy. It's Shmi. But oh, yeah. Kid Me was always, you know, doing the Shimmy Shimmy Shake with uh, yeah. shmee <laughs> Shmi Skywalker. So but it was that was that was something, really
0: cool. So I want to touch on Josh since before you continue on, is um, I, I think just the way George Lucas's mind works is this is the beginning of the story, right? And and in his mind The beginning of the story is here, and at this time, at the beginning of his story, Anakin is this age. This is uh, uh, when—I don't know what he was before he was senator, but Palpatine. What is he in this movie when it starts? Do you recall? He's still senator. Really? Is he a senator at the beginning? Mm -hmm. Okay. He becomes becomes a
1: chancellor in— Chancellor. Or I think— I can't remember if he wins at the end of Phantom Menace now. I'm really fuzzy, but okay. but uh, I think, yeah. you know, he does become chancellor at the end. What am I saying? And then he does the whole, like, to Anakin, you know, we look forward to your career with great interest or we'll be yeah. paying attention, whatever. So, yeah, uh, yeah, he but, starts out as senator.
0: But uh, the Emperor is the big bad of, of why things are the way they are, especially in the original trilogy. And then uh, and to to the credit, I know, you know, a lot of people are going to roll their eyes as I say this, but, you know, to the credit of J.J. Abrams, I'm not saying it was a good or bad idea, I'm just saying, like, the whole reason for Palpatine being like the final end to Rise of Skywalker is, well, the way they explained it was that it's kind of the caps, it caps off the Skywalker saga, the nine films, because you have, this is literally called the Phantom Menace, which is referring to the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And this is where it begins. This is where his rise to power comes. And I love the, the title world. too. I yeah, was always amazing. excited about that when I heard it. It's an amazing title. And of course it ends with, you know, of course they can change anything in the future, but. His definitive end now is is you know rise of Skywalker and so it kind of caps it off. But I, I think to, just to go what you're saying, Josh, you know that's just how George Lucas's mind worked. This is where the story in his brain started. This is the age of the characters at this time. Hundred
1: percent, hundred percent. You also see that with the Jedi. I mean we're we're trying to establish in this trilogy that the you know the Republic as we know it and the Jedi Order. Is kind of, especially in Phantom Menace, they're kind of at the end of their rope in terms of like having a good, consistent level of peace and quality. This movie is starting to show how things change. The block, I mean, you have stuff in Legends and Canons that kind of established stuff before the events, you know, uh, of this movie that, that happened and transpired. And obviously, the galaxy hasn't always been at peace, but the whole point again of this one is just to show that it has had a tentative sense of peace for a while. And now this is where. Things change, so the Jedi going on this mission and getting wrapped up into these politics that kind of come into the fold with Palpatine, you know, and how you know Anakin Skywalker comes into the fold. The whole, I mean, it, it really comes down to the Duel of the Fates, like not just the song itself, but when that is what's happening playing, yeah, contextually in the film. Like, I mean, it's a fire track, but as that's happening in the movie, we're alternating between the Jedi's battling the Return of the Sith. But we're also switching between, you know, Jar Jar and his people, you know, fighting against these droids, you know, these local, you know, these this, these local people fighting for their uh, right uh, to live on their planet. And with this alliance that they've now formed in a restored way with the actual Naboo people, and then you have, you know, uh, the Queen and, and Captain Panaka and a couple guards trying to infiltrate and take out, you know, cut the head off the snake with the... Um, Trade Federation with Newt Gunray, Rune Hako, and stuff like that. So, I mean, you have that going on. I mean, at the same time, you have this space battle, which they're trying to destroy the ship. And, I, I mean, I love it so much because as this song is playing, it's very much, I mean, you, it, a lot of people can take it different ways, but I always take it as Duel of the Fates isn't just representative of the lightsaber sequence. It's representative of this is the galaxy crossing the threshold of no return. Like, this is where everything changes. This is where, this is the whole point where we get to Everything we get to, everything that we've come to know as happening and existing in Star Wars, even in the sequel trilogy to this day, you know, this is where it crosses the point. Yeah, a one hundred percent. This is where everything changes. And you also, I mean, on a more specific matter, Duel: The Fates is also about who's going to train Anakin. Is it going to be Obi Wan or Qui Gon? Because Obi Wan doesn't want to do it. He accepts it reluctantly because as Qui Gon dies, his dying words are asking his apprentice, "Please train the boy." And even Yoda is like, "We shouldn't really do this." But he does it out of respect to Qui Gon, so it's kind of about who's going to do that. The the galaxy is at a tipping point, and if Qui Gon trains Anakin, it's it's fun to theorize. Maybe things would have been a lot better because Qui Gon really aligned with uh, Qui Gon. Probably would have let Anakin be a little bit more free willed, where Obi Wan was a little bit more by the book type of guy. Even in this movie, and I know a lot of people love Obi Wan, I do too, but not as much as other people to their respect because Obi Wan in this one kind of a dick. Obi-Wan is like when they when they meet a uh, pathetic Jar Jar life partners, form. Yeah, pathetic life. Why, why do I since we picked up another pathetic life form? He doesn't want to do have anything to do with that. He doesn't have as big a sense of compassion as we come to see later on in these movies, especially like in something like Return or I'm sorry, Revenge. And then even in the Kenobi show and stuff and elements of that in Attack of the Clones. But he's very much by the book, Jedi. Anakin's loosey goosey a little more closer to Quagon Jen. So it really, really hammers the point down that like the galaxy's at a tipping point, and depending on how all this goes here, Galaxy's gonna change as we know it. And again, at the time when this was a new release, you're not knowing how Episode two is going to navigate. Episode three is going to navigate. You have a a distinct sense of notion. There was rumors back in the day that George always envisioned, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin fighting over like lava, basically. And and we end up getting that. But um, you didn't really have a, a full clear picture. So, I mean, it was really interesting to see where the galaxy is at and how it's starting to go downhill like if it's if it was climbing a mountain for a long time gets established preceding all the you know the events in Phantom Menace it's on a hill and it's just resting well this is where it starts to go down you know and this is where everything changes and i love it too because each beginning film in the star wars trilogies really sits on its own separate and there's a sense of victory and happiness and celebration and i this one is the happiest star wars film But we get that victory celebration at the end. In A New Hope, we get a victory celebration. Neither one of those two films give us any real sense of what's coming in the future. Like, yeah, you could say, oh, Anakin's now a Jedi. He's going to go train with Obi-Wan. But you don't know, like, in terms of what to expect from the story. Same with The New Hope. What's going to happen to the crew? Do they go their separate ways? You know, if you just take the movie on its own. And, I mean, you get a little bit more clue into the sequel with uh, Force Awakens. But it still feels, uh, it's got a sense of optimism going for it, despite a darker tone. So, I mean, I really like the first films in every one of these trilogies because they kind of sit on their own. It's like when we talk about Fellowship of the Ring compared to the other films. It kind of gets to sit on its own. It's obviously connected and brilliantly done, but it's that first experience of like, this is where everything changes, but here's a point in time when everything is all together and working before everything splits off and people go separate ways and go on their own character arcs and stuff. So I love this movie. Liam Neeson is Qui-Gon Jinn. He's a blast. Probably my second favorite Jedi. I mean, on number three, but I love Qui-Gon Jinn. I love how much he is respectful of the other Jedi would totally have a seat on the council, but he's a little bit more open-minded than them. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's a little bit more by the book, you know, respects Qui-Gon, but obviously he's a bit more closer to the Jedi of the uh of the order of that time you know Natalie Portman just favorite actress overall you know and I just have always loved her and this was really my first time seeing her in anything, so I was just having a great time, and I I just kind of got the vibe, at least at the time, that, yeah, this is going to be who Anakin romances as he gets older and stuff, and uh, I love how they kind of tease that a little with his, uh, I forget the the name of it, It starts with a J, but uh, Japor or something like that, but the necklace he has, and he's talking to her on the ship, and how he's cold and stuff like that, and I I mean, I love that they already at least kind of like build a friendship with these two, even when he's trying to, like, uh, he's about to leave from Coruscant, and uh he's trying to say goodbye to her and you know it's it's technically i think it is natalie portman in the gear but they're saying like you know as as a queen but uh as padme nabari you know not the queen she's saying that she's away and we'll tell her, her heart goes with you or something like or, her heart goes yeah. with you i can't remember the verbiage exactly but i mean i love that i thought she was just great as the queen i, re- I mean i really liked her i love the you know well, he heard on Tatooine telling Qui-Gon, like, I don't approve of like how he's doing yeah. stuff, you know, like she doesn't think the Queen would, even though she is the Queen and then saying, I don't yep. approve. And yeah, I love Jake Lloyd as Anakin. I think it's so great to see Anakin when he's innocent. The last time we see him, the first and last time we see him as he's innocent at a point in his life when he's close with his mother, doesn't want to leave. That Having that really built a tether to the issue of attachments that Anakin forms fear in subsequent sequels. Yeah, the fear of loss and all that. And we get to we get to see that. Uh, it's nice to see Ma- uh, Master Yoda back, man. I loved how in this one, originally, we saw the puppeted version, which looked very different from the original trilogy. Got a lot of criticism, but I liked it just because of nostalgia. But then they later changed it to make it look like the episode two and three version we get with the CG
0: model. It probably like the right decision. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. But um, Palpatine, I mean, I I love him in this. I enjoy the politics because it's great to see the state of the galaxy, where it's at before everything, again, changes. I had a really difficult time. The only real criticism I had as a kid was trying to rationalize why the aesthetics look so different in this movie. Mm -hmm. Compared to the originals where everything looks dirty and grimy and and uh, disrupted, you know, that makes sense. Whereas, the,
0: the, as the Empire takes over, it becomes this imperialist type look for the. Yeah,
1: Empire. very, very imperial minimalist. Yeah. So in muted in just in terms of its color scheme and everything, it's not as pretty and stuff in that sense. So I love seeing how we get to that point with the galaxy where it goes from being a galactic republic to an empire. And it's just the transition is is cool. It's sad, but it's what makes it so riveting and, and really enhances the originals for me. Soil Bibble, I mean, I love that guy. He's the guy who's like, you must contact me. You know, I love that guy. He cracks me up. Uh, Captain Panaka, I was always bummed to not see in the uh, in episode two onward, like he's replaced by uh, Captain Typo. But uh, I really liked him in this, Hugh Corshi. So he was, uh, and, and part of that too is because of the video game, which I love so much. It's Now finally on PlayStation, which is great. But. Uh, One of the things I loved in the PlayStation game, he actually got like at least one level. I might've been two levels, but two levels where he was like the main character you're playing Mm. as. So it built him up more in my mind than he was actually in the movie, but not to the detriment of the movie. And one of the things you made me think of earlier, when you mentioned the, uh, the beginning when the Jedi are in the waiting room and they're like, is it in their nature to make us wait this long? And the gas comes up from the vents and stuff. When you're playing the game, you can go up and talk to that droid, like TC 14 or something like that. And like, I can, you see the gas coming out of the floor and what's hilarious is like, you had you get dialogue options, and like Obi-Wan asks her, like, what is that gas coming out of the floor? And she's like, Ah, it's just air filtration, you know, excess steam coming through. Pay no attention. And the whole time she's talking to me, my health is starting to go down. <laughs>
0: it's like, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. I love it, was, it. I love it. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And um, I'm the best as Jar Jar. I love Jar Jar through and through. He made this for kids. If adults got to enjoy this, awesome. You know, that's an added benefit. But I was a kid. And yeah, I was starting to get out of that and get ready to go be a teen. But I love Jar Jar Banks, man. And I never found him. I'm not saying he objectively is or isn't I just for me personally I never felt like he was a detriment to the film he never necessarily did stuff that made me laugh out loud but I loved him in comparison to how serious and stern Qui-Gon is trying to like get a vibe check on Anakin being a Jedi Kenobi being kind of low-key like racist and also like a little bit like against just everything (laughs) You know, and all the seriousness with the politics and stuff. Jar Jar kind of broke that up for me and kind of like made me appreciate that stuff more because I could alternate between that. You know, him doing a, my, my tongue, you know, and how wooed, And, you know, I never thought it was bomb bad. I, I mean, I love one of the best things we didn't even mention to come out of this trilogy is prequel memes. I mean, those are amazing. And I love there was one meme that put me in stitches one time of like when that one uh, creature during the pod, beginning of the pod race farts. And, like, he gets that stinky, like, face reaction. And people are like, I mean, I won't even go into it. But just the way people have changed some of these memes and integrated them with other stuff is hilarious and adds new life. I love Mace Windu. um, Sam Jackson, I mean, I... I, I definitely was like everyone else. I want to see more Mace Windu because of Sam Jackson. He was in a lot of ways. I feel like the most recognizable face at the time in this movie. But Darth Maul was super cool. I love. I mean, how he looks. I mean, it was very, very cool. Kind of like you said, that speculation early on of like who is he, you know, and like you know. Also, they even, lead
0: you on purpose to believe that that's the phantom. Man. That
1: is, yeah, exactly. Like he is the main villain, and I love how much the the, the end of this movie kind of segues up. A little bit without giving you too much for episode two, what to expect with, you know, there's always two there are no more, no less a master and an apprentice, you know, who's the master though? Who's the apprentice? And, you know, I loved that. Cause I mean, you know, that at least for me, and this was kind of fun too, but I, I was always able to put together that Darth Sidious was Palpatine. I could just see the face. I'm good with faces. So I always have been. So maybe that's why, but I know for a lot of people, it was fun too, because they didn't know they didn't put that two and two together. And they thought they were two very different people. And that, I just can't imagine that headspace. And, you know, people may be imagining these two coming into conflict with one another or whatever their little fan fix stuff was in their mind as they waited episode two and three, but Darth what Maul. I think, go ahead.
0: And also I think so cool, Josh, I want to tie this together now because it, so we forget later. Um, I don't know when this was written into the lore. There's a it's most likely written post Disney era, but I love it. You know, other people probably hate it just because it's Disney era. But um, the the lore at least now, I don't know when it was introduced. Maybe Josh does. Is that the reason that the Sith had the rule of two is that they were always hoping to create the dyad in the Force? That's that's the reason the lore and, and the dyad is what you end up really learning it, it, just through film. Is what uh, Rey and Kylo become in *Rise of mm-hmm. Skywalker*? It's 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 two specific strong Force users that are able to bond in this special way. That's why they can communicate through the Force and hand stuff off to each other and all that. Um, and it's like it's an extremely powerful thing that the sure. Sith have been trying to replicate for forever. Um, and that's why they continue to do the rule of two is to. To, cre- to get that to find the dyad to it never happens that. yeah sure. Yeah, to manifest that so. no
1: absolutely I love that I think that's more of a sequel trilogy like retroactive yeah I think retcon- so too. or retcon in a sense or however you want to look yeah. at it but I love it I think that enhances that all the more personally uh, that soul aspect for sure I mean and, and another thing too I mean there was a, a Tarkin the Tarkin novel you know and I know some of the canon with the books you know if, if, if something in live action wants to do something they're gonna you know and it may potentially step over the books or comics like established lore they're gonna do it but, I mean, at least in that book, in the new canon, it's established that deep down underneath that Jedi temple is a Sith tomb. Like it's a shrine, I think it is. And that's been seeping up and kind of affecting uh, a lot of the Jedi and clouding their thoughts and stuff. And, I mean, for me, even that, it retroactively enhances how and why the the Jedi are kind of more passive. And they got to talk about things before, and rather than taking action and stuff yep. like that. So, I love that and what it does for this movie. The Plagueis novel, which is Legends, does so much to enhance this. But, um, you remember the guy, Brian, in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 who calls the Guardians, what a bunch of A-hoes. Do you remember that guy at oh, all vaguely?
0: Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. yeah. He
1: does the actual voice of Darth Maul.
0: So oh, that's that guy. That's yeah.
1: cool. Yeah, very that's cool. cool. Um, and Rick Ole, I loved him. He was that pilot that's kind of talking to little Anakin at times. I loved yeah. him. and um he had a couple lines I used to quote all the time as a kid, and I, I loved. I just loved this character. I wish we had gotten more of them. Chancellor Finnis Valorum. You know, having Terrence Stamp, you know, Zod himself yeah. uh, there, I think was just so cool. You know,
0: tears uh, of joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: When I rewatched that, I'm uh, like, last year, I, I thought of you immediately when Dad and I were watching that. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, this isn't like a big funny moment, but like this is a thing for yeah. Brian. So. Yeah, it's
0: like a, it's like an in house <laughs> meme. For yeah, family. Yeah, but no. One other thing you didn't mention, Josh, and maybe you were getting there is. Um, as a kid I was fascinated by the proto C3PO like C3PO yeah. as he's being built yeah. um, cuz I remember hearing like whoa that's C3PO it's like oh yeah it's before he's got his gold plating and he he was originally built by Anakin who's Darth Vader and I was my mind was just like blown left whoa, right Oh that center. was a like, huge reveal. What? Yeah. That's insane that's so Crazy. cool you know. So I, I love that as a kid like, got the so silver excited. C3PO
1: yeah. 100% dude um but uh, yeah before I get onto that real quick and I'm trying to speed through this so we can get to the other two movies but um Valorum, I I thought he was great. It was great to see kind of where he was with politics and then how that kind of changes. And I love seeing the subtle manipulation by Palpatine talking into Padme's ear and kind of spinning things so that she will make that vote of no confidence. Did he say, uh, hell, (laughs) Coba? Let me buy $20 till tomorrow. (laughs) That's what what he says in her ear. But uh, yeah, 20 credit till tomorrow. But, yeah, I mean, I love – and I love the floating pods in the set of chamber. I always love that yeah. sequence yeah, and that's just how cool. that looks. Um, another thing, I love Boss Nass. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: We do not care about the Naboo, you know, I love him so much we shall give you speedest way you know, the only, <laughs> what is it, the speedest way to get to the Naboo is going through the car <laughs> I love, I love Boss Nass so much and I miss that we don't really get in much outside of a brief little blinking you miss moment in Revenge of the Sith, but I love him so much dude, I love Boss Nass, I love the Gungans hello daddy, uh, Captain Tarpaul you know, we it's so good being home I, I love all that, I love when they swim down to Autogunga Gunga for the first time in the Music's playing, and you get to look at this underwater city. We had never seen something like that before in Star Wars, so I was loving it. I love how they go through the little shields, and then they can breathe. Um,
0: I love the, I love the, the, you know, the, the, the. the Zao, another way how the Planket reviews and enhance this movie for me is that at the beginning. There's the robot face characters like they went out the ventilation shaft. Oh, dude! And then, and that's when Mr. Blinky <laughs> goes, "What's
3: wrong with your face?" Yeah. I,
1: oh, I love that moment. And yeah. but man, those accents are so bad. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't think uh, they've aged well. But you have like. Uh, right now. You know, what is going on down there? You know, close that yeah. door, you know, and it's like, oh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but it's, I mean, I love the character of new Gunray, um, Runahako and stuff like that. Uh, I love, I love the Nemoidians so much just because they're cowards, you know, and it's even interesting. Cause like when you see it's still, it sticks out to my mind to this day, but it doesn't bother me in any way. It's just interesting. But like when he gets that, like hologram thing, like video of like Padme and he's talking and, and they're talking to one another. You know about this blockade? It's in color. You can see Padme's Mm -hmm. dress is like you know Queen Queen Amidala's is red. Every other time we see like a hologram type of thing, it's always blue. You know what I mean? And it's just always I always found that interesting and cool. Hmm. I love George Lucas's inspiration with um, Flash Gordon, and that's kind of where you hear that the sound it kind of makes is it. Uh, the Visage appears and stuff. But yeah, I love that R2-D2 was back. It was so great to see the intro to him where he's at in the galaxy and he gets his moment to shine in this on the Naboo ship. I thought that was so cool going up top and he's the only one able to stay on there as they're trying to escape the blockade. R2 gets to be a hero and helps them. And and then you have C-3PO, like you said, a huge reveal that Anakin was the one working on him. Doesn't even get to finish him, but you get to see the very first introduction between C-3PO and R2-D2. I mean, stuff like that. I just ate up because again, it really did feel like the beginning. Like, it's not the beginning of the galaxy. It's not like the Big Bang Theory. It's the damn – it's just the point in the time and when you know all what? these people
0: come into contact with one another and the ball gets rolling. You know what? Some credit we need to give this movie, too, is we live in a time where prequels and, and midquels and sidequels and, you know, sides – just all that kind of stuff is made all the time. And usually and, – and we eat it up, but, like, usually the the temptation's there to very much do a wink-wink at the audience for every little thing like, you know, if uh, I, mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but, you know, if there's a prequel to a movie or a prequel or a sequel or a sidequel or whatever, a lot of times I'd we'll be like, oh, remember, when this, remember when this thing happened or like, we're going to have this character say this thing to this character because we know in 20 years from the original movie, they're going to meet and say something similar. Sure. The Phantom yeah. menace was the Phantom menace was really exceptional for its time at being a prequel that doesn't wink wink all the time it's a very original idea movie no no
1: f- I, I didn't feel you know? too much fan service I mean no, it's not it felt service necessary like you could say oh r2 and c3po talk yeah. and it's like a fan but, but they gotta meet somehow so it was great to yeah. see that you know it felt necessary it worked I didn't really, as for the midichlorian stuff, I never minded it. I understand I why people don't like yeah. it, but I never minded it because it never took away from the mystery of the Force for me, which it did for people. And I I, See, again, I never I understood that.
0: what they were talking about until the Planket Reviews. Sure. And I was like, oh yeah, that is dumb. But now I don't care at all because yeah, that's, it's not a thing. You know?
1: I thought it was cool, at least at the time, because I mean, I mean and I still think it's cool now, but... I always liked it because it just felt like a, first, you know, w- when you get through three movies and the original trilogy is all you have, you know, when your mind fills these blanks, you get to the next movie and obviously it's it's taking a place way before the events of what we're familiar with so it's so far back, it kind of gets to exist on its own, but it still manages to kind of like peel back the layer a little bit as to what that is a little bit more. And I always still felt there's a mystery to it, you know, and I always still wanted to know more about the force and the wills and they didn't fully go into that. So it didn't really bother me. I don't know. I always took, took fine to that, but I mean, I, uh, you know, overall, I mean, I love this movie. I have so much fun. Like, shout out to Kitster. Uh, you know, I think it's hilarious that it's kind of, I mean, it's fucked up, but it's hilarious. But, like, Anakin's best friend is Kitster, who constantly, like, doesn't believe in him. Like, you know, uh, well, I can't remember that line, but he was like, you're going to, or maybe he's talking you're to You're going to crash
0: again, Annie? You're not, yeah. not going to finish the race.
1: Yeah. Or, or maybe it's... uh He's like, are you actually going to do it this time or something? I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing. And then Padme's like, do what? And he's like, finish the race, of course. And I was like, oh, you motherfucker. That's my queen. That's my <laughs> queen. Stop. You know, and I think it's hilarious. Like, as Anakin's celebrating and, and, and everything, uh, it's like, well, he gets to leave the planet. Sucks to be you, kidster. You still got to work with Watto and everybody, but another thing—I mean, Watto was hilarious, you know. And you know, they kind of established, you know, credits, you know, and 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 versus like Republic credits and just modern currency. It was nice to go back to Tatooine. It was good to see Jabba the Hutt, like you said. I love—I always laugh when he tosses the frog off, the little baby frog thing, and you hear the big whale that it lets out. Hilarious to me. Pod racing sequence is amazing. George Lucas is a huge fan of racing, you know, hence is one of his first films being American Graffiti. And seeing that film even uh, really has helped me reappreciate a lot of this stuff. because what do we get? You know, we get the pod race in episode two. What do we get? We get that chase sequence with Sam Wessel through uh, the Coruscant night sky. You know, in episode three, we get that uh, one chase between uh, Grievous and uh, and Obi Wan and stuff like that. You know, every one of his movies that he did always had some kind of like action sequence with a vehicle or fighter jets or something like that. So I've always loved that. Uh, I loved how Naboo looked. I mean, just seeing how beautiful and like. Uh, you know, just the aesthetic of it and how beautiful, you know, again, before the decay of the, the galaxy, it was just nice to see something so beautiful. And I love the way they shot it and their use of they, the, the, the CGI stuff wasn't as big here as it would come to be in two and three. So I really love, again, it gets to exist on its own, being the only Star Wars film in the 90s. But it's the Star Wars film that's forever closest to the originals in terms of just release. And, I mean, I really love it for that. I, I It was great. Again, Tatooine is like the greatest hits. You know, it's like, you know, the when you someone who wears a New York shirt, like I visited NYC, it's like I went to Tatooine. I mean, that's, that's the NYC of Star Wars. And uh, yeah. I love it for that. Um, I love the final battle, the duel, of the fates. I mean, the music that's playing, the close-ups when it cuts to like Qui Gon's face and the close-up of Obi Wan's and Darth Maul's, and I, I really love. I, you know, I think I think the thing that's cool too is Hayden Christensen. T- one of the last things I'll say for this one, so we can move on, is Hayden Christensen said it at like an expo recently. He said, you know, in terms of like his fight with Obi Wan in Attack, or I'm sorry, in Revenge of the Sith and the whole high ground thing, mm-hmm. and someone asked him like, Do you think Anakin would have won? You know, could have won if things went differently. And I think he said, "Yeah," but he said, he said in his mind when he was filming these movies, he said that you know if you go back to Phantom Menace, how Maul kind of has the high ground to Obi One, and Obi One does that really cool flip and then chops mm. Darth Maul in half, sending him down to his seemingly death at the time. Uh, he kind of took it as like, well, at least among all the Jedi, you know, in the in the the. Uh, Jedi Temple, that this was like a big legend that became to take shape. And a lot of Jedi's would talk about this. You know, Obi-Wan jumped over this Sith dude, cut him in half and all that. So that, you know, when it got to that point in Revenge of the Sith, where he's like, It's over, Anakin and I have the high ground. For Anakin, it's like, well, I'm gonna show you. I know about this legend, you know, and I just love that. I love how that kind of hmm. like re uh Reframed it That's in my cool. mind for that, you know, and brought it in my first that. circle. It's like poetry and rhymes. Yeah. this time for Anakin, it didn't work like it did for Obi Wan. So, I, again, I love that stuff, but I love this movie so much. It's the happiest Star Wars movie. It ends on this really fun victory celebration. Uh, Naboo has not only been, uh, has done away with the uh, blockade from the Trade Federation, but I mean, its people have been united between Gungan and Nabooians alike. Uh, Anakin's gonna become a Jedi with Obi Wan Kenobi. Qui Gon, losing Qui Gon sucks. But, you know, I mean, I love him so much and, and less is more in a way. So, I mean, I love that getting to see Shmi Skywalker in there. I mean, I didn't talk to, about her too much, but I, I love getting to see a uh, look at Anakin's mom and just, you know, the whole like version birth. I mean, just mirroring like Jesus and stuff like that. Very fascinating. And I, I love what the, uh, you know, it's legends now, but I love what the Plagueis, the best thing the Plagueis book did was establish that like, even though, and again, it's not canon anymore, but that doesn't really matter. But, Pal, but Palpatine and... Uh, Oh, my God, I'm forgetting his master. What was his master? Plagueis. Uh, Plagueis. Oh, my God, yeah, I just said the book. Jesus. Um, Thank you for saving me on that. But Plagueis is alive during the events of this movie and that book. And Hmm. they they mess around with the Force and try to manipulate it. And the Force answers back with birthing Anakin Skywalker, almost like as a middle finger. And when Palpatine comes to find out about Anakin – you know, like you see in the movie and stuff. When he actually has conversations with Plagueis, it scares the shit out of him. So I always loved that and how much that enhanced. You know, and that's that it really enhanced the whole, like, we're looking forward to your career with great interest. You know, yeah. because for them, it's like, well, we can make we can take advantage of this. Whereas it ends up being the downfall, you know. And I know Ray plays into that too, but that's fine. But like, I love this movie. Happiest Star Wars movie, my favorite one. It's the beginning of so much, it was the beginning of a new era, a lot of nostalgia attached to it. But I also feel like it's not as bad as everyone says. I think it is well enough acted for how the for where characters are at that time. You don't you lose the banter in this trilogy of like Han Solo you could use a good kiss or I'll see you in hell. You lose a lot of that organic banter that feels more natural for a time when things felt more proper and elegant and civilized. And I like it for what it is. And I, I always felt like it was well acted written well enough is it directed like amazingly no but i still enjoy the star wars transitions that they have in this that you kind of lose in the sequels and obviously score great by john williams i think you know it it, maybe it's a hot take but i think most would agree with me now that like his best work on in star wars was the prequel trilogy scores they were always uh incredible but it's not to uh not to insult the other ones but yeah i love man i love this movie i could keep going about it but i we need to move on Anything it's else you want to say about top,
0: it, Brian? It's a, no, it's at the very top for you, top five. No, being yeah. Josh decided today we were going to do the prequel trilogy, and I was like, Josh, do you think we can do this in two and a half hours? And Josh was like, Oh yeah, I should, You should be, we should be fine. <laughs> now I'm going. I'm looking at the time. I'm going. Holy shit, we're on. For <laughs> this, baby. But uh, no, this is a great movie. Um, I mean, I mean, it's forever associated as being.
1: The first disappointment in Star Wars, so like it's hard for people to disassociate that, and I think it's also so far on its own compared to two and three that it gets picked apart a little bit more. But I actually think it is yeah. quite good, and I, I yep. like on Letterbox. I give it a four out of five every time, and now the other ones like Attack of the Clones, I think I give like a two, you know, or a two point five, and I love it. But I I genuinely think this is a good film for what it had to establish and set up going forward. But that's just me, and I understand not everyone's like that, but I love it. Sorry,
0: yeah, dude, it's it's no, it's good. Totally. i um, I mean, I, I guess I don't know what more to say about it, but uh, we like this movie a lot. And yeah, I mean, I think it's just where it stands in the in the history of Star Wars. Why it's a Rotten Tomato. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that at all. And I, I don't really detect. I don't really detect bad directing in this movie either. I don't
1: think it's yeah. badly directed either. It's just like when you think about other movies out there. I mean, yeah. George Lucas isn't necessarily the best director, but I think he's. Yeah, a great Yeah, it's no
0: character. Empire Strikes Back direction right. for sure, but
1: no, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, all right. We will move on now to Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones.
3: I will not let this republic be split in two. My negotiations will not fail. If they do. There aren't enough Jedi to protect the Republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. You know I don't like it when you do that. Sorry, Master. I forgot you don't like flying. Well, you've lost him. If you'll excuse me... It when he does that. Anakin, don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the council. You don't need guidance, Anakin. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. The boy has exceptional
4: skills. His abilities have made him arrogant. Excuse me. I'm in charge of security here, milady.
3: They are using a bounty hunter named Jango Fett to create a clone army. Wait.
4: We must stop them before they're ready. Your clones are very impressive. They'll do their job well. Blast! That's why I hate flying.
2: This is a crisis.
1: The Senate must vote the Chancellor emergency powers.
3: As my first act, I will create a grand army of the Republic to counter the increasing threats of the separatists. Hasn't been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will
4: destroy the Sith. The dark side clouds everything. In grave danger, you are.
2: Gun this clone war has
1: this one released in 2002 same year as the two towers same year as spider-man baby same year as uh, chamber of secrets a lot of good stuff from 2002 this again was directed by george lucas starring ewan mcgregor and natalie portman and the addition of the chosen one hayden christensen had to do that uh in the, in the u.s alone this grows 310.7 million so a little bit under i mean worldwide i can't remember what it made but um but it still had under in the US a little bit. Synopsis reads Set 10 years after the events of the Phantom Menace, the Republic continues to be mired in strife and chaos. A separatist movement encompassing hundreds of planets and powerful corporate alliances poses new threats to the galaxy that even the Jedi cannot stem. These moves, long planned by an as yet unrevealed and powerful force, you know, Phantom Menace, like Brian said, led to the beginning of the Clone Wars and the beginning of the end of the Republic. So this sits at actually a bit higher, 65 on the tomato meter, but with an audience score of 56%. Critics consensus reads, Attack of the Clones benefits from an increased emphasis on thrilling action, although it's undercut by ponderous plot points and underdeveloped characters. Brian, I've always said, man that you know if you just look at the plot like on paper, I mean this is one of the best stories I think Star Wars tells, but maybe the execution is a bit lacking. I mean, how do you feel about this one overall?
0: Yeah, I mean, because it's Star Wars, I love it. But outside of that, you know, I have a lot of problems with it. I don't, I don't enjoy this one near as much as other Star Wars movies. I think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. I think this, I think this is clearly a Rotten Tomato, in my opinion. I don't think it's fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably put it around the forty percent range. Yeah, I'm surprised to um, see the
1: sixty for this one.
0: Not complaining. Yeah, I mean but I think it's surprised. I think it's just. I think like modern blockbuster sensibilities were used for Attack of the Clones more than they were for Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a more approachable film than the Phantom Menace, in my opinion. Sure. Um, so I think that's why. And I think it also, you know, it, it it sidelined Jar Jar and it made Anakin older, which were the two major complaints of the first film. So I, mm-hmm. I can see this being a course correction for a lot of people. I know for like, for Erica, for existence, for for our example, for, I should say. <laughs> for existence. Yeah. Erica. Hello, Erica. Welcome to the world. Yeah. I meant to say instance and, for example, at the same time in it's okay. existence. Um, yeah, the really stumbled over my words. This one is kind of funny. Um, Erica doesn't really care about Star Wars much, but she does enjoy watching them. At least she did before she met me. And... Uh, <laughs> um, she doesn't really care for Phantom Menace, but she likes Attack of the Clones because she loves the like the final battle with Yoda and stuff. Okay.
1: Does she um, so like he, the love story? I mean, she's a big fan of Pride and Prejudice. Um, I'm just curious how she. I feels
0: don't think she like. It. I mean, she's she's not. I mean, she's so passive to Star Wars that I don't really know the details. Sure. But I wouldn't say she liked it, but I wouldn't mm. say she thought it was cringe either. I okay. think she just thought it was fine. Um. But oh, uh, where do I want to start with Attack of the Clones? Um, yeah, so I, I think it's I think it's rotten. The CG and effects through this movie are pretty awful. Um, they weren't amazing at the time, like Josh said. Two towers came out at the same time as this. Um, they were just, it was so much green screen and so much so many CGI effects. It, it looks off. It didn't look great then. It looks horrendous now. Some parts look like a PS2 video game. <laughs> um, the story. That is told, and the events that are playing out in this movie are like ten ten material and like sci fi, mm-hmm. you know, quality, um, but it's just not executed that way. Um, the uh, the love story with and this isn't you know if if I just say it without prefacing, then I'm saying this is my criticism, um, not a blanket or or a general criticism. I think the love story is done pretty poorly here. I I, I do I think it's. It's cringe. It's too quick. Do it's you hate sane, Brian? How do you feel about saying? Um, it's okay. It does get everywhere, but it's okay. I don't is mind
1: it, it. Is it coarse, rough, and irritating? It's Coarse.
0: Uh, no, it's coarse, but that's no, not irritating. No, okay. that's no. good. So I'm a little different than Anakin on that one. But um, yeah, the, the love story is handled pretty poorly here. It feels more like, it feels more like with with. Mm-hmm. In this film, like George Lucas wanted to get them to the same place in this scenario to make their love happen, mm-hmm. but it didn't. It didn't happen organically. And that's not to say that I don't feel there's any chemistry between them, especially when you go to Revenge of the Sith, the chemistry is much more there. Um, I mean, I think they briefly dated, if I remember right, the actors. Like I actually very, don't know.
1: I know there I were pretty, rumors of that for sure. I'm
0: pretty sure I read they briefly, very briefly had a thing. But so there's some chemistry there. But like it just the the, the romance nice. is handled poorly, the dialogues handled poorly, the the CG's not done very well. Um, things I love about this movie, and I'll probably go back into things I don't like as well, but like, I do love the entire um, like noir espionage plot of, of Obi-Wan going to discover how the Clone Army's built, and, and you get to be introduced to Jango Fett and how Boba Fett comes to be, mm-hmm. um, and there's the fight with him and the bounty hunter, which is awesome. Um, I do love the fight at the end with Yoda being like, "Let me put down my walking stick so I can turn into a badass Jedi and jump all over the place." <laughs> huge moment at the uh, time. Yeah, that was like huge. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, the, so the ending fight is great. Um, I don't really like, you know. I think Josh probably likes it, but I don't really like the opening with the chase in the city. Mm. Um, I think no. I find it. I find it pretty boring and, and underwhelming, and you know, the dialogue's not very good there again. With you know. You know, it's like I remember. There's a part. I think it's in a Planket Review where it's like, uh, you know, Anakin jumps out of the the, the the ship that he's driving around in the city. I hate it when he does and, that. And then and then, <laughs> then Mr. Planket goes. Yeah, so do I, or something like that, or I, I
1: hate it too.
2: But, you know, I like, love the
1: but, part, I yeah. love when he had the trailer for, Att- I'm sorry, when he had the trailer for Attack of the Clones, and it was the part where Mace Windu is, like, like he's teasing he's about to do the Attack of the Clones review, and you see Mace Windu do the thing where he puts a lightsaber up to Jango, and he's like, this party's over, and then you hear the record scratch, and your Plinket go, no, this party's just getting started. Yeah. Oh, that killed me.
0: I love how he has that talk with, like, it's like a lip that hangs out
2: when
0: yeah. he talks. Um, But yeah, so uh, yeah, I didn't really like the opening. Um, They try to be, they try to establish that you know Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor have this long brother like relationship over ten years that between films. I don't feel like it works that well. It's not bad. I mean, they do have some camaraderie here, and and, you know, I'm just to to skip ahead a little bit. I do think they have a lot of these complaints are rectified in Revenge of the Sith for me. But here, talking about Attack of the Clones. It's 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 not it's not as believable as I want it to be. Um, like I said, all the stuff between him and Padme is kind of cringe. But I mean, the real standouts here is Obi Wan's noir, noir subplot with the clones and Django Jango Fett, um, the final fight with Yoda and them. I mean, there's there's the cool moment where you you know there's the stuff with Count Dooku and like he has Obi Wan like trapped in that like gra- gravity prisoner thing mm-hmm. where he's like floating in the air. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean the, the stuff. The arena was really cool as a kid. Oh I yeah, mean, the,
1: the whole arena stuff. with all the Jedi fighting? You get them all. Do you coming like the in. beginning of the Clone Wars, basically with the
0: yeah, the yeah? You get stuff. to see that, and there's the the big monster things that they're trying to avoid, where they're chained up to the poles. Do you like
1: Kamino and all that with Django?
0: Oh yeah, Camino, are very
1: impressive. You must, you must be yeah. very
0: proud. were Kamino was great. The 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 uh, alien creatures that are there that are work. I don't know what they're called. The aliens, the the long neck type aliens. Oh Kamino. Kimonians, okay. Um, that I might cool. be mispronouncing that,
1: but yeah. Uh, Cameron Owens, I
0: think. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then the film, you know, it ends with... Oh, I, I guess I, there's the whole... Uh, where they visit... Um, he, they visit his... Uh, what is it? Is it his, is it his nephews? W- what does Uncle Owen end up... What is he the Anakin? I can't Step remember.
1: Or Clegg Lars. Clegg Lars plays his stepdad and then, you know, brother-in-law, basically. Yeah. When he goes or, to visit... Or dad, stepbrother, you, stepbrother. What am I saying? Brother-in-law. You get but.
0: to see the classic, like place in Tatooine where Luke lives and, uh, you know, of course, then he goes to visit the village where his mom's, you know, about to die and he ends up slaying them all. Some of that stuff's like good and bad. Like, you know, I think I think the whole going to Tatooine and seeing the, the place where Lars lives and, and uh, the, the going to the village to save his mom is good. I think the the speech when he comes back and, you know, he's, he's crying and he's angry and he's telling Padme that he killed them all, it's not executed that well and, yeah, so I think um, this film—a little spoiler here for when we get to the sequel trilogy eventually—for me, and, for me, this film sits neck and neck with Rise of Skywalker for quality, and it's for completely different reasons. Rise of Skywalker—it's filmmaking sensibilities, it's cinematography, it's dialogue, um, it's per, all, everything from the stance of creating a film um, in a technical way—is better. In Rise of Skywalker. Sure. Like, inf- infinitely better. I mean, we're talking like, this is a two out of five. That's a five out of five when it comes to cinematography by comparison and stuff like that. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, well, in, in my opinion, anyway. Sure. Well, uh, I'm not judging I, you. I just... Yeah, I think, you know? I think the cinematography and, and the filmmaking sensibilities are so, 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 so much better uh, in Rise of Skywalker. I think the acting is so much better in Rise of Skywalker. But the, uh, the actual story, the narrative... The believability of things, the the setting up of events, the lore, all of that is far superior in Episode Two to Rise of Skywalker. So where pretty much all the mistakes Rise of Skywalker makes, Attack of the Clones doesn't. All the mistakes Attack of the Clones makes, Rise of Skywalker doesn't. And so for me, those two sit at the bottom barrel of Star Wars for completely different reasons. But um, yeah, I I, uh, I enjoy watching this movie when I go through a Star Wars like phase and I'm watching them all like mm-hmm. right now I'm going to start watching the prequels here soon again and I'm going to be excited to watch attack of the clones because it's part of this trilogy but this is never a movie I want to seek out on my own like I'm never in a mood
1: for if you attack had to the rank Marvel. the Star Wars movies in like a gold silver and bronze tier it's so it's safe to, to assume right that attack of the clones is kind of wearing that bronze tier for you Kate yeah or... it's bronze okay it's
0: completely bronze like and I, I know there's going to be somebody out there probably several people listening who go attack of the clones is way better than rise of skywalker I don't feel like that. I feel like they're both got so many issues for different reasons. Now, I mean, if you're just talking about story, yeah, I would agree. Attack of the Clones is a lot better. But, like, as films, like, we're just looking at them as movies. Like, Mm -hmm. they both just are so messy in so many different ways. And uh, so this, like, whereas I talked about Phantom Menace and I was happy and I was like, this is good. And, it's you know, I feel like Attack of the Clones is more, much more appropriately judged. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, it's it's a tough one to get through for me right. sometimes. So, uh, but it does have great moments, you know. And I, um, yeah. So I don't agree with Rotten Tomatoes. I'd say it's Rotten. This is at the bottom for me. Uh, over to you, Josh.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's at sixty. I think that's awesome to see. I would even or sixty five. I'm sorry. Um, I could see it being a little lower than that, but I love it. I absolutely love it. My favorite thing was uh, during the. I'm just gonna play it briefly, but it's. I'm not gonna play it for long, but. When the first teaser trailer that came out for this movie was just images, quick, like flashy shots, like maybe a second here, a second there, of parts from the movie overlaid by just Darth Vader breathing. And uh, let's see here. It was just, I mean, it's just different shots, you know, and I mean, listening to it, you don't get the context of what you're seeing visually, but it was just visuals matched with that and you really got that sense that like holy shit this is gonna be a much darker movie than than phantom menace was and there was just uh, it created this sense of mystery that you couldn't wait to see and i i mean this was the period for me where i was really the most out of star wars i'd ever been and it was only because in between phantom menace and attack of the clones I discovered my love of Middle Earth with Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. So that kind of took me by surprise. I was really getting all the more into video games. And the three-year gap between movies is a long time to wait. So when this came to Especially theaters. when you're a kid. It feels like yeah, an eternity. It does. So I didn't even see it in theaters. But when it came out on DVD, uh, even to this day, I think it, it is my most technically watched Rewatched Star Wars movie uh, because of just how I I loved it and it brought me back into the Star Wars fold immediately and then I would just play it over and over again while I messed around with toys or did other stuff. It became like that background movie a comfort movie and uh, yeah I love this movie so much. I I mean I agree with pretty much uh, most of the stuff you said Brian. I mean like I I think this movie I always have felt like if I'm telling somebody who's never seen the prequels but they've seen the originals and uh, uh, you know if I'm trying to tell them describe this movie and I'm like well Obi-Wan goes on this espionage you know thing trying to discover like that these this factory on this one planet is building up you know all these droids and at the same time he finds out on another planet that these people are building up these these clone troopers that become stormtroopers. and you're like what? And I'm like at the same time uh, Anakin you remember and and, uh, and this woman he's, he's, he's on this mission with they, they fall in love and they get married at the end of it in secret you're like oh my god there's luke yeah dude luke and leia and uh you get to see uh this older this older sith dude who used to be a jedi and it's revealed he was the apprentice uh or he was the master of Gon, but he was the apprentice of yoda and you're like what and guess what yoda uses his lightsaber no fucking way you know and it's just like all this and Django fett who's jango fett's boba fett's dad no fuck you know and it's just like holy yep. shit all this stuff sounds incredible on paper i mean the plot wise i mean they had it down it's just the execution and i think like you know to disagree with you in a, in a, in a strange way brian it's gonna sound crazy but that first interaction e1 is obi-wan and hayden as anakin have when they're going on the elevator rising up to see padme again uh, i think it's awful like it's it's badly acted, badly written, and like you said, like that's, that's I mean, what I said. You, oh, I thought you. I think I thought you were more forgivable than I was on that. But uh, to your credit, no,
0: I, I was saying that they just they don't have oh. the greatest chemistry yeah. or acting. Well, the then chemistry. we agree. But yeah, there, there's there's flashes of it that really gets done well in Revenge of the Sith, but there's really some sure. flashes here yeah. for
1: sure. I, and I mean it's it's rough because you're trying to, you know. Established, like you said, that they've been, uh, that they're in a brotherhood now in the times that since we last saw them, but it doesn't really gel. And it, you could have done, you could have used this movie to really tell that more, but you split them up and it makes complete sense because you want to it kind establish of seems like he's resentful more
0: in the beginning because they're sitting on the couch and, and, and oh, yeah. Like I said, Obi-Wan's kind of a, dick. I'm not
1: saying Anakin's without fault or something. It's just Obi-Wan's kind of a dick too because he, he, he knows that Anakin likes Padme, totally embarrasses him. And then later on in the, uh, Geonosian arena, when Anakin and Padme are brought out and chained up alongside Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's like, what are you doing? He's like, well, we were trying to rescue. You. And Obi-Wan just looks at him and goes, good job. You know? it's
2: <laughs> I was it's, like, damn. Well,
0: yeah. Holy I, I, mean, here, I mean, I see it a little, I get what you're saying. I see it a little bit different because like the truth of the matter is as a Jedi in training for 10 years. Well, first of all, I think they're wanting us to, to, to realize that Anakin hasn't always been the best at listening. I think sure. that's what they're trying 100%. to 100%. And then two, one hundred percent. I mean, the facts are: Anakin has committed to never taking a wife, never having a woman, a relationship. That's what he's committed to as a Je- Jedi. And I'm not saying that's it was a good idea by the Council, but he has made that pact, being a part of the Jedi. So, if if he's like, uh, I said Obi- it, but
1: I didn't sign no paper.
0: He's like, I'm whew, I'm pretty excited downstairs. You know, what I'm saying can't keep it together, um, but Obi Wan. Can, can detect this from Anakin, he's like, you can't do this. You know, the, the, you, we can't have this, you having this hankering for, for we're radiating uh, you know, BDE no, no. right now. Yeah. shit away. Tuck yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, <laughs> if, if we're looking at it from the perspective of Jedi's cannot be in relationships, Obi-Wan needs to nip this shit in the bud, like right away, you know? Sure.
1: No, absolutely, man. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I love this movie beginning to end despite, I mean, I mean, it's my least favorite of the prequel trilogy. But at one point in time, it was my favorite, so I I uh, I absolutely love it. I love the developing relationship between Padman and Anakin, and I know I mean I agree with everyone else that the dialogue is poor. It doesn't get to be the best acted. I mean, and you know, the elephant in the room was that Hayden Christensen could not act and had wooden act. And I had seen Shattered Glass prior, the film that came out before. I we've all seen him in Kenobi since, you know, and I think that that narrative has been thrown out the window and I think it was more I always attribute it more to the writing Hayden has a very deep kind of monotone voice and I don't really think it's the kind of voice nor is he the kind of person that is like loud and obnoxious and good with playful banter like he's he's in a different way that he's good with that stuff and the dialogue doesn't really do a lot to compliment how he sounds who he is as a person trying to act as a character. I don't think it's very complimentary to that. But I you know, at the same time I understand all the criticisms, but I, I always love, you know, like, sorry master, and you know, Obi-Wan telling them as they go into that uh, that nightclub, like, why do I think you'll be the you know, death of me and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God,
2: foreshadowing
1: it's like
0: poetry and rhymes. Yes, you, you laugh. You know, re- yes? Regardless of what the reason is, I think when you watch this movie, it definitely Hayden Christensen's acting doesn't come off good in this movie. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if it's if it's his fault or it's the writing or whatever. It just doesn't well, work here.
1: You know, and I, he's like Hayden's one of my favorite actors. Anakin's my favorite character, so of course I'm going to rationalize it. But I always just think of it like this is a please be shouted the hedgehog, a, <laughs> yeah, dude, for a real. But I always rationalize it as look, he's like uh tw- no, 18, 19, 20 or somewhere around there at mm-hmm. this point in time. He is someone who has come into the Jedi Order later than most kids. Has had a preconceived notion, a preconceived life of being a slave, and has left his mother. He has formed attachments. He doesn't have the same headspace and upbringing that other Jedi have had. He's had a harder life. And now he, and we see this more in Revenge of the Sith, but he is someone who is being told to act one way, but suppress all your feelings, despite what he endured as a kid. And exploring that is very fascinating in Revenge of the Sith. But in this movie, I. Just look at it as someone young who's still going through a lot and dealing with a lot of new experiences, feelings in the loins, you know, some uh, some pelvic sorcery stuff as he sees this beautiful woman again that he's now more of age, you know, closer to. And I mean, I think it's fascinating. So it makes sense to me, but I understand every criticism. Like I won't debate it. It's just for me when I watch it, it's like, oh yeah, this this is plausible for where he's at, trying to be a Jedi and follow you know his mentor's roles, who's essentially his closest thing to a father figure, but then also like try to grip with his own emotions that are developing and stuff but i love i love that i know that again the love stuff isn't written the best but it, the love theme is one of the best films I, or themes i've ever heard like in anything I, I think it's so great because it really like tells a story of of, of a duo of two people whose love is going to tear the galaxy apart and it does of what it brings on and what ends up coming out of it you know and it's a net negative in a lot of ways depending on how you look at it for other people It's a net positive, but uh, I love Count Dooku, Uh, Christopher Lee. It was so great. I mean, what a time for him! Two thousand one, we see the release of Fellowship of the Ring. Two thousand two, we see Two Towers, and we see Attack of the Clones. Two thousand three, you know, you see Return of the King. Two years later, in two thousand five, you see him come back with uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and I think the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie. I I can't remember Mm -hmm. now what year, but but, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was just—it was just. I love seeing him. I love Count Dooku. I love his lightsaber hilt. It's one of my favorites. Um, I love how prideful he is and uh, just being a, the complete opposite to Maul he's more he's not flashy he is more sophisticated and just he's the reveal yeah just the reveal that he was uh, Qui-Gon's um, mentor you know and stuff like that I think that's so cool that Yoda trained him that they have their duel um, Mace Windu gets up to a little bit of action here the, the you know at the time this was a big deal too that he gets the purple lightsaber we all know the story of him talking to George Lucas saying can I get a purple one George was like okay you know but I mean that was a big deal um, I loved that. Seeing Yoda fight was just uh, astounding at the time. I mean, that was a crowd pop moment because it's like, holy yep. crap. You were wondering when you get to the prequels, you're like, okay, when, when it's revealed that Yoda's going to be in these movies, it's like, are we going to actually see him fight now? Like as a, yeah. as a Jedi in his prime more? Uh, that was cool. Um, Chancellor Palpatine doing his bullshit, you know, like classic Palpatine. One of the best things that come out of the prequels. Um, poor Shmi dying. I love that Anakin went on a rampage. Anyone who loves their mom or even dad doesn't matter, but who wouldn't? consider doing what he does in that situation after what he finds the you know his parent uh going through i mean it's just insane you know you feel for you feel for him even though it's like horribly wrong but it's like you can't and when he sees his mom like that i mean it's just horrifying and again i mean this really starts the darker tone and darker journey for what anakin's gonna end up becoming having these visions you know of his mom and then next in the next film it's a padme dying in childbirth and a lot of you know the padme's thing is more of a self-fulfilling prophecy whereas shmi just is something that he's just genuinely having a vision on so i like the duality jangle fett was awesome i mean i love even young boba fett i mean i i think it's hilarious that um i forget the actor's name daniel logan i think um said that uh I, th- I think as he told the story when oh, Ewan McGregor first comes to the door and the door opens and it's little, it's little uh, Daniel Logan there who's supposed to like have this like snooty look on his face like who are you? I think Ewan said when I come to the door, make a face that looks like I just farted so that's that's kind of what that is in that moment so i love all that behind the scenes tidbit and stuff um and i i thought jangle was great. i love tomara morrison i love kiwis new zealanders i mean that's a lot of big reason why i love middle earth stuff so i i just loved him in this i ate that up um i loved the, the clones i love the reveal of the stuff on kamino i love seeing jimmy smith's bill organa it was great to see leia's uh stepdad bear not stepdad but uh adopted father i mean that was so cool the the Lars family was so great to see in a younger way. You see that little uh, area where Luke is on a New Hope. You know their their little home, and you get to see that everything looks like the the same. Like not much changes in those years. I love the 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 space chase uh, on a. Uh, uh, with Sam Wessel on Curusant. I love the nightlife of Curusant, seeing that kind of cyberpunky a- aesthetic when they go into that nightclub. Anakin's chasing her down through the streets and everything. Uh, Jar Jar in a reduced role is a bummer, but I do love when he when when Anakin tells him at first, like, she hardly recognized me, Jar Jar. I was like, well hey not it's neither. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. He's not, I mean, not the only one, but uh, Rose Byrne, um, before her career took off, I mean, she plays Dorme in this. Um, we see Captain Typho. I mean, it was cool to see him, even though I miss Captain Panaka. Uh, Watto, I think, was good. There's this real subtle moment when Anakin goes back with Padme to Tatooine for his mom, and he runs into Watto again. It's a real subtle moment, but I love it when Watto realizes this is Anakin, grown up, and he looks and he, like underneath his hat on the, from the shade, and he goes, Annie?
0: And he, you know, and I just, I love that moment. No, my my favorite part from that is, is like, he's like, what happened to my mom? He's like, your mom? I sold her. (laughs) She's she's (laughs) gone. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man.
1: And I love how much the line, you know. I killed them, every single one of them, and not just the men, but the women and children. I slaughtered them, like animals, you know. And I love that whole line and how that's been mean. And Padme
0: is like, place. "Shit, we gotta get married."
1: Well, is- <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fucked up too because, like, I mean, she's the it kind of it kind of shows that she's the type of girl in this trilogy, in this universe, who sees him and goes, "I can fix him," you know. Like she's that type of girl, which ooh. Not going to end well, honey, but, you know, at the same time, I love that she's both horrified and wants to, like, comfort him at the same time. Again, just just knowing where the story needs to get to uh, for the original trilogy events, I love love that that kind of happens. But, uh, yeah, overall, I mean – oh, and (laughs) – Big shout out to Dexter Jester, my favorite character in this movie that isn't Hayden, bro.
0: Oh my god, that's another scene I don't like. Oh,
1: yeah. how not, bro? That's yeah. so fucking. Oh, I get Blade Runner vibes. There's a shot when they're sitting there in the in the cantina, and it's like this down shot of them like looking like it's looking up positioned, you know, and. They're sitting there, and you see the outside of the window and everything like that, and they're just sitting there. I'm just like, man, this this reminds me of Blade Runner, and I know that sounds crazy, but maybe yeah, someone to will, me it's
0: like they, someone uh, will tag me and say I to get me it's that. like Ewan McGregor sitting in a 50s diner with a horrible CG character. Fair
1: enough, fair enough, but I like, it. Must be one of them Camino saber darts,
0: you know. But at the oh. same time, any of these things I complain about? I mean these these movies are so old now. Just to me, I just love it all. For oh movies, yeah, you know? it depends yeah. on what decks, how big your pocketbook is like, you motherfucker, you fucking
1: son of a bitch, we go way back. I love Dexter though, I and I love that can't Again, it gives you a little bit, it peels back the layers on Coruscant a bit, which I really, really loved. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, C-3PO, you get to see him more in the, the gold plating and uh, I think Hawes, I think Hawes if I'm not mistaken, hates when his head is placed on the battle droid during the battle of Geonosis, oh, you yeah. yeah, can't I stand that. that part, but, um,
0: it's but a I, bad part of the movie. Yeah. yeah.
1: R2D2. I mean, I love them in the, I love getting to see him use the boosters when they're yeah. in the, the droid factory. I love the droid factory. I know this was a moment kind of like how Ian McKellen kind of got uh, some, some frustration, Doing uh, filming for An Unexpected Journey and just those Hobbit films. I think uh, Natalie Portman had expressed a bit of frustration when she had to do the droid factory sequence because she's running through a green screen and they're telling her how duck, dip, dodge, you know, and all that stuff. And for her, she can't see any of it. But this is when we really start to go hard in the blue screen, green screen stuff. Yeah. You see it a plenty. And again, I agree with you, Brian. It hasn't really aged well, but I love it still for what it is. A lot of it's nostalgia. But I love the Droid Factory. I love that Anakin and her are there together. That she wants to follow him. He wants to follow her. I love the budding friendship that they get that turns into romance. I love E one's espionage stuff. You know, trying to send a message that I see get quoted to so many people. Uh, people do this online all the time. I mean, all this stuff gets mean now. But I, I just love the building a droid army. You know. And all that stuff, yeah. um, and obviously the battle. I do moments.
0: remember a Master sifo ordering a clone army.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that was a huge question coming out of that movie. Who
0: is Sifo-Dyas? Yeah. What's up with that? That was a big question mark. But, um, but I remember calling you like six, seven years ago or something, and being like, "Josh, I've been on this Star Wars lore kick. Do you do you know who Master sifo is?" And you are like, "Well, yeah." And I was like, "Well, do you know all this stuff about him?" And you were like, "And to your credit." You may have known all the stuff I told you, but it just been so long you've forgotten, but you were like, No, I don't really remember, man, tell me and I told you like the whole history of Cypher because 'cause I've been wiki reading all day. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Holy shit, man, that is cool. That's so cool you got into that. Like you Yeah. You either you seemed as if you didn't know it, but you might have and just forgot. But I you know,
1: probably didn't. Like- I know there was yeah. some legend stuff and then yeah. you would later get like Clone Wars, I think, had an episode with him or something like that. They they answered yeah. that stuff more now, but Yeah, back then. No, I, yeah, I wasn't I was still a little bit more in the dark, but that was always a big Point of mystery, but uh, I love, I just love the final battle that, you know, begun the Clone Wars has. I love how dark it is tonally compared to the first one.
0: Oh, when Anakin loses his hand, which I knew was coming because later. Oh, I yeah. One of my least like, favorite oh,
1: duels in the entire saga. It just doesn't. I don't enjoy the chorea- choreography oh, as much with but, Dooku
0: and Obi. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah,
1: I don't. Yeah. I, like I, I. And as corny as it is, I love the the point when it is oh, Anakin and Duku fighting one by one after Anakin has sliced that one vent. The lights go dark, and you just see the the colors it seems of the lightsabers. Kind of staged. Yeah, it is. And I mean, that was where I can see it's overly choreographed. But I yeah. love that part. It's kind of campy, and and Christopher Lee is just campy incarnate. What's so that I line?
0: What's that line Dooku says? And it might be in Revenge of the Sith, but it's like, uh, double the pride, twice the. Oh fall? yeah,
1: you're close. You're close. Twice the pride, double the fall. That's yeah, uh, revenge. Yeah, I love that. I, I love do too. That. I do too. Yeah. But yeah, this movie's a freaking blast. I love seeing the beginning of the Clone Wars. How it ends with the, you know, granting the Chancellor emergency powers to create a clone army Well, guess or create an army for the republic well guess what we already got one and uh seeing the clones come out and arrive there when they they have their entrance you know it's just so amazing on Ge- uh, geonosis and just that whole battle even when all the jedis are like fighting i mean you've never seen that on screen before and uh it looks a little corny now but it, at the time it was just badass and then yeah seeing those troops arrive and everything kicks off and you even see um Poggle the lesser he was the uh Genosian dude who like is talking to Dooku and as they're getting ready to have their escape he has this little like hologram thing that shows the Death Star and it was like whoa your yeah. mind gets blown like oh my it's god it's coming. Yeah. The seeds are being planted. Seeds yeah. of our future sown in our past, motherfucker. It was just so cool. So I mean, yeah. Overall, I love this movie. Love the love theme. I get a lot out of it because of that. And I know it's corny, but I love when Patman's like, "I truly, deeply love you." And then they get they write out there. The Josh is a little peeps.
0: kid. He's like, "That's my crush." She said. Yeah. yeah,
1: but I mean, I, I love even how they transition from her saying that to then them having to write out together to their death. It's a very <laughs> Romeo and Juliet type of love. And even though it's not going to end well, I just
2: I, I eat it up.
1: You know. I'm I'm having a good time. I'm chewing on chips. But yeah, fun movie, man. Had me bonkers excited for Revenge of the Sith.
0: The last thing I'll say about this, Josh, and it's, it's kind of a, a wider, uh, a broader comment across movies in general. But, you know, Josh and I, I almost I almost made a post in the Discord about this today. Josh and I are are different than a lot of other people when it comes to probably media in general. I was going to say films, but probably media in general. Josh and I just love content even if it sucks even if we think it sucks we just generally always look for the fun in it i mean if you know josh well enough you know that he watches a lot of i mean he watches a lot of movies that even by his own admission he thinks sucks but he just watches them takes the, it's almost like your stomach right like it processes the proteins and then shits out the rest right <laughs> it's like it's like josh takes the things that are good and that's what he rolls with right thank so like, you man i appreciate uh, that
2: that's very nice. and
0: and yeah, and, uh, and I think, to a lesser extent, I'm like that as well, and I think Josh and I can find the good in all these things. We know we talk about, you know, if you've listened to these episodes, we talk about The Dial of Destiny or Jurassic Park Dominion, and now we're talking about Attack of the Clones, eventually we'll be talking about Rise of Skywalker, things that we didn't so much like or love. Um, we just, like, we can criticize them, talk about you know, our disappointments, things we didn't like, but at the end of the day, we'll still say we love them. Like, Josh still, he doesn't, he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, you don't love Jurassic Park Dominion, but... It is part of the franchise, so there's a sense of love that comes with it. Sure, I want to love it. Yeah, it's my right, red-headed and, stepchild of that franchise. Um, and that goes here for Attack <laughs> of the Clones. Uh, Attack of the Clones is right there with Rise of Skywalker is bottom of the barrel Star Wars for me. But I love it, and here's the crazy thing. Take a movie like The Godfather. Amazing movie. Often said to be one of the best movies ever made. I love The Godfather. I enjoy watching that movie. I like The Godfather more than Attack of the Clones but what movie do you think I'm going to watch way more in my life? Attack of the Clones. It's not even close. It's I mean, definitely I, easier to digest Yeah, I mean, it's, just, and it's, it's, it's in that universe you love, right? It's it's those characters in the universe you love, even if the movie, in my opinion, isn't good. I mean, I've already seen Attack of the Clones over ten times. <laughs> there's,
1: there's a shot I remember when... They're in the gunship on the way to Dooku. They're chasing Dooku right before they go out the final battle with him. And Padme gets knocked off, falls into the sand. And, like, there's a trooper there that comes to check on her. And she's like, we got to get there. And she takes off running. And the way she runs to that sand looks so – it kills me every time. But I always love that Anakin's like, I want to go after her. And he's like, you'll be expelled from the Jedi Order. And Anakin's like, I don't care. And I was like, yeah, go get the queen, bro. Go get that absolute haughty yeah. baddie. But, uh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah,
0: love that right. movie. so. It's fun. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's 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 a fun time. I still, you'll still hear me say wanna something. Buy some dust say, sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to buy any desk sticks. Um. Yeah. You'll still hear me say the words. I love Attack of the Clones, and it's because I do love Star Wars, and I love it all. Um. But yeah, as as a singular movie experience, as a singular you know movie to judge it, it's it's pretty poor, uh, mm-hmm. for me. Overall. Sure. But yeah. So that's well, it.
1: Na- yeah. No. No. Na- I I get that completely. Well. In Brian's words, uh, what comes after the rise? Well, the fall, okay? We are on to Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith.
3: The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. The Council wants you to report on all the Chancellor's dealings. That's treason. We are at war, Anakin.
4: Very dangerous putting him together. I don't think the boy can handle it. I don't trust him.
3: I need your help, son. I'm appointing you to be my personal representative on the Jedi Council. You're on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. What? Obi-Wan and the council don't trust me. Learn to know the dark side of the Force and you will achieve a power greater than any Jedi. You're under arrest,
2: Chancellor. Are you threatening me, Master Jedi?
3: single Jedi is now an enemy of the Republic. Do what must be done. Do not hesitate, show no mercy. Who could have done this? Twisted by the dark side, young Skywalker has become. I feel so helpless.
2: Chosen one!
1: This one was released in 2005, The End of It All or so we thought. Directed by George Lucas again, starring returning cast mates Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Natalie Portman and more. In the box office alone in the US, this grossed 380.3 million. The synopsis reads, "It has been 3 years since the Clone Wars began." Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi and Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker rescue Chancellor Palpatine from General Grievous, the commander of the droid armies. But Grievous escapes. Suspicions are raised within the Jedi Council concerning Chancellor Palpatine, with whom Anakin has formed a bond. As to spy on the Chancellor and full of bitterness toward the Jedi Council, Anakin embraces the dark side. I like how specific to the point that is. This is Certified Fresh on the The Tomato Meter was 79%, an audience score of 66%. That's interesting. The critics' consensus reads, with Revenge of the Sith, George Lucas brings his second Star Wars trilogy to a suitably thrilling and often poignant, if still a bit uneven, conclusion. Brian, buddy, this was the one you went to see in theaters and stuff, and you were like, "Holy cow, this is amazing!" You said it earlier in the episode that you asked your dad at one point. You're like, "Is this one better than the other ones?" You know. So, uh, how do you feel about this movie now? I mean, where
0: are you at with it? Uh, I think it's better than ever now, right? Like, I think, I think, I I think I like it more than ever. Um, It's a really solid movie. You know what I mean? And like, it's funny. One of the things that gets thrown against the prequels is one of the criticisms is the, the CGI being weaker. And while Revenge of the Sith does have plenty of CGI that doesn't hold up as well today, a lot, of, mo- most of the movies that came out around this time that were using CGI had that problem, right? Because you only really hear the prequels get the crap for it as much. But sure. really, other than like Lord of the Rings, the CG was pretty whack uh, for a lot of movies around this time. But um, this one's really solid, you know, mo- mostly all the way through. Um, one of the best parts about this movie is how it opens. It opens so spectacularly, like I
1: think it's my favorite opening in all of Star Wars.
0: Oh my gosh, dude! It, you couldn't ask for more. It opens right into the, to, to Anakin and Obi wan and in f- their separate ships, and there's they're flying over. Is it? It's over Coruscant, right? And they're mm-hmm. battling Grievous' yep, ships. Yep, the Battle and all that of Coruscant. There's good banter here. They, they immediately Anakin and uh, Obi wan feel like they have chemistry. The second, this movie opens. It's like now I feel the brotherly bond right here mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, it's a fun sequence, you know, which leads to them being in Grievous's ship, and you know the elevator shaft, and the R two D two with lighting the oil on fire. And, <laughs> oh, great crowd pop uh, moment,
1: midnight uh, release.
0: Yeah, I remember, I remember that. that. I remember that. Uh, Grievous, uh, General Grievous was a was a cool character. Um, the whole landing into Coruscant, and 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 you know uh, Obi Wan, an- another happy landing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Um all that all that was so good uh, you know immediately the chemistry between Padme and Anakin is is better right off the bat here um I, yeah i mean i think just be, just because i think you and i are mostly going to gush all over how good this movie is um i think i'll just say that the the most criticisms i could possibly say i'll get those out of the way now i would say the the cgi is questionable doesn't it doesn't always hold up um at the time but especially now And then I think probably the biggest other criticism, unless I can think of something else, would be that, um, and I've gotten over it to where I don't care at all, but like Anakin's heel turn to the dark side is too quick, um, I feel. Mm, Really? Uh, And I I feel like that, I mean, I feel like that's a a criticism that's common, even if you don't feel that way, Josh, where he kind of just goes to meet with Palpatine and he's like, oh, I'm going to go turn you into uh, Mace Windu, and then he comes... To Mace Windu, and Mace Windu's like, yeah, stay the fuck out of there, and you'll be good. And then he comes back, and he doesn't, and he immediately, you know, takes out Mace Windu and is like, yep, I'm Dark Side, I'm Darth Vader now. I've never uh, seen that
1: criticism before. This is new really? to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's like a major, like, Plinket review one, so I figured you would probably know it from that. Oh, that's why. Um,
1: but, <laughs> I forgot about it.
0: Um, but, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, love I, him, I feel though. like, I mean, I feel like there's not a, I personally feel like there's not a proper buildup to him going to the dark side. It it doesn't feel like it ruminates enough. It's he's really good at the beginning of the movie. He's really lovable. And within a very short amount of time, he turns, but I don't really think about it anymore. Um, So between that and the effects being aged, I mean, I know there's been criticisms about acting once again, um, but I think Hayden Christensen steps it up so much compared to, I I don't, you might disagree with this, Josh. I don't think Hayden Christensen's a a Tom Hanks. I don't think he's a, a Brad Pitt He's not an S-tier actor by any means, um, but I don't think he's a bad actor. Um, so I think he steps it up here majorly from Attack of the Clones. Like I said, all the chemistry is better across the board. Um, I remember there was criticisms of, um, you know, the acting of Ian McDermott, um, Palpatine, but Really? Yeah, but I, I think it was quickly, it's been quickly shoveled away because he's hammy, right? Like, that's his thing. He's so hammy. Uh, I like Talking him. about I, that aspect, yeah. that side yeah, of which
2: his acting. I think is, it's great.
0: Okay. Um, the fight with him and Yoda is great. The fight in Mustafar is... Oh, I, there's another, I guess another criticism people threw at this movie was... Um, super on huge, ongoing, crazy fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin with lava and CGI and jumping. And it goes on forever. But let's be real. We all love it. We think it's awesome. It's such a blast. Can't wait to get to that part of the movie. Um, a part I know Josh will mention too because I know he feels the same way... Is the uh, the part where Anakin is just gazing out the window... Like waiting for Mace Windu and the group to come back. And just, you get, it's a it's a chills yeah. moment because it's a chills moment because you can see in his eyes he's having this it's like there's this war going on in his mind and he's like do I do what I feel I should do or do I do what I want to do and which one's right and I I'm it's such an internal struggle an internal battle of course he's been having these dreams of losing Padme and that's such a great moment and that goes into everything obviously the I remember being in the I mean in the theater when it came out in the moment where the whole thing, the whole altercation between Anakin and Mace Windu and Palpatine's going down. And it's just like, everybody's just like sitting on the edge of their chairs because it's like, oh shit, something bad's gonna, you can feel it in the air, something bad's gonna happen. You know, Palpatine looks like he's being taken down by Mace. He's, oh please, help me, no. You know, and like, and his face is turning and everything and then (laughs) Mace is like telling Anakin to stay out of it and Anakin betrays Mace. And then immediately Palpatine is laughing his ass off.
1: <laughs> There's this one prequel meme that is like probably the funniest one I've ever seen where it's like that. It's the still image of Palpatine smiling just before he's about to electrocute Windu. Yeah. But like he's down on the ground. He's got that kind of smirk on his face. Yeah. But it like the, the caption read something like, <laughs> like when you haven't been to bed and your mom comes in to see if you're asleep and then leaves the room you know, and it's like, like I can't remember. I'm that's better, good. But it really, the first time I saw that was like when I was becoming aware of what prequel memes were and, uh, wow, that's man, hilarious. I was, I had that hyena laugh tenfold. Yeah,
0: that's hilarious. Yeah. But, um, great moments of uh, great battle between, uh, Yoda and, and Palpatine, um, the, uh, the Mustafar battle. And then of course the, the emotion you feel when, when, um, Obi Wan strikes down Anakin, and he says, "You were the chosen one. You're like my brother." The emotion really hits there. I mean, this is nothing. Of course, these movies have been picked to death, but like people make fun of that scene. It's like, dude, that that seems so emotional. You know, for real, it's such a good scene. Um, of course, the as it ends, where everything comes together and sets you up for the original trilogy with like the Death Star, him in the Darth Vader suit. Um, I know Josh doesn't agree, but I do think the Darth Vader yelling "No" was l- didn't re- I l- it didn't l- land. It didn't land though for most people. I feel like because uh, it just came off silly where it should have been profound and sad, and um, for me at least. Um, but uh, the whole ending, just you know, the, the, delivering the twins to Tatooine, um, you know, Obi Wan, the the Lars and his wife looking up at the sunset. It's it's the movie everyone wanted to see when the prequels were announced, right? This is what we are all building to, and once again to to go over the same talking point in a sense. When this movie came out, it was seen as a good movie that people were mostly satisfied with. And it was that way for years until the Plinkett Review. And, and once again, maybe it's not only the Plinkett Review. Because to be fair, I think before the Plinkett Review was the uh, People versus George Lucas. I think that was before the Plinkett Reviews.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they hated the prequels. They hated. They just hated all of the prequels in that film. A lot of them did anyway. So it's not just Plinkett. But were like really what set it off to where people were like, Oh yeah, Revenge of the Sisters is shit. I knew it all along. Uh, but really it's a good movie. It was, it was a fresh tomato when it came out, still is today certified fresh. It's a fun movie. And today in today's, um, today's world with a lot of the people who grew up with this movie, this is often in the conversation for definitely top three, if not people's favorite Star Wars movie. It's constantly mentioned. I I see people all the time either going revenge is my favorite or revenge is my second or third favorite. It's always up there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a good thing. I almost have less to say about it because it is so good, but there's no part of this movie I dread, not a single part. There's there's parts in a, well, a lot of Attack of the Clones and, and maybe a few parts in Phantom Menace maybe, um, but there's nothing in Revenge of the Sith. It's just a great time. Um, yeah, it's a. I don't know, Josh. It's it's good. I awesome. mean, maybe you'll Game's open awesome, up Games awesome, dude. Yeah, maybe you'll open it up to further discussion. But it's a, it's a great movie.
1: Well, a couple things that I forgot to mention earlier uh, that I that I love about the other movies. I mean i'll need the rest of my life you know to talk about them and because some things sometimes i'll remember stuff other times i'll remember this or that and forget it here and there but i love the aura scene cameo that you briefly get in phantom menace that, you know the plan was to build you see her kind of up she's this like albino looking woman this woman all in like white and she's got this red ponytail and red gear and you kind of briefly see her in the, the during the pottery sequence and I, I remember at the time the plan was that they were going to do more with her and they just didn't but um I loved seeing her in the seismic charge, the iconic sound from the uh, scene in Attack of the Clones with uh, Jangle Fett and Obi-Wan as they're going through that chase in the asteroid uh, belt. Uh, That was just a fun time. But yeah, about this movie specifically, I mean, what a time to be alive. This was the end. And man, this one really... I always struggle with certain things sticking to landing, and this one landed so well. I mean, not only is it tonally more serious, it's it, it was on it was the most serious one tonally until we got to the sequel trilogy, and then every one of those um, was closer to that tone. But this was the first Star Wars film to get a PG thirteen rating. Um, you know. Uh, when they when you're seeing the trailers for stuff, I mean, Anakin looks more mature. Gone is that silly rat tail that I cannot stand. Um, seeing him or Obi wan have in their respect. This
0: movie gets a full extra point for Anakin's hair. <laughs>
1: yeah, I love his hair. Uh, yeah, and I, I just I was so excited going into it. The promo stuff went wild. Um, you know, I mean, and you had you knew that Battlefront Two was going to be coming out uh, to coincide with the DVD release of this movie. But going into it, I mean, it was insane the hype because it's here here it is this is going to be the one that really everyone wanted to see that everyone that we've been working toward is how do these connect to what we've come to know how does he become darth vader how does everything fully fall apart we've seen how it's we've seen sort of like the a all the way through like the majority of the alphabet when now we're about to get to the z and it was just it stuck the landing so well i love like you said opening with the Battle of Coruscant, was amazing, you know. I have to give a hat off to the it's it's legends now, but again, doesn't matter. But the uh, Tardanovsky Micro Two uh, D series of the Clone Wars that first came out that was and I don't know if you've seen any of that, Brian, but there were those three minute shorts that would come out on Cartoon Network that I've were just kind seen of like
0: clips. I've never seen a full episode.
1: Okay, well, they're like three minutes. They're pretty short, so you might really? have technically seen an episode. There
0: was no, there weren't, there were never twenty minute episodes, huh?
1: No, I mean I you that. can watch them like you know on. A, Uh, Disney Plus or YouTube and they're all like bunched together it's like an hour type of thing but like there was two seasons and anyway if you know people were following along with those preceding the movie it, it shows you Grievous going to Coruscant and kidnapping Palpatine it showed that just as Grievous was boarding the ship Windu was chasing after him and Use the force to crush his windpipe, hence the coughing that we see from Grievous immediately when we're introduced to him in this movie. So all that stuff was really, really fun. And I uh, just made it very exciting going into this and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I love the opening with the Battle of Coruscant. It was like, in on one sense, you had the downside of like, well, damn, like all this time that, you know, from a new hope that Obi-Wan mentioned the clone wars and episode two kicks it off and we see the beginning of it. Well, now we're seeing kind of the end of it in this movie and that's cool. I love it. But there was that small part of me before going into the movie where I was like, well, damn! I want I want to experience the Clone Wars. I want to like live in that for a bit and see what that was like. Well, you know, then I would get treated like other people to the actual show. But once I saw the movie, I was like, I don't, yeah, 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 yeah! I don't care. I'm here for this. And the battle just itself was awesome. Seeing the way the ships are piloting, the camera work on this was so great because just I mean, again, and I know it's a lot of it. It's all CG, but I mean, he's following behind the ships, and then he gets to a point when like the ships go. Like they're funneling along the big star destroyer, and then when it when they go over it, bam! You see the battle below. The music crescends, and there's just nothing but blaster fire and all these ships blowing up and shit. I was like, oh my god! I was like, this is the Clone Wars. It was just so amazing to finally see that fully realized on screen. It felt like a dream come true. Seeing the rapport from them right away, and then going into the ship. And I, I one of my favorite. I mean, there's a lot of great moments in this opening, but. You know, I, I love that Anakin helps him helps him out, you know, with uh, trying to save Obi-Wan on his ship. And he's like, just go. I'll be fine. He's like, you know... I'm not leaving you master or whatever and then like helps yep. them and R- And then there's that crowd pop moment R2 has so many in this movie but the moment where like R2 has to fight one on one with that little like pit, or not pit droid but it's like a little yeah. little ship droid and he's like trying to electrocute it and he does and it goes sailing off I remember the crowd clapping at that just as Anakin's going you know you got him R2 good job or something like everybody that everybody
0: loved this movie when it came out
1: yeah and when they get in the actual the invisible hand the ship of Grievous um, when they get in there I love it too because Obi-Wan's like oh I have a bad feeling about about this they crash land obi-wan leaps out of the ship from the cockpit slices into a couple of droids anakin and in, in laid-back style calmly gets out and just starts slicing and dicing but i love it and uh i love and i think anakin says like i sense a trap what do we do and then obi-wan looks at him with a smirk on his face and says spring the trap and i just i love i love that see and, the uh,
0: chemistry's there are immediately yeah, in this movie
1: absolutely i love i mean I, I won't break down the whole movie but i i love a lot of this stuff in the opening there's this you know i i think i've said this before in the past but it's kind of like a self meme with me among friends but like i'll always if someone in a franchise has been, like has been in a movie and then in the subsequent like followed up follow up that they uh, get killed off like early on i always say they got count dooku that's always been like an inside joke because count is a part of this movie but by the time you finish the movie, you forget he was even in it because he gets killed off right in the I always the first, forget. Yeah. So he gets he gets killed off, but I mean, it is so freaking awesome. I love obviously the R2 with the oil, you know, with the droid, like you mentioned earlier. That was a huge crowd pop moment. But, you know, your swords please. We don't want to make a mess of things in front of the Chancellor. You know, my my powers have doubled since the last time we met or whatever. You know, and I, I, yeah. love the, I love the dialogue. And I also, oh my god, and I love, you know, get out of here. You're no match for him. It's like obi-wan's like chancellor palpatine Sith lords are our speciality
2: i know i'm it's like a, oh i just beat yeah. it up i would
1: just choose the verbiage on
0: yeah. that and uh i mean just and there's all- that part where they're fighting count dooku and palpatine is in the in the chair with his his hands yeah. cuffed down and he's like yeah yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> like are <laughs> you, you watching the so super weird. bowl i know dude he's uh, he's hamming it up i mean everyone's
1: really complimentary to each other in this and uh I love that Kenobi gets kind of taken out of the fight, not be, not because of Kenobi or any, like being Kenobi or something, but I love that the focus comes down to Anakin and Dooku because it really gives Anakin a moment alone to do something he shouldn't be doing, which again helps kind of get to where we need to get to with him transitioning to Vader. So, I mean, it's, it's a really crazy moment. I love how he just, when he, there's that just brief moment as Dooku's egging him on that he, he decides he's going to tap into his like frustration and anger a little bit and then you see him just completely put duku on the back pedal and before like chopping his arms off and i mean the book the book is amazing for this because the whole time duku is overconfident thinking he has this it's just down to anakin he's already played in anakin's hand and and chopped it off literally so at this moment he thinks he's all good well the moment anakin gives in and starts pushing him on that back pedal he's slowly starting to realize holy shit i might actually die and it starts to like make him very uncomfortable and then when the moment happens that palpatine is like kill him dooku is like oh my god this was his plan all along
0: yeah you can see it go through his eyes like yeah
1: like it happened so fast in the movie but the book really does a good job of explaining that like It finally crystallizes for him that like he's just been another pawn in the game, and he thought they were gonna rule together, and he was gonna be part of the you know Sith Empire, all that type of stuff. And holy shit, he could not have been more wrong. And then he dies, and it's just like whoa. Um, I love the escape. I mean, I, I I have a fond memory of when this movie came out on dvd and i went over with my friend eric to justin's who he's had on the show go over to his place and i remember that i had this movie so down pat i'd seen it several times in theaters and uh boy i'm speaking fast but uh i went over to justin's and i started quoting that entire first act to a point that justin's like dude will you shut the fuck up
2: it's like he started
1: getting mad and i completely rightfully so but it was very funny because i was like you know we're still flying half a ship you know and another happy landing like you said and all that stuff and uh, given the ability to pilot this thing is irrelevant. Strap yourselves in. I mean, I was quoting all of it, and I mean it just having a blast. And, uh, but as for the rest of the movie, I mean, look, one of my favorite things going to Kashyyyk, getting to see the home of the Wookiees. Oh, that,
2: I, I, how
0: did I leave that out? Every okay, time I see that on screen, every time I see that on screen, I'm like, I can't believe this was filmed. This is so yeah. cool.
1: We get the return of Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. Yeah. I mean, and Captain Tarful, or not Captain Tarful, that's from um that's from that's that's the like Gungan. Um oh my gosh, what is his uh, what is his name? I can't remember. Oh I know my what you're talking about, though. Can you Google like while I'm talking the, uh, the uh, Wookiee Yeah, Go ahead. Captain? Yeah, I'll Google. Um, oh, my gosh. But anyway, uh, I loved seeing Kashyyyk and just the planet itself. That was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, if I could live in any Star Wars world, I would live on this planet. Being at home with the Wookiees and everything. Uh, I mean, I just I like love- when
0: Yoda says to Chewie, like, miss you, I will.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, the farewell is so bittersweet and so tender. And I love that. Um.
0: But yeah, I mean there's a lot of planets you get to see my Gito, Is it get- Captain Merrow No. It says uh, he was the Wookiee chieftain in that movie, but Oh my gosh. Movie. Uh yeah. Tarful. I gotta Google that real It is Tarful. Qu- is it Tarful? Chief Tarful, yeah. Shortly, oh. shortly after. Yeah. You know what? I got it mixed up. It's Captain Tarpal for the Gungan. No. It's, yeah, okay. Yeah, Tarfful okay. went missing, and the Wookiees assumed he was lost. after you, thank you, thank you that.
1: But yeah, I, I love that. I love getting to see my Gito. Um, you get to see a couple other planets. Briefly, cato Nemordia which is like the homeworld of the Nemoidians and stuff like that. That's the planet you see briefly when Plo Koon's getting killed and stuff like that. Which, super sad when the Order 66 moment happens. I mean, that's oh, become an iconic. i ex- leave
0: that out, too. Man, I'm glad. I was, just, I was just too excited to talk about how good it was. Josh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're Order good. 66. You're good. But it's Order 66 is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's this has become an iconic staple for Star Wars. Like, if you're telling a story around this time, you got to kind of, you kind of got to go and just like the Tatooine greatest hits, like I've been to New York City type thing. You got to cover the Order 66 thing and tell from this person's perspective, and it's always interesting and uh, somber, and devastating. You, how you know it, what's so like, crazy,
0: Josh, is, is I, I heard, I heard back when the prequels were hated, I heard people like mock that like. Oh, when Obi Wan in, in A New Hope said uh, he, he was with he served with his father in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. people were like, "Well, I didn't actually think they would be clones." Like that used to be a criticism. Like, yeah, oh, it, they meant well, literally clones. People, but, oh, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Well, I was go gonna go say
1: ahead. there was there was speculation for a long time before the prequels that Obi Wan Kenobi stood as a he was an actual clone standing, you know, like, OB-1, or like, number one, like, the first oh, wow. version. Okay. Yeah, it was something like that. But a lot of people had that speculation. But I but, loved getting it. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say that people – It used to be a criticism is that, wow, the Clone the Clone Wars was literally on the nose. They're actually clones. Because, like, I think people thought that that was, like, a name that meant something deeper, deeper. Than, than actually just flat-out cloned people. But when you take in the story of, like – the secret cloning facility by Sifo Deus and then the, the the built-in code that where when the proper time arises, execute order sixty-six can be called, and they all turn on everyone. That's such a amazing plot idea, like a narrative thing. I just I'd love it. It's great. Well, and
1: I love it. I love this movie too because it's split into two halves of that. So like you have the downfall, but then you have the point when it seems like the war could actually turn out pretty well, and it's that it all crescends in that moment when Anakin and Obi Wan are parting, and. Anakin's going to be staying there on Coruscant with Palpatine and buddying up at the worst time possible for that to happen, whereas Obi-Wan's now going to go chase after Grievous. And a lot of people probably know where I'm going with this, but like when you see Anakin standing and Obi-Wan standing, the way Lucas framed it was brilliant because Anakin's standing kind of more in darkness, like where the lighting is, Mm -hmm. and there's Obi-Wan standing on the ramp in sunlight. And it's just very, you know. Is Obi-Wan
0: higher also? Yeah, he's he lower. Up?
1: He's lower in that. Oh, okay. But uh, so, I, yeah. But I mean, I, I, it's such an iconic moment and uh, something you don't pick up on the first time through or even the first couple times. But I mean, I love Amadala in this. I love getting to see Anakin and her. And I, I mean, I remember my friends. Like that I saw this with, even mocking it not too long after release, but I always loved the part where he's like, you are so beautiful, and she's, you know, and they have that moment when they're flirting kind of in her, like, bedroom area, and uh, I always just thought that was awesome, and I'm just like, I know this is ending, I don't know how this is gonna happen, but, like, she's gonna die or something, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, oh man, it's just so sweet to see, like, what they built up in three years, and how mature he, how much more mature he's grown, and the respect they have for, I don't know, I love all that, I love all that I love Palpatine messing around with him him, getting in his head. I mean, I, I suppose that is a fair criticism that you don't see enough of that to fill the transitions justified. I guess for me, just enjoying it as you didn't a fan. Feel that way.
2: Yeah.
1: No, I didn't feel that way because I'm like, well, this is the third movie I've gotten Like, you don't see it as much in Episode One. You get the tease. Episode Two, it's a tiny bit, but in this one, you get the most of it. But then, just as you get the most of it, is when the fall happens. So again, I can understand it. I just for me, I guess it works, but i love the moment that he pieces together that he's a sith lord and anakin man well him and wait i i don't like mace windu a lot of times because anakin's my favorite and mace windu's kind of a dick sometimes justifiably so other times it's a little too much i, I find a, a good balance but one's
0: good one's evil
1: yeah and <laughs> <laughs> and anyway he goes to tell mace now like this is the this is the one time i feel like anakin's a pretty good boy scout like rather than take action himself he goes to tell Mace. Yeah. And I'm going to die on this hill and Brian can debate this so don't forget this in case I ramble okay. for a bit if you want to say something. But the part where he goes and tells Mace about Palpatine being the Sith Lord and Mace Windu's like stay here if what you say is true you'll have earned my trust. I'm like motherfucker, you fought with this dude in the clone wars for 3 years, let alone the preceding 10 years of knowing this guy as a coming up as a Jedi. And you're suddenly telling him you're going to trust him. Like, that word probably doesn't have as much meaning as I'm reading into it there contextually. But I'm like, bro, like, you're you're insinuating in that moment that, like, Anakin's just always been on rocky water with you. But I'm like, look at all the shit this dude has done, let alone retroactively all the stuff we know with Ahsoka and how he's trained her and stuff. And now she's doing her own stuff. She's off to fight Maul around this time. But, like, I'm just thinking, like, man, what a dickhead. So, like, no wonder why Anakin goes back Didn't and he chopped your do- hand off.
0: Didn't Anakin like wasn't Anakin hot headed and did questionable things throughout the Clone Wars, though?
1: Yeah, well, to be honest, I think Anakin proved that he was deserving of his title in the Clone Wars. He still does stuff, like the means he does that stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes he is just like questionable, rules. but yeah, but it wasn't enough to be treated like a dickhead, I think. But I don't know, but. At the same time, you have the preceding stuff where, you know, and, and I get it. For For Windu, it's more I think he's pissed at Palpatine and he's taking it out on Anakin because the whole, like, you are on this council, but we do not grant you the Rick of master. What? You know, that's outrageous. That's unfair. Take a seat, Skywalker. Yeah. You know, man. You know, and I, mean, I mean,
0: ultimately, just what it comes down to, though, is it's like, Josh, I could be an unmitigated asshole to you for three years. You murdering people does not justify it. <laughs> so, Yeah.
1: No, you know, that's even, true. Even but, if, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's not like Windu knows about that, you know? What well, Windu doesn't know won't hoid him. So what do you mean?
0: Uh, oh, you mean the, the he, he doesn't killed know that outdoors?
1: Anakin went and killed the uh, the Tuscan Raiders? If that's what you are inferring to?
0: Oh, I was referring to all the women and children after the fact. He after he became Darth Vader. Oh well, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's that what comes after. <laughs> that yeah. comes after. But but no, I mean it's an iconic That's what I am saying is
0: his his reaction. I am sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Josh. I am just saying, like what I meant was is like you you talk about how like uh, Mace was unfair to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Well as a as a retort to that un, supposed unfairness, he ends up stopping Mace cutting off his arm, leading to his death, and then he becomes evil and kills a bunch of the people. so my well, my point is is that even if Mace happened to be a dick a few times, like murder doesn't justify it isn't justified either. <laughs>
1: well, I don't blame Anakin. I sound crazy, but I don't blame Anakin because between the two guys, one of them's clearly been more kinder to the other than the other. And even though that one that's been kind to him is manipulating him, he doesn't know that. And, uh, he's looking for a father figure and Palpatine fills that void where his Mace Windu just never really kind of liked him. So I kind of, I don't blame him for making the choice he does, even though it's clearly the wrong one. But, uh, in terms of his character and his journey and how people treat him, I mean, Palpatine's like, Hey, embrace your emotions and your mental health. That's how Anakin's taken it. But Mace is like suppress all this shit. So again, I, I, Maybe that's partly why I like Anakin. I like the duality there. And it comes to uh, upon that precipice of that moment. And for me in the theaters, I was flipping out, losing my mind, seeing that this is how Palpatine gets all the f- caked up makeup that he gets when we see him in that brief cameo in Empire, but more specifically, Return of the Jedi. I was like, oh my gosh, it was Mace Windu, the lights, with the lightning. I was, I was like, oh my, God. oh fuck. You know, as you would say. I was, how
0: clairvoyant I was, was George Lucas to make. A relatively young actor looks so old in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Man, did that work out.
1: Yeah, dude, so much. And, you know, I know a lot of people want Mace back. I don't want him back, not because I dislike him, but because, like, it, it just – it would un- – oh, man. I, I just – I feel like his death is so powerful because – How would you bring him back?
0: He's so much older. Well, for a lot
1: of people, they'd be like, well, you know, if you don't see a character die, it doesn't doesn't mean they really die. I'm
0: just saying, like, live action, how do you bring him back? Oh, I know.
1: I don't know. I think he just goes into hiding, basically, and he's still around. And if you
0: saw Dial of Destiny, we don't want a whole de-aged Mace Windu movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I I just, I feel like his death was powerful because it, it cemented, that was the moment Anakin fully turned to the dark side. And Windu was that, like, martier to that. So it's a powerful moment for everyone involved in that you know, so I love that sequence and how it plays out, you know, um, and even the voice that emanates from Palpatine when he's like, you henceforth, you will be known as Ah, you know, Like yeah. the way he does it, I'm like, oh, uh, you know, that's yeah, is The way they did i don't know what they did with his voice. Maybe it was Ian McDermott himself just having that BDE. He's like, oh, fuck! And he's—he's he's an. Ecstasy. I think he swallowed it because it's—it's almost erotic how much he is like the high that Palpatine is on in this moment because it's like this oh, yeah. is what he's been building toward and everything is oh, yeah. everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. So I mean, it's a great moment. And then he's like, you know, do what must be done, Lord Vader. And
0: you notice how me. he says it; he's kind of like. You shall now forth be known as Darth, and he kind of pauses, and he like winks real quick. (laughs) Wait, uh.
1: yeah, so good, and I mean that's an iconic moment too. It's moments like Palpatine's makeup getting put on it's moments like the darth vader name stuff like that and obviously you know when he becomes Darth Vader, i'll get into that later on but like like when he fully gets the actual like iconic armor but it's those moments that people were really waiting for to see how all that happened and you know some people didn't even get to live to see it so it, it felt incredible like this is an aspect of our lives like nothing will ever reach or top because of just what this means so it was it was very cool i love that um as the order 66 stuff happens i mean holy cow how heavy it is when anakin is marching upon the jedi temple with the 501st legion and starts to take out all the jedi and just the sad summer music that's playing as you know he enters that room with all the kids master skywalker you know we're being overrun what are we to do and anakin's like just stay right there for a minute you guys ever seen baseball you guys ever played it (laughs) no yeah well, you guys beat the bomb. I'm going to be the bat. What? Boom. And, you know, so, I mean, that's a pretty heavy moment. And then as we cut between all these other Jedi getting killed, like shout out to, you know, what about the droid attack on the Wolkies himself? Kia D Mundi getting killed. I mean, he turns around his last moments and realizes that he's being betrayed by his own comra- comrades that he's been traveling with on these missions and manages to deflect a, bo- a couple before dying. And then Plo Koon has no idea. He dies not knowing what the hell happened. Because he was shot from behind and his ship, taken down from them. I mean, and I mean, obviously, as you see that, I mean, that's the on the flip side with Kenobi battling General Grievous. I mean, Grievous just gets killed and it's like, okay, we're finally at a point again where it's just back to one Sith dude. Not that Grievous is a Sith, but you know what I mean. And like, just as the scales are about to tip really in in their favor, all this stuff happens. Commander Cody betrays Obi-Wan Kenobi, gets shot down off the boga and then he has to try to escape and we get to where we get to. But I mean, just crazy. But um, Bail Organa in this moment, I mean, I love that. There's the brief moment when Bail Organa is trying to rescue this little kid Jedi, I think, or whatever, telling him to get on the ship or or something like that. And then that kid yeah. ends up fending off a couple clones before getting shut down. him. That's yeah. George Lucas's kid, Jet Lucas in real life. Oh, that's cool. Um, but uh, I love Bail Organa having an improved role, an elevated role in this. Um, getting to see him getting i don't i don't want to get too far ahead but getting to see him have that that moment again another moment where you're like holy shit this is what i've been waiting for when he's talking with yoda and kenobi aboard the Tantive v4 and talking about how i'll take the girl my wife and i've always wanted a daughter and you're stuck with the little dipshit on the desert land of tatooine you know i mean all that stuff it's like whoa and then also the reveal of like hey kenobi i'm a, you ain't gonna be alone buddy there's someone you can commune with his name's qui-gon you might be you might you might have heard of him and he's like, oh
0: shit. And I'm like, oh for me, I was like, oh my God. I was like, Quagan! You know, I was just like, got the payoff oh. eventually in the Kenobi show.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Although we see that he struggles. He doesn't have immediate contact with him. So yeah. But yeah, no, no, no. Um I love uh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. When 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 Anakin and Obi-Wan are battling see, I love this sequence. I love it. It's escalating. I love escalation and in action sequences. I love their fight. Obi Wan's doing all this fucking twirly whirly shit, and there's that part where they're like literally like just waving their blaze back and forth when they're in that area. Oh my! I see. I'm getting ahead of myself, but even when Anakin goes in there, bro, when he's Darth Vader and he just kills everyone and fucking uh, oh my god, new gun. reason. I thought it was gonna be
0: peace. I thought it was over, and he's like, gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. You know, he said, Darth Vader, he said Darth Vader would take care of us. He's like, yeah. I am here to take care of you. Take yeah. care of the trash. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And
1: then there's that one shot, even a Watt Tambor, he was that Techno Union starship dude with the big like metal like mouthpiece or whatever. And anyway, like he's in that end, one end of the like hallway of that little meeting room in that area. And then like it cuts to that iconic shot of Anakin kind of looking at the screen, and you see his yellow eyes as he's still hooded. I love that. Uh, I, but yeah, when you get to the actual fight. And they're and they're going at it at the same time, you know. Just preceding, we got little Yoda walking into the office of Palpatine, and Palpatine's like, "Oh fuck, I hate this guy." And <laughs> yeah. Yoda's like, "I lived." And then they have that showdown, and and the moment that Duel of Fates theme replays is like, they're in that little senate chamber well it's a big senate chamber area but when they're in that small area and then it opens up into the big room as that music crescends and we're alternating between like this true duel of the fates of like if yoda defeats palpatine that means that there's a chance if he doesn't ooh, you know but then at the same time it's like well anakin and kenobi it's all come down to this it's been building to this for a long time you know And you have these two things big important duels like the most important duels in all of history in a lot of way and in, in the galactic society that you know of just coming down to that it's just so riveting and switching between the two and uh you know
0: that i mean whole, it, that ahead. whole fight josh i i, I just watched a, a viral video but yoda swapped out with Mar from home alone <laughs> really it's Mar versus Palpatine, and it's Whoa, hilarious. I'll, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, I bet yeah. Be fun. He he kicks he kicks Palpatine over, and he falls backward in his chair, and it's great.
1: Wow. One thing. One thing I I have to see, you have to remember to some me that really. Yeah. But uh, one thing I, I that didn't kind of sit well with me, but again I, I just gloss over it. Is like the part where like Yoda kind of like loses ground, so he just kind of gives up and retreats from the yeah. battle, and then he tells as as Bail Organa rescues him, he's like into exile i must go i was like what hold on you know like, it's not over the, yet
0: the audience isn't aware that's coming yeah it out.
1: but i mean he just says that um you you barely get to see jar jar binks in this so that hurt and uh, i know <laughs> I, I hate the sith lord like i i was entertained by the theory at one point in time when it was like here's these dots that i've somehow miraculously connected that jar jar is a Sith Lord. And it was entertaining the same way the Plinkett reviews are. They're just fun. You take them as you will, but you don't buy into it. But then people started to make jokes out of it. And people give me shit to this day because they know I love Jar Jar and I hate the Sith Lord theory. And (laughs) that's just become a thing now. But I was you know, he kind of takes the fall because he's the one that grants the chancellor emergency powers and attack of the clones or whatever. So I feel bad that it just validated all the more for people to hate him, And then he's just a glorified cameo at best in this. And, uh, but I love Jar Jar and it was a bummer. And, you know, I always felt like he would have joined the rebel Alliance that made the most sense to me, but we don't, he doesn't get that treatment, unfortunately, but that's a conversation for the sequel trilogy. Um, Commander Cody in this, it was great to see Samara Morrison back, just, you know, playing the clones. I mean, it was, a, it made sense, but it was also just a good, good way to have him back because I just liked him. Um, C3PO, you know, I feel so helpless. He says that around Padme and she's crying. Um, R2D2 having his moments. I mean, uh, and then uh, that Tion Medon, he's the one like cone head looking dude that when uh, when Obi Wan first arrives on Utapau and he's talking to him.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I just, I don't he's know. The, he's the, the mouth way... of Sauron.
1: <laughs> yeah. That is him. That it's is the a same Bruce, guy. Bruce Spence. Yeah. So uh, I love that moment. Uh, but General Grievous, um, man, I'm all over the place. But General Grievous, I, I really, really liked. Originally, it was going to be um, What's-His-Nuts from... Oh, my gosh, who played... Oh, my gosh, Brian. I'm completely blanking on everything. Um, And Prisoner of Azkaban, who was... Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Prisoner, who Who's the Gary. Prisoner of Azkaban?
0: Oh, you mean uh, Gary Oldman?
1: Gary. Gary Oldman, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for saving me. Gary Oldman was originally attached to play... The voice of General Grievous, but because of something with the uh, WGA or or not, not Writer's Guild, but the uh, the other one. Anyway, uh, he didn't get to do it. So they brought in a dude that was already like the dude that was actually designing the uh, the concept for uh, Grievous. So anyway, I love Grievous, you know, time to abandon ship
2: watch the situation captain two jedi have landed in the main hangar bay
1: i forget those voices i mean I uh, kill me man i mean i eat that stuff up um and grievous is just he's, his his fight sequence i can see how it's disappointing with the, for a lot of people because he's kind of built up and then when he does fight obi-wan obi-wan kicks his ass but to me i'm just like i know this doesn't undervalue grievous being a badass it 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 Shows how much of a badass Kenobi yeah. is And how great of a duelist o- well, he is
0: Yeah I have no problem with that yeah. I thought he gave Obi-Wan
1: a good fight I, I thought so too I lo- And I love So uncivilized When he kills him with a blaster I'm like yeah. it, it Kid me at the time again Who couldn't really see out of my own comfort zone With stuff I mean was completely open But like Hadn't ever seen a Jedi use a blaster before. I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "This is cool," you know. Which is so ridiculous. Does Luke now, use but,
0: a master, uh, blaster? Blaster? Yeah,
1: but I mean, this was like during the age of the actual Jedi. Like Luke using it makes sense because he's a Jedi. And tra- for me, yeah, it I makes get sense. that makes, that, in makes
0: in sense. Sense. No, that makes but, sense. But um,
1: no, I'm, I'm being that like technically. But uh, yeah. I love I love all this. I love how it ends. Like you said, wrapping up there. I wanted to see this with my mom and my my mom and dad got me into Star Wars and. My dad loves *Phantom Menace*. He doesn't—I don't think he likes *Attack of the Clones* as much, but he still likes it. Same with *Revenge*. But he doesn't really like Hayden Christensen as as Anakin.
0: Mm. But um, does that hurt your soul, Josh? Yeah, a lot. But what's the biggest uh, disagreement you and your dad have about Star Wars? Is that it, or is there something else?
1: It's probably it. We both love Does Your love dad Jar Jar. like all the sequels. No, not as much. I think they're pretty depressing for him, like in, totally sad, and they are. There's not a lot of optimism in there, but so
0: they're the, his yeah. least favorite. Oh, movie. for sure,
1: for sure. But um, well, I can remember. Oh, this is a bit, you know, uh, it's relevant here. So, but when I came home from Force Awakens, and I was he was asking me my thoughts on the movie, and I was talking to him about it, and there had been a thing on the news earlier in the day. And it was something about talking about how like people are excited because this one won't have Jar Jar in it and all that stuff. And I was telling dad about that among the conversation with Force Awakens. I remember He's this like, story. He's like, I Go don't ahead. get that. He's like, I love Jar Jar. And I looked at my dad. Yeah. I was like, I love him too. And it was just like this really – it was a good feeling. It was a good feeling to connect with it. Which is that. cool
0: because I would think your dad would be somebody who wouldn't like Jar Jar because of
1: yeah. age. No, I think, I think he enjoys it because it's a different look at Star Wars at a different time. And it could still have – it doesn't have to be the same tone. You know, like, I I mean, we talked about it before, but so many people, the biggest problem with this trilogy, I still have some more to say too. my bad. But um, the biggest problem, I think, when it comes to franchises is the moment like there's a gap in time and you're about to revisit the franchise that you've like come to love. It's over because like for most people, the expectations get too high. It's harder. It's in a different setting modern technology that we have for modern filmmaking is utilized that wasn't utilized before. So even the same planet you might've seen or a uh, same location is now looks different because of how different we're utilizing technology and, um, nothing goes the way people expect. And I think it's really difficult, uh, for people to, um, rationalize, what they wanted to see versus what they get. And that's a conversation we'll definitely be going into long form on the sequels. But here, I mean, I think like someone like my dad was just like happy to be back in star Wars. He didn't have the high expectations. Like it's like live or die on it, you know? And I think a lot of people felt that way. I mean, my mom, I remember seeing it with her for phantom menace and she, she didn't really like it as much, but she didn't hate it. But to bring it back full circle, when she, Was there with me midnight releasing this movie, and the helmet is finally coming on Vader just as it kind of locks on, and you hear the first breath of Darth Vader. My mom, I could hear my mom say next to me, fucking awesome. And it was just this really cool moment of like knowing, like, Man, this has like been very fulfilling for my mom too, and just I think every like it, it's crystallizing in that moment that like yeah, these other two have had a bad reputation, but like I think the vibe is the vibe checks pretty good on this one, and uh, that was just a really great feeling. But I love this movie through and through. I love seeing how it comes to its end with like you said, just all those different moments. You see Tarkin briefly in the background. You see the Death Star being constructed. Um, I mean, just how sad it is. I mean, I used to. I used to struggle with Padme dying because of a broken heart. Now it makes complete sense to me as I'm older. And it makes complete sense to me now.
0: Yeah, that's but, dude. You know what? You know what's even more poetic. Is that that's pretty much what killed um, Carrie Fisher's mother?
1: Yeah, he died yeah, of a dude, broken I mean, heart. Literally, yeah.
0: Car- Carrie Fisher died, and then like three days later, she was gone. So sad, she, dude. But yeah, I to see mean, your daughter. Yeah.
1: yeah, you're right, Brian. I appreciate. Uh, you give me more validity to that statement too. But yeah, I mean seeing Luke and Leia be born and be named and stuff on Polis massage that the moon. Um, I just remember I was like, Oh my gosh. I was just like, there's just, I mean, there's a moment where you're a kid, but there's a moment where you're like, I don't know what I, it was an out of body experience, you know, was just seeing this fully real. I mean, I'll never be able to put it into words, but I mean, it was just an astounding moment, like not even an achievement. I'm not saying it was executed good or bad. It was just, I'm finally seeing this. Like I've only known Luke and Leia as one way my entire life and now here they are as babies this is how they were born this is the planet they were born on this is what happened before this is what happened after i had to go home and, and put in a new hope and watch the first 20 minutes just to and i fell asleep i was i was so tired but i was just you know it was just insane but uh it was a beautiful film i love the transitional period like you talked about brian i mean that moment when you can tell like it's gotta it's about to go downhill and this is where everything changes and uh he's going to he's gonna go commit sin. And uh, it's just, it's sad. It's, it's like the opposite of Jesus, you know, and it's just fascinating exploring that in the movie of just like Anakin was going to be the best of all of us, but instead he ended up being the worst. And, and just seeing how, why that happened, you know, how that came into effect, the people that were in his ear. I mean, I, I even don't blame him in this movie uh, doing what he does too, because you have that line with Obi-Wan saying, you know, the council wants you to report on all the dealings of the chancellor and stuff like that. And, You know, he's like, chance was my friend, bro. And he's like, I know, but we're your friends too. And we're your real friends. And it's just kind of bogus of what side he's getting pulled on each side. And it makes me, it makes me sad because like he's someone that like when he, he was a slave, then he gets pulled into this order who says you can only feel this certain way. Then he has this person in his ear. Who's a master manipulator saying, you can feel however you want. You can do whatever you want. Then he has this woman he loves. who's completely innocent and of herself but is really pulling into conflict and compromising a lot of those other things that he's being pulled into. So he, like Padme was the only one who I think ever unconditionally loved him. And I think Obi-Wan did too, but Obi-Wan took him as an apprentice out of like reluctance and then came to love him. And again, they had their brotherhood and I love this too. I mean, this movie establishes whereas the second film feels a little bit more like a father son type dynamic. This one's more brothers, you know, one's an older brother. One's a younger brother. And they're playing off one another. And And to be fair to you,
0: Josh, regardless of how much we might have some differences on how Mace Windu treated Anakin, Anakin responded, the fact is that the Jedi Council was full of hubris and were not uh, acting as they should. And that's what contributed to their downfall.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. 100%, man. I I have a great time with this movie every time. It is like – there was a time it was my favorite And that was when the movie was new and fresh. Uh, But as time's gone on, I think I still love it. It's still in my top, like it's in the gold tier. But it's so emotionally charged that I can't, like when I put in Phantom Menace, it's a happy movie. Everything turns out fine in the end. It's like a Disney experience. But this one, it's like, that's only half the movie. The other half is devastation. And I'm like, oh, do I really want to cry? <laughs> you know? so, like, I'll watch this one when I'm going through the rewatches, but on its own, I'm never going to pop this in because of what it takes out of me and what it requires of me emotionally to invest in. But I, uh, my favorite thing about this movie, guys, lastly, is just that every time I watch it, and I, I'm probably the only person that does this, or at least the only one I know, but there's always that part of me that every time I watch it, I think maybe it'll go differently this time maybe Anakin will kill Palpatine or help Windu or whatever and things will change.
0: It's and, the Mufasa situation. Yeah. I always hope he's going to live.
1: Yeah. it's and it's like almost a Mandela thing kind of where I'm just like ah, it's always po- it's possible like it'll change and then it still goes the same way. It's kind of like when I, you know, back in the day I used to talk about Halo Reach and it's like you know how it's going to end, but you don't know how it's going to get there and there's always that part of me even when I play that game I'm like could this go different? Just like Rogue One, could they all live? Nah.
2: Yeah.
1: But uh yeah, I mean it's just it's a, it's, it's a great film, great cap-off to the trilogy. Definitely the best, objectively, of those three. And I am so glad that this trilogy went out strong because it's the last taste in people's mouths of this trilogy. And I think since the younger audience that grew up with these, even over you and I, definitely have been... Uh, this has helped. The reputation, this movie sticking the landing, I think, has really funny helped how it, people. It
0: kind of went the other way for the sequels. Yeah. You know, the strongest movie is the beginning. And I mean, I guess the opinions are varied for the other way around. Sure,
1: like that's a great idea like, yeah,
0: for sure. I, I feel like the weakest movie is the last one. It is, you know,
1: yeah. But well, yeah, whereas like
0: the- Attack of the Clones and the Last Jedi kind of serve the, well, no, 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 that's not true. I because Attack of the Clones is the is the worst one, and then yeah, I guess that doesn't work perfectly. But it starts strong. I know with what you're Force saying. Awakens, and it ends weak with Rise. Whereas. Like poetry, a lot of it rhymes. thought, yeah, a lot of people thought Phantom was a weak start and Revenge was a strong ending. I mean, obviously, Phantom's strong for us, too. You
1: know what was dope, too, real quick, Brian? You know, when, when they're having the Wookiee, when the Wookiees are fighting the droids, and you have that part where you hear like that Tarzan yell and that one comes sailing in on that rope. Yeah.
0: Oh, I was like, oh my God. I was like, and just it, eating it up. Oh. I don't know how much of that's practical, but it always looks really practical to me. A lot of that,
1: I, yeah, a lot of that I felt looked well. And Lucas made two controversial decisions here one of them everyone loves the other one rick mccallum the producer fought so hard against the one that everyone is relieved is that lucas in the early drafts of this movie he was going to have a young han solo there with chewbacca yep
0: i saw a a lot lot of people
1: didn't really i think most people are like yeah i don't really want that would i have minded it no but that that would lean into fan service territory and that's just not george's mo uh but the other thing is and you can see it on YouTube. You can see it on Disney Plus. There's a deleted scene of Yoda arriving. I wondered in that pod if you mentioned this on Dagobah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's pretty cool. Rick, Rick really wanted that in there, and he said he fought George on it so hard. And for the longest time, I wanted that sequence in there because it just felt like it capped off Yoda's arc in that trilogy of where he's at. But nowadays, I uh, I realize I'm debating myself, but I really am glad it's not in there because. If you are showing this saga to somebody who's never seen these before and you start them in the chronological order, the fact that they don't reveal where he goes to in Revenge of the Sith makes it all the more fun when you Good see point. him on Dagobah in Empire Strikes Back. And I think not seeing that complements Empire as well, because when you watch A New Hope chronologically, like as the fourth film in that sense, in the saga itself, at least, you're like, maybe a part of that person's going, well, where is Yoda? You know, you don't know. Well then you get to the next movie and you know, go to the Dagobah system. Ooh, what's Dagobah? What's that look like? Oh, it's a yeah. swamp sh- oh Yoda, you're this old crotchety fart now? You know, I mean it's just it's cool. It it helps yeah. it. So but I, I love I love this movie.
0: Awesome, Josh. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Uh it I completely agree with the Rotten Tomato score. That seems pretty dead on to me. Um, give or take a percent, uh, or a few percent. Seventy nine certified fresh. I mean, I don't know. How do you feel, Josh? Is it good enough for you, or do you disagree? Or? I would, I
1: would like to see it at like at an eighty-three, a little bit higher. I mean, I, th- I think this is a damn good film. You know, really well done. But uh, I understand. I understand. It's all good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not unhappy with it. But the audience score at sixty-six. I'm like, bro, well,
0: people came away loving years. this one. Yeah. What the heck? Well, you have all those years though before Force Awakens came out.
1: Well, I think even most people's reception was Revenge of the Sith was the good one, even out the gate. Like that was the one consistent yeah, thread I saw.
0: But for audience scores, though those can, you know, it's what I said, though, right, Josh? Like after the Planket reviews, everyone said that Revenge of the hated was was sucked. Going yeah, that's into true. Force Awake. they do get lumped so can, together. No, fair enough. Yeah, so I think that's what happened. But
1: yeah, but no, I mean, uh, any final thoughts you got to say on this movie?
0: Um, it's the best of the prequels. It's a great movie. Um, if people think it's the best Star Wars, like, well, I mean, yeah, if people think it's the best Star Wars, fine. I mean, it's a good Star Wars movie. I mean, I I feel like it's it's. A really good movie. I don't feel like it's the strongest of the gold, saga. Silver or
1: bronze for you, Brian.
0: Man, I wish there was four options because <laughs> it, I feel like that almost forces it into because I want to. Like silver feels too low, but gold feels a little too high for me. Sure, because uh, because gold Silver's would be okay. gold would be Empire in the original Star Wars, and that's probably it. Okay, but because I, I want to put. I would love to put Force Awakens in there, but then everyone would be like, "It's okay. oh, it's, you know, it's a repeat that was of the movie, oh, movie that made you
1: a solidified Star Wars fan. Yeah, though. Force
0: Awakens is my Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's what it is. So uh, it, it, there's it's just the movie that connects with me the most. But I think the only I think the only I don't know. Yeah, I think the only goal to would be Empire and um, and the original, but. I could I could be convinced to put Revenge of the Sith in the gold for sure. Okay. It, you'd actually be it'd be easier to convince me Revenge of the Sith is gold than than Return of the Jedi. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. But they're both silver as far as I'm concerned right now. Okay. Bronze is Attack of the is a is a Attack of the Clones and uh Rise of Skywalker and I think that's it. I know plenty of people throw people want me to make a new below bronze for Last Jedi. They want, like freaking dirt
1: silver <laughs> so off in the distance, yeah.
0: Yeah. In a landfill yeah. somewhere like the et cartridges <laughs> which well, weird, are there's actually and to really piss people off there's there's moments where i'm like there's moments where i'm like is last jedi gold here but ultimately i think it's fair to say silver but yeah fair enough. some moments of some moments of last jedi i'm just like holy shit, but you know i will anyways, say when i oh if yeah go ahead i don't want to get no that. i'm just gonna say revenge of the sith is awesome it's a favorite for a reason when i came I out agree. of this yeah dude i i'm
1: i'm glad to hear you high on this one i mean it seems like this is your is this your favorite one technically of the prequels or is it phantom
0: Absolutely. My, my ranking, my personal ranking, not objectives, personal ranking for Star Wars, just to get to Revenge of the Sith, goes Force Awakens, A New Hope, Empire, Last Jedi, Return, of the, Return of, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Sorry. Okay. So it's okay. number it's number five. You
1: know. That's pretty good. No, I'll take that out of 11 movies, you know, so or yeah. 12, and I it, guess, if you count Clone and, Wars.
0: And most people would put it above Last Jedi for sure, probably also Force Awakens. Yeah, but. But
1: no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, when I left this, I went and saw it with a couple of friends and my mom in 2005. And I remember, I've said this before, but I'll summarize it. Going home was a somber experience because you're on the high of this movie, but it's like three in the morning and dropping friends off one by one. We weren't doing like a sleepover. And uh, I was going to, my mom was letting me stay home from school the next morning or the next day, but, uh, you know, still had to part ways with the friends. And then my mom had to get to bed and... Then I was going up to my room and, again, put on the 20 minutes, first 20 minutes of A New Hope and just kind of sitting there. And it's like it sucked because at this point you're so – it's like nowadays we're just you're hanging answered. around our friends. We're going out to, to eat. We're talking with all this all these people and these crowds and stuff. You want to be around that and live in it and eat it up, even if you're super tired. You want to fall asleep to the ambiance of people talking about it. But I was there in my room by myself, without internet, watching the first 20 minutes of A New Hope that came out in 1977, fresh off of a 2005 film. It was tough. <laughs> it
0: was tough times. Yeah, but I mean, you did the I same thing it. I did because I, like I told you, I went home and I started New Hope uh, also
1: with my yeah. parents. Yeah, it was cool to see how it how it connected. You know, I just wanted to go into it fresh, and uh, yeah, that was that was an amazing time and there was the dark Lord rise of Darth Vader book. That was kind of a bit of a sequel or at least a bridge between this and a new hope at the time that I remember just pouring through the revenge of the Sith video game was iconic had the dual modes. I mean, Oh, I mean, star Wars games is its own episode sometime, but, uh, Oh yep. goodness. I just had fun with this era of star Wars. It was, it was sad to see it go, but boy, I felt like it ended so high that, uh, I, I almost didn't need more, even though I wanted more.
2: Yeah,
0: no, it's, it's it, it capped off the prequels. Uh, really well, Seen and um, it. yeah, it's it's easy to take this it's trilogy. It's bonafide, Brian. It is bonafide. Um, it's easy to take this trilogy as a as a wholesome good thing because I feel like, you know, everyone loves Revenge of the Sith, and then there's a lot of love for the other two, you know. And even me, who has so many problems with Attack of the Clones, it's got great parts too. And it's also, you know, it's it's there's more of a through line between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. You if know, you had, closely tied,
1: so. if you had, can you give me? your at least what's your top 2 favorite characters or top 3 favorite characters in the prequel trilogy?
0: Oh, in the prequel trilogy? Yeah. Um I would say Anakin and Obi-Wan. Okay. For sure, and then the third would probably be I'm thinking it's I'm thinking it's Qui-Gon. Okay. Yeah, which it's is pretty, pretty uh, very basic, you know.
1: No, but mine's mine's but, pretty uh, close. I'd probably say Anakin, Padmé, and Qui-Gon. But I yeah, love, him. I mean, I love I, so yeah. many. love R2, especially in this trilogy. So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I don't know if I like Anakin or Obi-Wan more. Hard for me to say.
1: Um, oh, interesting. So Anakin could potentially just be your favorite overall.
0: Of the prequels? Yeah. because yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, despite him becoming a mass genocidal murderer, I still like the <laughs> <laughs> Well, everyone loves
1: Kylo Ren and wanted to see Ben get redeemed, even though he was a...
0: Yeah, you know I, yeah. I, I mean, Kylo so, is no, also a mass murderer. Right. So yeah, yeah. But, no,
1: I I get it. That's that's. And I, I, I love Kylo
0: Ren, so you know. That's that's. So. <laughs> that's
1: fair. It almost sounds like you're a Jedi there in the in the temple that uh, managed to survive, and you got salt still after all these years. Yeah, even like though niece, you know he's a genocidal yeah. maniac. I mean, he did good things yeah. for us twenty years ago. For yeah, three years, yeah,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, well, you haven't you haven't seen the you haven't seen the the last episode of Game of Thrones, Josh, but. Uh, basically Jamie Lannister does so many horrible heinous things and Jamie Lannister dies uh, by running back to his sister because he's incestuously love in love with her he, mm-hmm. and he runs back to her and then a building falls on them and they die and that's her enthusiasm music and the the thing one of the things that Jamie wanted throughout the series was he wanted to be he wanted to have his name written down in the book of like I don't know if it was called like, the Book of Kings or the Book of Valiant Men he wanted to have his good deeds written down in this book well you know he's mostly a very flawed person who's made a lot of mistakes and been awful to people but as the series is concluding uh, Brienne of Tarth opens the book and writes down all the good things that he did so oh, it's kind of, like, so it kind of it's like to it kind of like Anakin right it's like let's just remember the good parts not the all the <laughs> shitty parts <you>
1: know? <laughs> yeah. yeah fair fair but uh, yeah. I know we gotta kind of wrap up, but uh, we got some voice clips, email, and uh, some business yeah. to get into. I'll How read, do you want to do I'll, this?
0: I'll, I'll read the emails and you do the voice clips. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you want me do uh, Do you want me start with the voice clips? Um. Well. Do you want to sure. do the email? I mean, I got the. Let okay. me read Go the email. Ahead. Go for it. Buddy. It's pretty long. It's pretty long. Um. So this is uh Prianchu or buddy Prianchu. I'm excited. I'm just to – I'm going to keep reading as if the words come from me, Josh, so if yeah. you if you say something, I'll just keep no, reading. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. Um, I want to hear him. Sup, my bish-ass Padawans, Bomb <laughs> Brian and Master Joshy, bomb-bad bomb Brian and Master Joshy. Ooh. When I heard rumblings of a disturbance in the Sacred Icon Galaxy that Star Wars was being tombed about, tombed about, <laughs> I knew I needed to take action. There are only so many times where we get to discuss probably my favorite series ever, especially when we tom about them juicy, them delicious- <laughs> Them scrumptious prequels you know my appetite is fiending for a good ranting. The Phantom Menace was probably one of the cinema experiences that I actively remember as a four-year-old back in 1999. My dad was legit super excited to take me for this movie, and I remember all of the dope Taco Bell toys. Yes. Remember the magnetic floating Padme ship? I think there was like a cube toy with the different characters that you could fold in and out to make different covers. Watto and Droidica toys that came with kids' meals. Master this Destroyers. Boy rem- this boy remembers deeply the toys, especially from episode one, more than anything. There was a legit fever pitch of excitement with Star Wars. I remember just liking most of it as a kid, but having never seen or remembered seeing the original trilogy before it,
2: oh.
0: uh, I never really got what was going on until about a couple years later when I watched the OG trilogy because I was four. I basically was a very casual fan of Star Wars as a kid and I skipped episode two for the longest time and watched episode three directly after one, after my brother told me he didn't like episode two. And then I and then when I did, I, I loved it to death. There's a bunch of setup storylines and the introductions of countless villains with their own stories. Episode three though was something different. I was ten and this movie was the shit. <laughs> the coolest fight scenes I had ever seen, a tragic downfall, epic galaxy shifting moments. Me and my friends played as Jedi and Sith with our different highlighters that we pretended were either the Jedi, <laughs> yeah. blues, greens, and pinks, or Sith, reds, and blacks. And we had a blast just slashing those small highlighters while playing around during recess. I remember often playing as Palpatine as well, where we would have the special attack of lightning out of my hands for added damage. One of the people who played with us every day is still one of my best friends today, and I don't know if without Star Wars we would be, able, we'd be as close today as we are. The prequels are inherently super special to me, one in three anyway. They're what I grew up with, what formed a never-ending love of sci-fi, fantasy heroes, and villain stories. The fact that the stories are still being expanded and built upon and keep adding more and more layers to this already insanely complex story just increases my love for it each time. There's a reason I am super not down with folks who say, enough Order 66, or how much do we need to stay in this era? Bish! You try to describe the simultaneous deaths and cover-up of eight to 9,000 superheroes and protectors <laughs> of the galaxy. It is the biggest force shift literally ever and shows that insane history repeating itself over and over centuries. The addition of the Clone Wars and the humanization of the clones is probably the smartest and best thing that can be done for me. I remember the epicness and scale of Episode 3, but the story was kind of like, I, I guess that this dude has just turned bad and he's kind of goaded? Uh, The Clone Wars for me added all the great context, that love and brotherhood between Obi-Wan and Anakin, why Anakin could be so conflicted, why the Jedi were so blinded by their hubris and power that they literally being fucked over right in front of their eyes. It was fascinating and enthralling, especially as it came out in my junior high school time where I was growing my love of analyzing media and growing into deeper 14 and 18 plus content. How can you say Star Wars is for kids when the fucking Umbara arc exists that talks about war crimes, killing your own brothers in Mm -hmm. battle? I feel like if you come at this part of Star Wars from a place of learning and wanting to delve delve deeper and deeper, this is where uh, tis all there is actually, well connected without feeling forced at all. Maybe Ahsoka does ask a bit more. Now we are living where we get to see almost five to seven different displays of Order 66. We have Episode 3, Clone Wars, Bad Batch, Jedi Fallen Order, and Rebels to all show us pieces and gleamings of the biggest tragedy in that universe. I think there is always a story to tell, especially when the lines between prequel and original trilogy start to blur. The Bad Batch, Rebels, Ahsoka, and Tales of the Jedi. I get it's not for everyone, and it's so much to take in, but IMO, I have never been eating fucking better, bros. (laughs) The narrative pieces, the homages, the callbacks. I've taken a lot of y'all's time, and if this was a voice message, I would probably get into Diente and Tony's runtime. Love them for the length, though, baby. So I want to hear what y'all think of this word salad, and I am sad you could not hear my countless quotes and imitations of the best characters the galaxy has to offer. Your new empire, Wesley. My allegiance is to sacred icon, <laughs> to democracy. Love y'all. I want to hear more from this one. I love me a good Star Wars reference or quote,
1: <laughs> and well read, Brian. I love how you're reading what he says in the most monotone voice. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, anything? What do you want to say? What do you have? To th- what do you think about that, Brian?
0: Um, yeah, you can see why these movies are so special to him. He was even younger than you know. Well, you're, I'm younger than you, and he's younger than me. Mm-hmm. Four years old. So, so these uh, yeah, so these prequels were hitting hard, and he he watched the original trilogy. After the prequels came out, it sounds like, from what he said. But uh, Prey is that person
1: that kind of grew up with these and now has the yeah. voice on the internet. Yeah, and yeah. I can't
0: remember what his opinion on the sequels are, but he probably hates them too, right? That would be my I guess. Know. I don't know. Or at least some of them. Um, but yeah, he's he's right in that pocket, and uh, he's more attached to 1 and 3. I think it's funny where um, he said that his, his brother told him he didn't really need to watch Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Because I remember... When Kyle got me into, I had already seen Fellowship of the Ring, and I didn't like it when I first saw it, when uh, as a kid. And Kyle showed me, wanted to show me Return of the King, and I was like, dude, I don't, I don't really like Lord of the Rings, and and I haven't seen the second one. And he's like, oh, you don't really need to see the second one. <laughs> happen? The only thing that happens in that movie is a big battle. And I'm like, okay. And I watched Return of the King, and for a while I'd just seen Fellowship and Return of the King, and it's like, dude, a little bit more happens than just a battle. In, in two towers, like come on, let's get real here. So That's I, I always that
1: person's this. way of wanting to show you that this specific movie. Yeah, even yeah, though yeah,
0: yeah, it's just a battle. Fuck the market. Even though you need Claw. yeah,
1: <laughs> I love your text the other night about that. Yeah, inside yeah. joke. Which I was over to you, over to you,
0: Josh. Commenting on
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, love the email. Love the the nod to the Umbara arc from Clone Wars. You pronounced that perfectly, Brian. Um, Did I? Wow, great. Yeah that 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 uh, is crazy though. That yeah, you're. I I, I guess I never realized that. Pray that you kind of. Or that person that kinda I kinda talk about with who like grew up with the prequels but have that voice now. You know, so that's really cool to see. I love seeing you talk about Star Wars. It's one of the things I've I've always noticed you to be most passionate about and have a lot to say on. So I really eat good whenever you're talking about that Star Wars, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so talk I really about it. I really, about it. <laughs> really appreciate you sending the email, uh, getting that in, man. And yeah, dude, that's so crazy. I mean, that's fascinating even hearing what you said, Brian, about like that's that's two people in two important trilogies where someone missed the middle act and just went from the beginning to the end. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's very. That's like skipping the middle of the book. You know, skipping yeah, lunch. Yeah, and it's going straight. It's to crazy because
0: like no, I mean Kyle will never listen to this, but I, I don't mean to dig on Kyle, but like I think I'm more. You know, me, you and me overanalyze everything.
2: Yeah. You no. Know? Sure. But
0: especially when it comes to media. Oh yeah. Kyle's very much more like, ah, oh, this shit's cool. Let's watch it and that's it. But like when he was showing me *Return of the King*, I mean, so many themes and 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 I and things about the token verse, he didn't even get, and like, yeah. I got it, and I'm like, whoa, this just makes us so much better. Like when he showed me, he didn't. To hit, Gollum was just a bad guy to to, to Kyle. Like, ah, kill that bad guy, and I'm like, dude, he's an extremely tragic character who was manipulated by the ring. <laughs> That's a good side. I don't mean? care. <laughs> yeah so but yeah anyway well, some
1: people like some some like that have more fun sometimes with these things they have an easier time enjoying things that we would otherwise be like oh poo poo like didn't he yeah. like halo 4 out the gate and halo
0: 5 dude halo 4 is the center of halo of of uh kyle's love for halo yeah it's the very like he played one and two growing up and three uh but four was like yeah everyone was else thing. was hating it and
1: he's over there having
0: a good time in his pocket of the world yeah so yeah,
1: yeah no but hey pray thanks so much man i mean i love hearing that dude and that is that's so cool that your dad was so excited. I can't I can only imagine the nostalgia you must have for Phantom Menace. Then, even though you're so little, you probably don't remember as much. But
0: that's that's very cool to hear. That's See, that's got to be helpful to you guys. You you both your dads like the prequel. Now, my dad my dad likes the prequels, but like when I say he likes the prequels, it's a completely different thing than he likes the rest of Star Wars. Because for my dad, it was like like he never hated on the prequels. He never he never even criticized them. But for him, it was always like, "Oh, these movies aren't like the ones I grew up with." Mm-hmm. And then when the *Force Awakens* came out, I took my dad to see it, and he cried. You know, that was that for him was Star Wars. Like, you have, you have the, to tell that story, man. Like all the stuff, with your dad's reactions when we
1: get to the sequel one, dude. Like, yeah. like I don't—that's sure. something I specifically yeah. don't want you to forget. For sure, because I loved hearing yeah. that. Uh,
0: I think *Force Awakens*. Yeah, I got to save all that. Yeah, I'm not going to say any more about it. But yeah, well, I got to
1: say, I got a good stuff to say. I to will more. say, I will say, just for now, like, and, and you can chime in too to add to it, but the moment i went and saw a force awakens with brian the moment i'm coming out of the theater was like a transcendental i mean i thought i loved it it was a transcendental moment for brian as like solidifying himself as a star wars fan because again you can correct me if i'm wrong but my take was always that brian was like kind of like i used to be with the harry potter the wizarding world stuff i was just on the outside of being a fan just on the cusp but i needed like something to speak to me well i'm over that now but like i as in, i'm i'm a fan but Force Awakens was Brian's moment and it was like the one that spoke to him and then suddenly like every Star Wars movie that came out after we would talk to death on like over analyzing discussing our thoughts he would tell me how what his dad thought of this one or that one you know and it was just that was always fun having Star Wars movie discourse with Brian so yeah yeah absolutely but it's pray. cool
0: because Go ahead. you can you can't always sometimes you wanna choose what movie or game meant the most to you mm-hmm. but sometimes it chooses you you know like a lot of people a lot for instance like you know a lot of people's favorite halo might be two or three or four or whatever but they want it to be one like they want to be a combat evolve stand, but they're like they know deep down the one that moved them emotionally or grabbed them was four or three mm-hmm. or something for me it's like you know force awakens is the one that and, and Back when the hype was real, right? Like sure. everybody, kind of, everybody probably wanted Force Awakens to be their favorite. Like this is the new hot. Like I would love you know? We'll we'll say it again for the sequel sequel. Didn't Justin come out of that pretty high too? A uh, Force yeah, Awaken. he said it, he he said it was for he said it was guaranteed third third best. He for said him. Empire a new hope and force. I'm sure that's way different for him now, sure. but let he said back But
1: the time, yeah, we all were on that high, so. Yeah. Yeah, man, no, but no, thanks, Pray. Thank you so much for sending that in, man. It's nice to
0: get your thoughts on that. I literally had no idea. You saw it that Love year. hearing from you, Pray. Yeah. Can you play the shorter clip first, Josh? Absolutely, man. We'll save Because I want to have that seven-minute one, one symbolizing the, the end.
1: <laughs> okay. okay, sounds good. This one is from our buddy Darren, so let's see if we can let me make sure this plays. You know how long Darren's is? It's okay if you don't. It's under two minutes.
3: Okay. Hey Josh, hey Brian i just going to try to keep this as brief as possible since I know you guys are trying to wrap this up so uh, the prequels I grew up with them but I remember watching the original trilogy the most before I watched that one and I think it specifically was because Revenge of the Sith was PG-13 so my parents didn't feel as comfortable with me watching it when I was younger <laughs> I don't know, I think that's just one of the reasons why but um, yeah I've always loved the prequels that I think they're great even with their faults i know that they can be a bit out there and introduce some weird things but at the end of the day with all the lore that's been built around them i think they really have come out to be like a great series of movies even with the bad acting and stuff like that but i don't know it really comes down to the politics of it and how the scheming of palpatine led to qui-gon's death and then anakin's not, Anakin not being trained by Qui-Gon and the, the whole meaning of the duel of the fates, meaning it was Anakin's fate of if Qui-Gon died or lived, uh, what would happen. And his death resulting in Obi-Wan training him and him not being able to keep him away from Palpatine and Palpatine corrupting him and him turning to the dark side. And then how that leads into the original trilogy and how Luke leads Anakin back. And I just love how that all works out and I think it's great. And lightsaber duels are just, oh, so perfect. They're great uh yeah they' just the clones are cool the settings cool wish they could have done you know a little bit better with acting and stuff like that but I still love hating Christensen even with his <laughs> dry delivery but yeah that's about it
0: yeah man yeah absolutely what do you want to say Brian it's funny that he fixated on like the main criticism of the movie is acting because he didn't really call out you know, Cringe moments or CG or, mm. or anything like that, or Mendiclorians or anything like that. He just called the acting. I've been wondering, I mean, what are Mendiclorians? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there's like memes where it's like, like uh, Liam Neeson's like, let me tell you, idiot, or something <laughs> like that. But, um, let me tell you, a little cracker. I mean, I think there's like moments of stilted acting throughout the trilogy but mostly the, the the worst of it's really just hayden's attack of the clones i think is the worst sure. of it I, I, that's really the only thing that sticks out to me is horribly noticeable you could argue uh kid anakin but i don't think that's because he's a bad actor i think that's because he's a kid actor you know like sure um but um yeah no uh i know you love these movies darren and, and you have good reason to and I don't know. It's so strange because I, I just I, I wonder. Like, I really wish I could pinpoint what makes because I love I do love the prequels, legitimately. Like I said, I have Revenge of the Sith at number five out of eleven movies, um, but I wish I could pinpoint what made the prequels resonate so strongly for you and Darren and Prey. Mm-hmm. I, I almost said, but not me. But that's not true. It's not that they do resonate for me, but like you guys, like this is like whether it's your favorite trilogy or not, which it is. It's the trilogy that like impacted you the most. You grew up with. Technically, I did too. So I don't know what I don't know what was missed there. I don't know what. Um, it could be just a different just, taste of yeah. things too. I mean, like you and I both love sci-fi
1: and fantasy, but fantasy is definitely more your thing, and I would say it's more mine too. But you know, I don't know. Yeah. But I think I mean something I didn't even mention, but plays into this is like. This, I mean, whether you were coming off the original trilogy or not, I mean, this was our first look at Alderaan, even. You get to see Alderaan briefly at the end. Yeah. The planet that gets blown up, and you finally get a peek at, like, what it looked like and stuff. So, I think for a lot of people, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I think it was just going to the vast reaches of space, exploring different planets with different alien life. And, you know, this religion of Jedi and Sith and all the beautiful colors and scenery and... um. Yeah, droids even and stuff. I mean, I it's just, I just the sense of I'd adventure wager, these movies have.
0: I think I'd wager that just my interests never lined up well. Like I saw these movies as they came out, so I was there for them. But like, you know, you got to think like, and, and Darren's, you know, was Darren even? Alive? I don't think Darren was alive when *Phantom Menace* came out. Oh, I'm not was. sure when he was. ow. Uh, I'm not sure when he was born. My yeah, knee. Um, but like, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, so like when *Phantom Menace* came out, I was seven. Mm-hmm. I know that. I know the stuff I was into. It was like Hercules. It was Tarzan. It was uh, Toy Story 2. Like I said, it was stuff like that. And then by the time Attack of the Clones came out in 2002, I know I was into Harry Potter. You were into the Spider-Man movies. and Chamber of Secrets, bro. You love those. Spider-Man ones. and Chamber of Secrets. Two like, Towers. Like, even though yeah, that came later. Yeah, that came later. But like, it was like Spider-Man. I'm glad you mentioned it because I wouldn't have thought of it. Spider-Man and, and Harry Potter were two that I was really big into. Mm-hmm. But Attack of the Clones kind of you know passed me by and then... Revenge of the Sith, I was—I would say I was just as there as anyone else for that one, um, excited to see it. But it was—it was more like, let me see the last film, closing my dad's series. You oh, know? gotcha! Sure, sure, sure. Whereas then, like Force Awakens felt like, oh, this is my series. Now. That's what Which Indiana is weird. Jones
1: felt like for Dial Destiny, like what yeah. you just said verbatim. Yeah, so I get that in a good way. But yeah,
0: thanks, thanks for that, Darren. Sure.
1: Yeah, thank you for sending that in, man. I love what you know. You felt the same way about Duel the Fates and hearing your love of that stuff too. It was uh, I think it was just a special trilogy. I mean, this one it's much more colorful, plays around with the special effects more than I think the originals or even the sequels do. Sequels feel like a better hybrid, and the original, you know, well, kind of stand on their own.
0: The prequels just they the prequels take they don't take the easy way out. He could have done three movies that felt very much like the original three all over mm-hmm. again, but set beforehand. But instead, he's like, no, nah, I'm he basically in a sense. I think you guys will get what I'm saying, because he didn't actually do this. But in a sense, he crafted a whole new universe for the prequels. He's like, this is my Star Wars, but it's at a different time with different politics, different people in control. This is what it looks like. And it feels so original and so fresh and so different, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Whereas the the sequels, as much as I love them, as much as the sequels are my favorite um, overall, the sequels are basically like, what if we did the originals again with a modern day spin on it? You know, it's
1: With their own twenty seventy seven spin on it.
0: It's what you'd expect of a like like legacy continuation. You yeah. know, Whereas whereas the prequels does not feel like a legacy. Like George Lucas did an amazing job in making like because the the prequels are so different from the original trilogy. There's almost a sense that it's believable they came out in the order that they did. Not from a technology standpoint, mm-hmm. granted, because they look way you know in a sense they look way better than the originals. But like. Episode 1 through 6, it doesn't feel like you got, you know, original movies and the legacy movies. It feels like you got two distinct different trilogies. Sure. That just so happened to come out backwards and release. So
1: Perfectly said, man. I yeah. I completely agree with that. I think time has shown that that was the better option to take than um, trying to retread over stuff. Thing. Yeah, because yeah. then you're not hey, innovating.
0: And can you imagine? Like, obviously, it would never replace these because these are iconic. There are moments in histories. These, this will, these will always be the best because mm-hmm. they are the original. But just imagine if these exact same characters and plots and stories mm-hmm. of the prequels were done today with the best directors and writers. You know, your Denny Vel. Vill- think of Denny Velneux did Phantom Menace with all the best actors you can get. I'm not saying it. I'm saying from like a filmmaking standpoint it's not going to be better than the original because the original is always going to be what what it was there first but i'm just saying like if you had taken all of george lucas's best aspects and then given him got rid of the bad ones and, and gave him the best like i can't imagine what a modern you know i, I wouldn't want that because we right. have these right but i just can't imagine how good that would
1: oh be yeah to see
0: yeah that. i think even, the acting or the cg fell short they wouldn't have to anymore
1: that's true that's true i think uh even george lucas i think going into the prequel trilogy i think he wanted spielberg to direct those spielberg was like no ain't happening and then i think even ron howard i mean who would end up going to direct the solo movie that he was like are you kidding this is star wars like oh look it's too intimidating so yeah but uh no i agree with you and i mean something you said reminded me of it but i think i think growing up in terms of people in society like the prequel trilogy was like the first time I really saw like an ugly side of fanboyism and it really gave me a distaste for talking about Star Wars with a lot of people. And I think I it pry really for me too. To. Yeah. And,
0: because that came before Crystal Skull, that came before The Hobbits.
1: Well, it's like even when and it's another thing for the sequel trilogy, but who knows I might forget it then, so I'll tell it now, but even when Justin and I were going to the midnight launch, or the midnight uh, madness for the Force Awakens merchandise coming out, the Force Fridays they called it. Yeah, guys, there that were just neck beards. <laughs> like, like I'm talking about the kind that are dick bags want to, you know, sit on the computer and say mean shit in YouTube comments and and toxic Twitter shit. I mean, you could tell the guys' energy, like guys, is in like several right away. And I remember that because there was a shortage across the line at any place of Force Awakens merch. That, um, I was just and I were at the back of the line, we weren't even going with the goal to buy anything. We just wanted to see what was there and like, look at it and ooh and ah, but there were other people in front of us that really wanted to get certain things. And those guys bought everything. And I thought you guys are the same fucking dudes that are like, I have, a, have to watch the originals unedited. Uh, George Lucas raped my childhood. The prequels are garbage. Hayden can't act. Uh, I'm a Jar Jar makes me want to kill myself. Um, you know, Jake Lloyd's terrible. All this mean stuff that got said over the years, I mean, those were those guys epitomized. And I just I it made me realize like talk like It's a deeper conversation, but I was like, man, certain parts of my personality I'll have to save for certain people. And I can't just 100% be myself around every single person. You know what I mean? Because, like, if I try to talk to this person about prequels, you can see the excitement die in their eyes, like you said earlier, you know, when they're like an original trilogy person and wanting to talk about that. And I'm like, well, I love it all. I love the prequels, and I love how we get. And they're like, "Oh, you know," and then or or they're like,
0: "They're like you have a sickness." Well,
1: you know what? Yeah, (laughs) dragon sickness. But uh, you know, and then just seeing how everyone always like, if you were, it's kind of like the sequel trilogy now. But like when you would start talking of the prequels back then, the conversation would very quickly go into why I don't like it. Same thing for the prequels now. Why I don't like it? Why this one wrongs me, or why this one burned me, or why I don't like this or that? We're all guilty of it, but like that was the that was the narrative for the prequels back then. And it was just a bummer to see uh, because I love those. And I'll never forget around that same time. It was like a few days after at that same Toys R Us. I went to the Force Friday event with Justin a few days after I go into that store and I just, I want to get a better look at what they have. And I was wanting to specifically get this Chewbacca Funko pop and I went in there to see if they had it. And there's this other guy there around my age. I've told this story before, but him and I started talking. He's like, Oh, you're here looking at this stuff too? And I'm like, Yeah, I didn't really get to check it out the other day. And he's like, Yeah, I didn't either, blah, blah, blah. it's like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, that looks cool. And we just got talking about stores in general and how we're excited. I'm like, well, I loved all of it. He's like, I love all of it too. And he's like, I love the Clone Wars. And I was like, I love the Clone Wars, you know? And we were just vibing. And I just remember walking out. We literally left the store, neither one of us buying anything, walking out that Toys R Us, talking as if we were friends. And He goes to his car, I go to my car, and it was literally like, may the force be with you. Never thought to get each other's name, add one another on Facebook, on Xbox, PlayStation, play games and stuff. But that was a moment of where I felt like maybe stuff is starting to turn around, you know, because, like, this is the first real interaction I've had that's been positive on this. But anyway, I got on a tangent. Darren, thank you so much for sending that in, buddy. You got me thinking about stuff, though. You got me talking about that Star Wars. So Thank you. Thank you. But, uh, all right, we got one last clip. This one is a long one. I was looking, lo- really looking forward to hearing this one. Wesley is about to pop off for some Star Wars. And I haven't listened. I didn't listen to Darren's prior. I didn't listen to Wesley, so I don't really know what he's going to say here. But uh, you ready for this, Brian? Yep. This is where the fun begins. All right.
4: I freaking love Star Wars. Maybe not as much as I used to. Actually, not nearly as much as I used to. <laughs> but there are only two fandoms that I can remember from my early, early childhood. We're talking like six and under. And that is Superman and Star Wars. Uh, When did Phantom Menace release? 99 or 2000? So either way, I was either four or five. Um, It was because of the hype for that movie that my dad was like, "Oh boy, yeah, you should watch Star Wars." So oh boy, yeah. that led to many, many trips back and forth from our local blockbuster. Well, that dates it quite a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> oh man, blockbuster. Anyway, I know, man, so I got right lots of you. trips back and forth from from blockbuster, watching all the Star Wars movies on VHS be- before before some. Some of the more recent, like CGI inserts, in, like insertions, I, I should mention, the the youngins may not even know about some of that stuff. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Phantom Menace kicked it off. But I mean, I watched. Of course, I watched the original trilogy first. I don't remember what my reaction to Darth Vader was. I was so young. I don't. I have no idea. I just like. By the time I became like a self aware human being. Star Wars was already in my life, if you know what I mean. like it's it's that early an investment for me. and
1: Force was calling to you.
4: oh man. I just I got so many memories. i'm I'm gonna try to like condense this for you a little bit. You're good way. there's just so I much. That. I remember the merchandise for for Attack of the Clones, especially there were, like, lightsaber spoons that came in cereal boxes. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yep, I do. I got those. I had the red one. And then on the backs of those cereal boxes, there was, like, the first, at least as far as I had ever seen, the first, like, make-your-own-Star-Wars name, like a Star Wars name decoder. Um, I'll have to find that and maybe post it in the Discord. But, like, me and all my friends – Use the back of a freaking cereal box to determine our Star Wars names for life. Like, we have Star <laughs> Wars names that we still use from the stupid cereal boxes. And we oh, thought it was so cool. cool. That's special. My friends and I, we had like this whole Star Wars role play where, like, because the Legends canon was so, like, huge mm-hmm. and there are so many holes in it, we were just like, okay, we're gonna take all of our characters and our storylines that we made up for our, like, role play. You know, all of us like 10, 11, 12 year olds and we're going to put it way over here, like way over here. where no other Star Wars stories touch. I think we were like older public is what we thought of it as. But yeah, so we got that role play going on and just like all the hype from from the prequel movies you know the attack of the clones and the revenge of the sith and i had a. there was this huge debacle with my family i think revenge of the sith was the first pg-13 movie i ever like saw in theaters my dad was like a big movie guy so like he'd show me clips he thought was appropriate of other movies that he liked that were maybe even R, but like just clips this was the first like pg-13 or plus movie i ever saw like in full like in like intently went to go see it was revenge of the sith and like it blew my freaking socks off as a kid (laughs) like it was like the most beautiful piece of art i had ever seen just just so emotional um and i i I still feel that way today i love revenge of the sith in fact i think i i had mentioned this recently i flip-flopped back and forth um Empire and Revenge of the Sith which one's my favorite Star Wars movie I really just think it's Revenge of the Sith like I know I know Empire is a classic but any, anyway anyway uh prequel stuff so Revenge of the Sith just like destroyed me um and then so what we got the we got the two spin-off movies now um Rogue One loved it uh I think I saw that in theaters multiple times maybe like twice uh loved it I thought it was great um solo solo i like i'm not a solo hater i like it i am i am a major supporter of recasting these older actors i think it's fine i think it's it's totally fine it's whatever I, i don't like i know some of the new ai stuff is impressive like i thought leia at the end of rogue one was pretty cool i think the stuff with indiana jones is neat like it looks good but like i don't think it's gonna age well to be honest with you i would just like let other talented people show their faces anyway rant over i'm a solo fan i like it i just don't have a lot of reasons to go back and rewatch it so that's me with solo i like it i think i've only seen it like twice ever but uh Maul cameo was a highlight for me. I love that. Oh, I yeah. love that love stuff. that moment. Um, Vision wasn't bad in it. I'm I'm forgetting his name, but I'm just like, ooh, ooh, there's Vision. I'm I'm that like Leo Leo uh, gif. Point. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I love Star Wars. I'm so glad you guys are getting around, getting back around to doing the all the Star Wars stuff. It's a blast. I Love it. I uh, hope that's enough for you. Star Wars is really really important to me. Um, I know things have been kind of bleak lately For like the hardcore fans of, of which I include myself But I still love it My joy, my Star Wars joy Will never be completely stolen from me um, It's it's just such a special thing And I think like You guys may even discuss this eventually But I think with Star Wars movies It's almost like As, as hard as it is for me to admit That it exists There is a cycle where like new star wars movie bad and then whichever generation grew up with that movie they love it it's mm-hmm. great like yep. that's us with the the prequels mm-hmm. um it's gonna be some kids with the sequels yep. um so Perfect i just think thing. that like sometimes it's really hard to determine what a good star wars movie is like what what is a good star wars movie i think they're just star wars movies they're just magical They're, like, transcendent in a different sort of way. Not that transcendence where you're like, oh, wow, it's so good, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, like, this unique, like, off-to-the-side transcendence where it's just, like, Star Wars is itself. It's Star Wars. And we love it for what it is. And I don't know. It's just it's special, guys. Thanks for letting me rant. Uh, Have a great show. Love you both. Keep it sacred.
1: Love you, Wesley. You want you
0: want to say stuff, Brian? And go ahead. Yeah. Thanks so much, Wes. Um, yeah, I think. Um, Great message. Yeah, I mean, what you said, we we've all said it a lot, right? Like once once certain movies or trilogies or whatever are the old one, and something new comes in, the old one becomes more appreciated, and I, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, I think because it's 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 weird. Like a lot of us here are super analytical and overthink about stuff. And that's what makes us like something less or more. Um, like with Rise of Skywalker, for instance, it's the best example for me. I know that I and Wesley both walked out of that movie feeling like it was an awesome time. I don't know. I think you were disappointed immediately, weren't you, Josh? With Last Jedi? Yeah. No, yeah. with uh, oh, the Rise of Skywalker.
1: Oh, Skywalker. yeah, but I was a little more like... Prepared at the same time. Okay. Yeah.
0: I say, but like but yeah. me and West walked out of there just having a great time. My dad had a great time. A lot of a lot of people I know For that sure. are nerds, like super nerds like us, had a great time because they just go in and they're like, "Is it going to be Star Wars? Is there going to be ships and lightsabers and good versus evil? And is there good music? And is there people I've seen before, returning characters? And that's it." And I think uh, I think sometimes the fact that we overanalyze things and make them makes makes things uh, worse than they need to be. I mean, there's two sides to that, though, because, like, right, like, like, I don't need to go into all this, but, like, Rise of Skywalker, it's so, you know, they backtracked on things, they, it was cut so quickly, so much happened, reveals happened, that never seemed like they were built up, blah, 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 all fair criticisms, but, like, once again, my dad and plenty of other people I know just out in the open, they just saw it, and, like, that was fun, you know? Yeah. They didn't say it was their favorite or their least, and they just, yeah, it was a good time. For sure. And I think, I think the negative there when we get so deeply invested is we, we can't, we can't just enjoy a thing for what it is, um, and the reason I'm using Rise of Skywalker is because that's the movie that's, or Last Jedi, to be fair, is the most hated right now. Um, well, Revenge of the Sith was in that group of most hated for a while, and now you just don't hear people say that. People, people now are just like that movie is freaking awesome. Maybe mm-hmm. it's my favorite. So, you know, just you know eventually that could happen you could see people being go like man rise of skywalker is one of my favorites you know it's so dark you got darth like corpse, darth sidious you know you have like the dyad in the force you know uh that moment with ben solo when he catches the lightsaber from behind his back like Sick. you know all the sh- all the ships showing up at the end mm-hmm. chewie gets his medal you know like yeah. you could just see you could just see all these people getting excited about this stuff and 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 there'll be people like us sitting here on the internet you know when we're like 55 going like <laughs> Man, people's favorites, Rise of Skywalker. Shit's changed, man. Shit has changed. You know, like it's like. Well, I don't know what that thing is you made fun of, Josh. Where it's like, this shit's bad.
1: Oh yeah, know. from uh, from Final Fantasy VII remake. Final Fantasy VII, yeah, yeah, you're going to explore the slums. This shit's bad.
0: Yeah, you're gonna be like, we're gonna be like, kids don't understand. <laughs> uh, you know what's going on here, uh, but yeah, th- things will change. But anyways, yeah, jo- uh, Wesley, a lot of things affected. Um, Uh, A lot of people are affected profoundly by Star Wars. I run into people all the time. Just somebody at work just the other day told me like, dude, you do not know how much Star Wars had a profound effect on my childhood. You know, it's like, that's so many people, right? It's like, it's so serious how profound that is on people, but it's also like so common and it's good and bad. It's like it unites people. That's the good part. The bad thing is, it's like, oh, well, it's not just special to me. It's, it's that special to another 4 million people, but, um, but yeah. But Josh, I actually here's the good news and the bad news, guys. We were right at the end, anyways. I do have to jet off uh, at this exact moment, but uh, that's what I had to say to Wes, uh, Josh. Hopefully, can you respond to Wes and
1: absolutely and take man, us, out, I'll of take us out of here valiantly?
0: Make yeah. sure you keep us sacred, Josh. And when if you can, I will If you can, just um just let this just keep this up for. While. I'm going to be back shortly. I have to leave, guys, at this exact moment, but I'll be back in like 10, 15 minutes. If you could just leave this running, Josh, so I can end the recording on my end.
1: I'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll okay, figure it out. Yeah, sounds good. But man. Uh,
0: yeah, guys, um, <laughs> we went almost four hours. Brian, keep it sacred. Prequels, so, I will. I'll keep it sacred, guys. But, uh, <laughs> He'll be back. But yeah, guys. I guess. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. And uh, Star Wars prequels are awesome, and we're going to be back with three more long episodes of Star Wars. So, but Josh, what do you have to say about West?
1: time to abandon ship yeah wesley thank you so much for sending that in man i love what you had to say you know about some of the stuff brian said too i mean i feel like you know like you hit the nail on the head i think with how the one that's like relevant is the one that later gets like romanticized and celebrated by the people that grow up with it and even going off what brian said i feel like we're gonna hit that time you know, like I kinda look forward to that time when the sequels are more celebrated by those who grow up grew up with them. And I mean that the, the youth that grows up with those movies has the benefit of Galaxy's Edge that is themed from the sequel trilogy aesthetics, you know? Which is I mean it has everything, right? But it, like it's just you have that more the focus of things. You got the first order wandering around, Ride right of the Resistance and stuff like that. And it's just really gonna be cool and special for those kids who got to go to those places and like live in that world. Um, when they come of age and can talk about why these are good films and why they like them and why they're special, you know, and I think a lot of movies are starting to move toward that breakneck pacing for the worse. I think, but that rise had, but at the same time, you know, I think, um, it's not going to matter years from now. And I, I always, I want to be the kind of person just in general in life that doesn't poo poo too much on like the future generations, having things better than maybe I did with, uh, You know, whether it's technology, better accessibility, or, I don't know, they're getting paid more, or they're enjoying movies that I think aren't as good as mine. Like, I've seen so many people that have that. Like, it's not as good as they used to be. And, I mean, I totally get that. There's a lot of things I could could pick apart myself where I feel that way. But, at the same time, like, I don't want to let that affect other people's joy and stuff. And I want to be... A supporter of uh people who enjoy this who enjoy the sequel trilogy for example and get to grow up with that stuff and have that voice when their time comes around and i don't want to be that neckbeard guy angrily really typing away even if i don't like certain aspects of star wars i'm still here because i love it and to not like something is to uh, care about it in the first place enough to be affected to either to, to weigh which either way of uh, the of the, the scale right so i mean i love that and uh but I love your enthusiasm, dude. It is interesting. I didn't know you either. Like, kind of got, you know, you were a youngin' when those uh, prequels came out. That's kind of fascinating to me, too, to hear and learn about. Um, you guys are making me feel my age, which is fun, you know? I'm seeing the gray in my. I feel like I'm seeing another, like, stream of, of gray go across my beard right now as I'm recording this. But, uh, you know, I love getting to hear that stuff. It's fun and exciting to see. Uh, I mean, you guys have restored so much enthusiasm for me being those voices on the internet saying i love these prequels i love these movies i grew up with these i have nostalgia for these i mean that's awesome to hear It makes someone like me feel less alone who was a little bit older and uh, when he experienced those but didn't really have a lot of people to bounce that off of i mean i I remember people loving you know dark maul i remember people loving the yoda fight in attack i remember people loving the just the duels that you got in revenge and stuff like that but you know people were always hating and stuff like that. I've just always been someone who loves Jar Jar and all of it. And I think a thing for me too, is uh, I think the reason why is in large part because it was just, it's all done by George. George was the one who got me into it all with the original trilogy. And even though he had huge help, right? But it was George's vision. And then going into the prequels, I think without realizing it, as a young and I was just going to unabashedly love those because it was still him telling that story. Like, for example, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is if George had done the sequels, no matter what he had done, I would have probably loved him unabashedly because it was just him doing it. So there's the part of me that's just like, I don't care like care what brand of pizza it is. It's still pizza, so I'm loving it because it's pizza. It's under that umbrella. But anyway, I love you guys so much. This has been a blast. Star Wars means so much to me. It means so much to Brian. And uh, Brian's just on the cusp of, of getting back into that enthusiasm that we haven't seen from him in a couple years. So that's very exciting. And uh, you know, I'm always just ready to talk about more Star Wars. I love doing it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, you guys' support, you guys backing us, just being excited for these episodes in general in the Discord. Come and join us in the Discord, guys, if you haven't. We have so much fun in there. Hit us up on Patreon at patreon.com slash sacredicon. Until next time, guys, keep it sacred, and may the Force be with you.